Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast, hosted and sponsored by GrandTheftWorld.com. It's episode 109. It's December 4th, 2022. We're coming at you this week with six or seven hours of hardcore news rammed up against the historical context, the documents, the artifacts, the things you might not have gotten a chance to read. And we're going to look at stories like uh, Elon released the Twitter files, files, files. It goes on forever. Uh, or as we fondly call them, the Vijaya monologues, because there's a lot of Vijaya Gotti's texts and communications that kind of contradict what she had told everybody on the Joe Rogan experience a couple years ago with Tim Pool, where she defended Twitter's policies and so on and so forth. Find out Jack Dorsey, not so much in control, had actually he had to rein her in. He was having trouble. So there's a whole lot of things being disclosed. There's a couple other good leaks this week, too. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, China is having a huge lockdowns. They're building camps for their people. It's really a foreshadowing of what they have in plan for the Western nations. Uh, Klaus Schwab at all of his World Economic Forum cronies have indicated that China is the model. Bill Gates has said they thought he thought China did a really great job. So if you don't want that type of foreshadowing on your future, we're going to have to take a look closer look at what's going on with these COVID policies, these vaccine mandates, all these sort of things that are still going on behind the scenes while you're not paying attention, while you're focused on end of year activities. They're focused on next year lockdowns and mandates and passports and things like that. We're also going to get into the fact that uh, Elon had this mass amnesty. There's a lot of people back on Twitter now, such as James, uh, what's James? James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. He's got a million followers on Twitter. He's now back. They have a new whistleblower from inside the government that shows that the Biden administration has been participating in human trafficking. And no, this does not tie to the Hunter Biden story and any human trafficking that might be going on with that this has to do with the border this has to be uh has to do with unfair unhumanitarian treatment of human beings because of policies and we're going to dig into that possibly later tonight uh we've got some smoking gun fauci emails to look at now last year there was some leaked emails uh there was some FOIA request emails a lot of it was redacted though this year we get to see what's behind all those black pages. There's a lot of the, uh, the names are unredacted. The contents unredacted. You can see up front, there was not a forthright effort to identify the origin as wet market or lab and that they were, don't look at the lab. Don't look at the lab the whole time. Wouldn't you think if the world was really under threat that you'd look at the lab just in case that's where the answer is. So these people had a predetermined outcome from the get go, much like Philip Zelikow coming to the nine 11 commission meetings with an outline of how the commission's going to research and what they're going to find ahead of time. So we're going to look into stories like that. And last but not least, there were some words said that were heard around the world this past week on a Thursday afternoon, 40 million plus people tuned into Infowars to see something they'd never thought they'd see on Infowars or even in real life. It, it was hardly uh, the strangest interactivity. I mean, if they were all on LSD, it might have been stranger, but it was like one of those things that's a real anomaly in the schedule for the week. A lot of things were said. A lot of contradictions were laid out uh, that don't make any sense. And I don't think the people complaining about the meeting of many, many millions of them, I don't think they took the time to study what, what's going on there. So there are some things of concern in there. I saw Mr. Jones get very uncomfortable at the desk several times during that interview, but uh, hooray for free speech, for being able to say, let's have some ideas discussed. And those ideas, though incendiary as they might be, and not as eloquently articulated as they could have been, I think it was a, a winning day for free speech. I don't agree with hardly anything the man known as Ye said, 
but I do agree with his right to be able to say things that I disagree with. I'm not looking to see people banned or censored because I think that is the ultimate form of weakness. To learn more about that China situation, let's kick off this episode with Luke Radowski from wearechange.org. He has a little snippet at the beginning of his report from earlier today. Let's get to that, and then we'll get to the rest of this stuff. Hang in there. Um, no, I mean, if, frankly, the risk of something bad happening to me or even literally being shot is quite uh, significant. I'm definitely not going to be you know, doing any open-air car parades, uh, let me put it that way. Um, but it's also not, it's not that hard to kill me if somebody wanted to. So hopefully they don't. And uh, if fate smiles upon the situation with me and does not, uh, security. That does not happen. Um, I'm taking reasonable precautions, I guess. But, but uh, it, there's definitely some, some risk here. But wow, yep, that right there is one of the world's richest people who is now pissing off a lot of other very rich people telling everyone that uh, his security is at risk here, which it is. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Zuckerdowski here of WeAreChange.org, and we have an absolute plethora of incredibly crazy news coming in from all over the world. But specifically in this video, we want to focus and highlight on the major revelations coming from Elon Musk and Twitter that has stunned the world, showed the receipts, and now has provided us some unbelievable proof of some very bad actions by some very powerful people, which Elon thinks are at risk for his safety. Yes, we're gonna be talking about that, plus a lot more. If you like the shirt that I'm wearing, you can get it on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And the clip that we played in the beginning of this broadcast was from a shared Twitter space that just happened last night with Elon Musk taking hours out of his day and answering questions from what is predominantly a lot of independent journalists that were asking some really interesting questions for a very eye-opening conversation surrounding, of course, the release of the Twitter files and more files to come. As, of course, Matt Taibbi just released the first set of eye-opening information, we're now finding out that Barry Weiss has the second data package that she is most likely going to be releasing Monday. As we have to admit here, the major bombshells released by Matt Taibbi are huge and have a lot of grave implications for a lot of people that abuse their positions of power for their own personal benefit. Now, the media coverage of this has been very interesting, as of course Fox News has been covering this very extensively, and some other media organizations haven't. That's mainly because a lot of media organizations are complicit when it comes to the larger cover-up and what many people are saying is clear election interference. Fox News had a very interesting headline that read, Media's Hunter Biden collusion. Twitter files dump has them on defense, attacking the messenger, and a byline in their opinion piece saying that the media is too invested in the suppression of the story to acknowledge the extent of the scandal. And it is a major scandal, which the New York Times is ignoring. It looks like the Washington Post, CBS News, and ABC News are all also avoiding this major bombshell story that everyone is talking about. 
And if we remember, large swaps of the corporate mainstream media didn't just ignore this original story, didn't just not report on it, but actively participated in what we now know is a cover-up with Rolling Stone in 2020, right before the last presidential election came out and called this story that we knew. Many people at the FBI, at Twitter, and at other big tech social media companies knew was true, but were knowingly lying to everyone about it. Rolling Stone was going along with the lie and pushing this larger gaslighting effort. Now, what kind of reporting did we see from all of this? Well, also a lot of criticism of Matt Taibbi for releasing the documents for some reason. MSNBC was trashing his, quote, ethics and standards, which I don't think they even understand what it is, especially with their failed disastrous partisan news that, if you could even call it that, that they dribble out of their mouth holes repeatedly. And if it wasn't clear enough already, I think it's becoming more clearer by the day that the corporate media is just acting on the behest of government and essentially doing PR for them and other very rich, connected individuals. As, of course, we have to remember here, it wasn't just the corporate media that was lying here. It was also many government officials, allegedly in the intelligence community, that were discrediting this story, which we're now finding out they absolutely knew was true. Now, what's really interesting here is the involvement of the Donald Trump administration that looks like it played a very key role in their own demise when it comes to this entire saga, as of course it was the Donald Trump administration that passed a law that allowed the Department of Homeland Security to go to big tech social media companies and to ban accounts. We're also finding out from this leak by Elon Musk that both parties had the tools to ban individuals in 2020 and that there were requests from the Trump White House that were met, received, and honored. But as Matt Taibbi points out, a lot of the bannings, a lot of the discrimination when it came to political speech that happened on Twitter largely happened because of the connections that people within the government had to Twitter. And obviously, many people at Twitter were more favorable towards the Democrats. And overwhelmingly, the Democrats were using these tools, these backdoors in order to communicate and to ban legal speech on their platform because they just didn't agree with it. Another interesting thing that we found out from these leaks is who was directly responsible for a lot of these calls, a lot of these decisions, and of course it was Vijaya Gadi, an individual formerly Twitter's policy head who was seen crying after Elon Musk was announced to be taking over the company. Why was she crying? Well, that's because she had her hand in the cookie jar. She was the one implicated. She was the one making the calls. As the revelations from Matt Taibbi show that even Jack Dorsey, the CEO, wasn't aware of many of these decisions and had a hard time of even trying to clear them up. As mainly Vinjaya was calling all the shots here, making all the decisions with obviously a very clear bias. As she was the main person Person deciding that stories that she knew and the Federal Bureau of Investigations knew were true would be censored because it made the administration that she was connected to look bad right before a major election. Now, does all the blame go on Vinjaya? No, there's probably also backdoor communications that we are still not aware of that happened between her and the Department of Homeland Security and probably the Federal Bureau of Investigations, as we're also finding out the involvement of James Baker at the Federal Bureau of Investigations that was also at the head of many of these important decisions, as, of course, the FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop. They had Tony Bobolinsky coming to them, confirming a lot of these stories 
theories to be true. And then the FBI went around telling big tech social media that it wasn't true and that they needed to censor the story from the American public right before the election. As major polls show that if the American public was aware of this story, that they would have voted differently, essentially changing the outcome of the last presidential election, or as some people would say, fortifying it for their own political cause. We're also finding out that FBI agents met weekly with social media tech companies right before the 2020 election. And if you detail the activities of the FBI during that election cycle, there are a lot of very serious questions that should be brought up since, of course, people are accusing them of acting like the Stasi for one political party while punishing the other one. The other one, of course, being the Republican Party, as it looks like they are predominantly loyal servants of the Democrats. Through the disclosures, we also found out how the government went after people like James Woods, an actor who they didn't like what kind of political expression he had. So therefore, he had to be gone, according to the Federal Bureau of Investigations. This as top Republicans are coming out today and saying that there is a much larger story behind everything that was just released to the general public as U.S. Senator Ron Johnson is teasing a possible investigation and report into all of this and uh it shouldn't be be teased. It should be initiated automatically. We have agents at the federal government knowing a story is true, lying that it wasn't, and then going to people telling them to not report on it, stifling journalism, stifling any kind of honest and real reporting right before an election, which of course swayed it towards their own personal benefit. If the Republicans ever want to win an election ever again, they must do something about this, as, of course, we know that Twitter is just one company. As, of course, there are many other companies out there that have a lot more influence than they do when it comes to online discourse. What's the involvement of the FBI there? Well, until there's an investigation, we will not know at all. And until then, they will continue to manipulate information, censor accounts that directly benefit them when it comes to online discourse which dictates and decides American politics. Now Elon Musk is revealing all of this and when it comes to shifting the balance and making it fair and making it more accountable, there of course is going to be a lot of pushback, a lot of blowback against him and the federal agencies that he is putting in check. As of course Elon Musk is also promising more smoking gun documents and information to be revealed to the general public and most of what he originally released was already known but at least now we know the details of it we have the receipts of it we have the undeniable accounts and documents of it that cannot be denied that in a court of law that in some kind of investigation there might be some actual changes to that and because of that because a major political party might lose their fortification of their political future there should be, of course, some retribution, which from earlier on in the video, Elon Musk was talking about. Later on in this phone call, in this Twitter space that he had with many independent journalists, he reiterated the point once again saying this. <laughs> I do not have any suicidal thoughts. I, uh, I, I, if I committed suicide, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, when one of the most powerful people in the world starts to say things like that, I think we should be starting to pay attention as, of course, Epstein was also trending 
during Friday night's delayed release of the original Twitter files by Matt Taibbi, with many people, of course, speculating that something could have happened to Elon when it came to releasing the documents originally, and with how corrupted, how disgusting the national security state is, especially with the larger intelligence agencies that worked with, cooperated, and financed a larger international trafficking and extortion operation that hurt children in unspeakable ways. This is what the intelligence agencies are capable of. And when it comes to exposing them and putting them in check, it's important to know that people who do so become a risk of those same kind of nefarious behaviors that they were previously responsible for. Now, what's going to be in this next upcoming file release from Twitter? Well, a lot of people are speculating that there might be some information specifically about Brazil's election and a lot of other nefarious behavior by very powerful people that used their platform, not as a social media platform, but as a platform to propagate their ideas and to destroy other ones that held them accountable. Now that Twitter is under the control of Elon Musk, do we have the possibility, do we have the ability to counter a lot of this very nefarious activities? Will something happen to Elon Musk? Will the voices of the people finally remain free, uninhibited, uncensored by the federal government? Well, time will only tell. But uh, it's it's even crazy for, for me to say this, but uh, I'm personally rooting for the guy that's going to be putting microchips in people's heads soon. So yeah, that's my particular take on this very specific issue. There's still also a lot of important updates when it comes to Mr. Epstein that we're going to be getting into in future videos on this platform. Make sure you subscribe and click the notification button as we're going to be talking about some bigger details in future broadcasts. I think, uh, just in case I forget to say it later, uh, until we get Epstein's client list, we could always take Christie's auction site list and maybe whittle it down. I think there's probably a lot of overlap between those two lists until we get them. So um, <clears throat> Luke alluded to a couple of the big stories that happened in the past, like 72 hours. Friday night, there were the Twitter files uh, dropped by Matt Taibbi, formerly uh, a Rolling Stone author. And so he kind of had uh, a movement of consciousness away from Rolling Stone. And now he's being critiqued by Rolling Stone. So that's how you know you're over the target is when you're getting uh, the shelling from the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone uh, recommended the, the murder weapon for uh, the Florida shooting that just got adjudicated. So that kid looked up his Nicholas, uh, whatever his last name was. He looked up what's the best for school shooting and Rolling Stone article told him the weapon of choice. I didn't see Rolling Stone getting a trillion dollar decision over political means no because they're protected they're part of the protected class they represent the deep state which is also what the twitter files are showing you there is a deep state and it's not just like the democrats and biden there's a group of people that want to see america fall they've been working at it really for a long time after christy lee's media malfeasance we'll take a look at this book by a former united states senator we'll see what he had to say on matters like this about deep state and how things really work um and then on saturday so about uh, 12 hours later, Elon was on a jet. So he decided instead of watching a movie, he'd talk to people around the world in a 100,000 person Twitter space conference call where he just answered a whole bunch of random questions in between satellite blips because, you know, he's moving at 400 miles an hour. So uh, there's a whole lot of information disclosed through the 36 
tweets by Taibi showing uh, screenshots into the Twitter files. There's also going to be a drop coming up um, with uh, Barry Weiss. So there's another set of information. And it's going to continue. It's going to be an ongoing thing, much like the the Pentagon Papers or any of these other leaks of the past that has been done by uh, people of better conscience than the evil people trying to take advantage of everybody. I'm not a big fan of Elon, but I do like the whole, you know, let's uh, get some amnesty. Let's get some more free speech out there. We can't have a civilized society if one side of the conversation is deleted and can't come to the table. There's a whole lot of problems with that. And I think uh, he's in the midst of trying to work that out. And it's interesting to see somebody like that try to work on stuff like that. So more to be revealed. I also uh, caught that New York Post with all the intelligence chiefs on there that said there's nothing to see with the Hunter Biden laptop. Couple that with the fact that the FBI already had that laptop for a year. And put, put two and two together. I, w- I want a T-shirt with New York Post front page on the front and FBI having Hunter Biden's laptop for a year before it got covered up by Twitter. The, the election got thrown, all those sort of things like there is a chain of causality. There are certain people involved. I don't think it's political. I think it's supra political. I think it has to do with that Epstein blackmail list of clients and the globalists have deep capture on America through the deep state, uh, a group of people that maintain power regardless of who's in the White House. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And while all this was going on, let's not forget. Pentagon uh, admits it can't account for two trillion dollars again. So while again? this was going on, uh, son and I were sharing this back and forth in regards to you so know, in the past two- 20 years, that's at least four point three trillion that they can't account for. But we don't have any better accountants that want to get in there and find that money what the heck man you get yeah. a percentage as a whistleblower if you found lost money for the government like that they give you like 10 percent. you could get 230 million dollars if you're a whistleblower knows where that went just saying you probably will get epstein you'll probably get clinton clinton That's listed the, there you go there's your percentage cut <laughs> what elon was just saying he's like he's like i'm not gonna be riding around in a, in a convertible in a motor car parade anytime soon he knows there's red dots on him oh yeah i mean releasing this uh obviously a lot of questions. You know, there are people in the alternative community like, oh, this is a massive red herring. But I find it to be very interesting because it at least shows we knew about this in the alternative community. We've covered it in depth. Oh, yeah. But they actually see it. They actually see the email exchanges uh, with their uh, lawyer, talk exec- the top lawyer. I mean, she's like, we don't really this this hacking thing. We're using this as an excuse, but it doesn't really fit that. But we're going to like run cover. It's like it's. Yeah, it's and right communications with the communications of the White House directly saying, "Oh, wait, well, you know, we'll we'll rein her in. We're sorry about this. Like, we'll make sure we take care." Vijaya, I mean, it's just uh, it's wild. So to actually get vindic, it's not even vindication because we knew about it, but we didn't know the, the specific details, the words that were said. Much like the Fauci emails, we knew they existed. We got some information out of it, but then there's so much was redacted. So the more we're getting to see, the more we're just being vindicated in regards to the the type of um, what we've been showing, you know, for the past year, two years on this show, and and many others for that matter. So Hillary Clinton's going to send Vijaya the hammer that Hillary used to smash all the smart devices, and, and like like Hillary covered her stuff up. Like she admitted, so oh yeah, we we scrapped all, we deep sixed all that information. They tried to cover it up. At least Vijaya is on enough, honest enough that the record was left at Twitter for for Elon to find. Is that not or not? Amazing. I mean, come on. Maybe these are the things they're like, we can't delete this stuff. They'll, they'll delete the worst stuff, but they'll leave that maybe. But for him to buy that company and all that evidence be there, on you know, like, it's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know if I believe the whole narrative, but I see it unfolding. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes makes one sort of question, like, what are the real intentions here? But at the same time, a lot of incompetence exists at these massive corporations. And you saw like the sort of mer- merchandise he also exhibited that they had in the these back rooms in regards to like the the uh, uh, sycophantic support of the woke culture and SJW movement and all that sort of stuff alongside the Democratic Party and the Biden administration. So they were just, you know, balls deep in all of that and completely well, I'm on just board. thinking back to like, I've sat at the table in a meeting with a global corporate uh, chief lawyer, chief general counsel, and they know about like there's an audit trail and they could get caught and they seek to delete it. That specifically was said to me in a meeting and I was like, whoa. So she also knows there's an audit trail. And did she cry when Elon bought the company because she no longer had access to that? Or at least, like I said, maybe she's someone who went beyond the rules, but she's honest enough not to try to cover it up. Yeah, she's not as uh, sort of uh, sophisticated as the Pentagon, which just like acts like, oh, hey, we just lost it. You know, don't worry. It's just much lost. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. It's like that just went to black program. I mean, uh, I mean, oh, shit. I mean, it just went missing. Don't worry. Well, guys. I always think of like the Pentagon. Uh, everyone knows it got struck on 9-11. Something happened at the Pentagon. What most people that don't specific know. specific office. Those specific. I mean, what are the chances, the, Rich? Well, I wasn't even going to mention that, Tony. I was going to say what most people don't know. It's not that the accountant's office was blown up that was investigating that crime that was announced the day before with the $2.3 trillion. That's conspiracy theory. I don't know about that. Mm. The They started, they broke ground on the Pentagon. It's birthday, if you will. 9-11. September 11th, 1941. So it was the 60th birthday. It had a little Phoenix ritual. Oh, yeah. It went to rebirth. ashes and rebirth. And look at how many trillions it's gotten since then. Oh, yeah. But then it still can't account for, even though they know these audits are coming. But people don't year. do things like that for money, Tony. You're mm-hmm. naive to think that people do things for money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course not. And they do it for uh, because they're such good-hearted individuals. You know, they believe in the greater good. If there's people out there competing for a $10,000 prize and there's 100 people, do you think one of those 100 people are going to cheat for that 10,000? Probably. Now, what do you think when there's trillions up for the game and there's people that only get to the top because they cheat like that? Like they're promoted from within. They promote within. Exactly. Yeah. Bezos is not Bezos today. You know, he went through his his uh, trials and tribulations with AOL and the, the knife in the conference room table. Yeah. When he was not the power player, when he was the little weak geek guy. And you see what he is now. He's a big, strong, rich man. A little bit scared in that meeting. Overcompensation, Jeff. That's what Overcompensation. What's all the plastic surgery? You can't actually like form any sort of wrinkles <laughs> from facial expressions anymore. So Jeff Bezos is how you know they don't have a cure for baldness yet. <laughs> Either that he would have it. He would have it. All right. So let's tee up uh, this week in media malfeasance with Christy Lee. And uh, I'm guessing because she also saw this week, there's going to be foreshadowing of other stories that we're going to cover later tonight in more depth because they're a little darker and we don't want to do that up front. We want to keep it light and chipper with the uplifting news of the week. So let's and, see what Chris. And it's, it's very uplifting because the title is pedophile protection and pushing. So nothing to see there. Is it about the Vatican or? Is there competition? The competition. Well, there's competition there's or there's shared the gangs, shared networks, probably. Oh, well, overlaps. Many. Yeah, it's overlaps. more like a symbiosis, unfortunately. It's more like one world under blackmail. All right, yeah, let's let's roll, Chris Seeley. 
The silence is deafening. A major fashion house promotes pedophilia with kids standing on beds, holding teddy bears and sexually suggestive BDSM, virtual child porn documents out, and the Balenciaga scandal just keeps getting worse. Do a search for celebrities speak out against, and you'll find outrage over anti-Semitism, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, even mistreatment by Ellen DeGeneres. But innocent children being preyed upon? Oh no, they don't have time for that. Kim Kardashian says she was shaken by the disturbing images, but yet she's been hesitant to completely cut ties with Balenciaga. Instead of raising awareness of child predators, the New York Times wildly blames Q, something that has no connection to a major fashion house. Yeah, let's focus on those who have a problem with the bondage-themed child ads rather than those sick ads. As Gateway Pundit points out, the article, which took three journalists to write, essentially protects Balenciaga in almost every line and blames QAnon and right-leaning media outlets for the new public belief the luxury brand condones child exploitation. Meanwhile, the Washington Post is praising a pedophile play as brilliant. Quote, Bruce Norris's off-Broadway work is tough stuff, questioning how society treats those convicted of heinous acts. If this play was about Nazis or the Ku Klux Klan, would reviewer Peter Marks sympathetically question how society treats them? Let's talk about how pedophiles are being treated right now by California Governor Gavin Newsom and George Soros-funded AGs, shall we? Thousands of sex offenders and pedophiles have received minimal sentences for vile crimes, with some avoiding any time behind bars. A shocking number have received less than a year prison time for horrific crimes, including raping children younger than 14, according to a Daily Mail analysis. And in Canada, officials granted bail to 22 out of 23 perps arrested in a child porn ring, according to Post Millennial. The predatory agenda against children is satanic. Disney treats it like a joke. A former Disney kid condemning it is making the rounds again. I've noticed a pattern in what is being represented. People think that this stuff is just a game. There is a reason why you see people dressed up as Satan not just, you know, like Satan slipping himself in a little bit. No, full on visuals of Satan, people dressed as Satan, you know, dressed as a demon, got upside down crosses all on their clothes or pentagrams on their clothes. And people are just like, oh, that's funny. It's, you know, we're making fun. No, there's a, there's a reason why the entertainment industry is doing that, y'all. Elon Musk says removing child exploitation from Twitter is priority number one. And yet the White House is concerned about him owning Twitter, keeping a close eye on Musk. Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the floodgates opening on how Twitter suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. According to the latest Musk release, it appears Twitter was just making up rules as they go to interfere in an election and ensure the big guy won. Documents show the private company was taking orders from the Biden team and government officials. Musk explains, Twitter acting by itself to suppress free speech is not a First Amendment violation, but acting under orders from the government to suppress free speech with no judicial review is. 
While the elites cry anti-Semitism, even as Ye is suspended from Twitter, they're also silent on the genocide and violence happening right now against the Chinese at the hands of its own tyrannical government. Countless citizens being hauled off to present-day concentration camps. WAPO's Taylor Lorenz even goes so far as to praise China for its lockdowns. Just days after the CCP essentially burned civilians to death in a locked down apartment. And even our president says silence is complicity in regard to anti-Semitism while refusing to condemn the CCP hauling its citizens off to present day concentration camps. The White House two-tiered treatment of Twitter versus Apple, a company that is aiding the CCP by turning off Chinese protester communication capabilities, doesn't get by Fox News' Martha McCallum. What does the White House, what do you say to Apple about helping the Chinese government to keep their people under control? Look, in general, and we've uh, been clear about this all around the world, we uh, uh, we want the individual citizens, uh, no matter what government they live under, to be able to communicate freely and openly, transparently and reliably. You know, we're not, we can't and we aren't in the business of, of telling private companies how to, to execute uh, their, their initiatives. Yeah, but Twitter's uh, but a private we, company, too. So why is Twitter getting one treatment and Apple's getting another is my question. Well, those are completely two different circumstances. You're talking so. about the potential. Well, you're talking about the uh, the potential for perhaps uh, foreign investment and involvement uh, in the management of Twitter. That's a different issue than what we're talking about here, which is a business decision by Apple with respect to how one of their uh, applications is being well, utilized. Certainly, those they're getting influenced by, the, by a foreign government, but, uh, and that government is China. <laughs> I, I go back to the same thing because we were just told that the White House will keep an eye on Twitter because they're concerned about the new Twitter 2.0 that Elon Musk is in, putting in where he wants more free speech on Twitter. So they're going to keep an eye on Twitter, and yet you're taking a hands-off approach. You say there's been no communication with Tim Cook at Apple said, about this process in China with the Chinese government? Martha, I'm not aware that there's been any conversations uh, specifically with Apple on this particular issue. It's Canada's prime minister says he supports the Chinese protesters. Everyone in China uh, should be allowed to express themselves, uh, should be allowed to uh, you know, share their um, their perspectives uh, and uh, indeed protest. We're going to continue uh, to ensure uh, that China knows we'll stand up for human rights. But isn't that a little strange, considering how he treated protesters in his own country? He called them terrorists invoked an unprecedented emergency act on the trucker convoy and froze fundraising and bank accounts. Journalists who truly stand for free speech are speaking up for Julian Assange. Publishing is not a crime, argued the editors and publishers of The Guardian, The New York Times and others in an open letter to the U.S. government. Assange is to be extradited to the U.S. and face prosecution for publishing excerpts from U.S. diplomatic cables obtained by WikiLeaks. The letter says this indictment sets a dangerous precedent and threatens to undermine America's First Amendment and freedom of the press. The New York Times gets caught lying again this week. It had accused President Trump of targeting opposition for IRS audits. A watchdog report now shows that Trump did not, according to the Washington Times. Mr. Comey and Mr. McCabe were randomly selected for tax audits, along with thousands of others, as part of an IRS system known as the National Research Program. And to wrap up, the corporate-controlled media gaslights us on all of these topics. Merriam-Webster got it right, saying it was the word of the year. Don Lemon continues to gaslight, saying CNN was never liberal. He made the claim in an interview with Stephen Colbert, and even he was shocked to hear it. 
Speaking of CNN, the right scoop says layoffs at CNN are underway, and the new CEO says it will be a difficult time for everyone. Bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, misleading, or just plain false, that's your media malfeasance for the week. Like, subscribe, and share this to beat the suppression, and join my community at christyleetv.locals.com. For KLIM.news, I'm Christy Lee. So the news and current events consistently bring up this theme that there's some sort of non-elected rulership and control of day-to-day political events. And that trickles down to the public out through mainstream media. That's that's where you get the trickle down to the trough and everybody gets it for free. Same narrative. Uh, You might have one side or the other side, but those sides, like you don't talk about stuff outside those two narratives. Otherwise you get censored. So I wanted to bring some evidence to the table and I wanted to start you out, start you out with something very easy. Like you can find this at Barnes and Noble. This is not a banned book. This is a very establishment book. It's called The Wise Men. And it's by uh, a guy from the Aspen Institute and a guy who does biographies for the CIA and Eisenhower and stuff like that. So this is the establishment's position. Okay. Now, six friends in the world they made. The wise men. Oh, this is a book we, we should get into, right? Let's see. Who are these wise men? Well, if we look in here, let's get it up on screen. Something like that. Six close friends shaped the role their country would play in the dangerous years following World War II. They were the original best and brightest, whose towering intellects, outsized personalities, and dramatic actions would bring order to post-war chaos, and whose strong response to Soviet expansionism would leave a legacy that dominates American policy to this day. Oh, yeah, it does, because we're in Ukraine against uh, Russia, right? So it does. This very much is where the origins of this is. In April 1945, they converged to advise an an untutored new president. So they had to tutor this new president, Harry Truman, who added the letter S to his name just for fanciness. It doesn't stand for anything, much like Harry Truman. They were Avril Harriman, the freewheeling diplomat, and Roosevelt's special envoy to Churchill and Stalin. Harriman, so we're going to just focus on him in a couple minutes, so remember that name. Dean Acheson, the Secretary of State, who was more responsible for the Truman Doctrine than Truman, and for the Marshall Plan than General Marshall. George Kennan a self-cast outsider, an intellectual darling of the Washington elite, Robert Lovett, skull and bones guy, uh, assistant secretary of war under secretary, uh, under secretary of state and secretary of defense throughout the formative years of the cold war. John McCloy, one of the nation's most influential private citizens and Charles or chip Bolin, adroit diplomat and ambassador to the Soviet union. You hear a lot about the Soviet union. That cold war was a pretty big deal. Well, who westernized westernized the Soviet union? This Harriman family. <laughs> and there's there's Roland and Averill, but their their dad had put down railroads, right? After the Harriman dynasty finished in the United States, they went over and prepared Russia. And then second generation Harrimans, who are also skull and bones, as is Lovett. So there's a bunch of skull and bones in these wise men. So that's interesting because no one really talks about that. And I'm willing to bet if we look up S in here for skull and bones, they're not going to mention the secret society that three out of the six at the very least shared. Let's go here real time. We're doing it live. S K. No, it comes before S O. So it's going to be over here. Soviet skull and bones. Oh, actually look at this. You can read in a real establishment book. You have to go to page 849 here to find that reference. But on pages 21, 81, and 82, and 93, there are mentions of skull and bones. 
of which Averill Harriman and the whole Harriman family. Uh, and that's how these guys, Nelson and David Rockefeller, got to fund the Nazis because of the Harriman connections. It's how Prescott Bush and the Bush family had their Nazi connections. So you can learn a lot just by now. Of course, they don't want to tell you the Nazi connections in here. They're going to say these are the intellectual elite and these are the leaders that shaped the post-Cold War, you know, post-war era and turned into the Cold War. That ran up until recently when NATO uh, stopped encroaching on Russia and the world found peace. Oh, wait, that never happened because people like George Soros have a plan for the new world order back in 94, and it's still going on today. So in between a book like this is easy to get. You might see it on your grandma's shelf it's the type of thing she might read. You got a book like this. Can't forget about Kennan and Atchison. Kennan in specific was a very interesting figure. Kennan was all up with Hitler. Oh, man. BCCI. In the inside story of BCCI, the world's sleaziest bank, this is called Dirty Money. Now, this is a good book, but this is like in the 80s. So in between the 30s, 40s, 50s where, with the wise men and the 80s, you had a guy who was a United States senator named Barry Goldwater, and he left behind not a fictional novel. He left behind the personal and political memoirs of a United States senator. Okay. Well, let's crack it open and let's assume that we've read the first 30 or so chapters. So let's just go to uh, chapter 33. Well, let me see. Let me zoom in on the title for you just so you can read. In case you can't read, it says, or it reads, the non-elected rulers. Well, that's interesting. And he starts with the Council on Formulations and Colonel House and uh, the CFR has an aide to kind of Sovietize the United States. In fact, a Soviet is a council. That's what council means in, in Russian. It means a so it's Soviet. The Rockefeller Foundation being involved. And you think maybe this guy's a conspiracy theory, you know, talking about Henry Kissinger and these guys that we talk about on this podcast. Maybe this senator is some sort of Looney Tune conspiracy theory guy, except he was with them when they chose Jimmy Carter, as he tells you in chapter 34, the Trilateral Commission is a modern Praetorian Guard. David Rockefeller and Zbigniew Brzezinski found Jimmy Carter to be their ideal candidate. They helped him win the nomination for presidency. Now, this is at a time when David's brother Nelson's already vice president of the United States. So do you see how close the two sides of the spectrum can be when there's money involved? So anyway, if you've read The Power Elite, <clears throat> maybe your next book could be just a couple chapters of With No Apologies by Barry Goldwater, now deceased, but the book is still available, thankfully. That's the cool thing about books is just because Barry died doesn't mean this information is no longer public and you can still feed it to your brain and maybe share it with your friends and family. I think it's a, a pretty interesting artifact and it holds up well to scrutiny, unlike yeah. many of the other things people try to use in these types of situations. And just to provide a little bit of uh, expose of like George Kennan, some Atchison as well, but Kennan specifically from Tragedy and Hope, on page 953, it's mentioned, and let me get this on screen. Let me make it a little bigger. Not going to make bigger. There we go. Okay. This copy, called the Institute for uh, Advanced Study, and best known perhaps as the refuge of, uh, let's see here, of Einstein, Oppenhauer, John von Neumann, and George F. Kennan, was uh, organized by Abraham Flexner of the Carnegie Foundation and Rockefeller's General Education Board after he had experienced the lights. Now, which of all Flexner souls. was it? Abraham, Simon, or what was it? Abraham Felix. I thought there were three Flexners. They all yeah. did work for the nonprofit foundations, Rockefeller and Carnegie. Yeah, some were in medical, some were in education. It was education. Together, they That's got where the I remember whole Kenan civilization. Because 
Yeah, because Kenan had an impact on education. I was organized by Abraham Flexton and the Carnegie Foundation, Rockefeller's General Education Board, after he had experienced the delights of all souls while serving as Rhodes Memorial Lecturer at Oxford. The plans were largely drawn by Tom Jones, one of the roundtable's most active intri- intriguers and foundation administrators. So what is this? It's not unusual for him to do that. What is the advanced study? So let's go to the Institute for Advanced Study. Now, you look under uh, George Conan, is this the Wikipedia advanced study? Um Let's see here. In January 1950, Atchison replaced Kennan with uh, Nitz, who was much more comfortable with the calculus of military power. Afterwards, Kennan accepted an appointment as a visitor to the Institute for Advanced Study from fellow moderate Robert Oppenhauer, Oppenhauer, director of the Institute, in October 1949. So let's go to what exactly is this institute? The Institute, located in Princeton, New Jersey, in the United States, an independent center for theoretical research and intellectual inquiry. Well, that's but wait broad. a minute. What does what does Princeton mean? I, I, let me let me mm. let me back up. King's College, because this was all British Empire. Once upon a time, this is all British Empire. So King's College is Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Queen's College is Rutgers University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. what is Princeton? Is it the Prince's University? That's interesting. What what kind of Ivy? What does Ivy League mean? What are the Ivy League colleges? They're the ones set up by the British Empire. They're modeled off the British institutions and the various colleges at like country. Oxford, like all sorts, right. for example, and many other colleges at the University of Oxford, for example. Which is why Fulbright at Princeton made the American version of the Rhodes Scholarship, the yes. Fulbright Scholarships, because Fulbright was a Rhodes Scholar, and he's like, oh, let's bring this to the. I think Albright, Madeline Albright was part of that Fulbright. Oh, yeah. Effort. yeah, yeah. If I'm, and there's a couple other major heads of state and figures within the, the deep state as well. So this this organization, um, so it's located in Princeton, New Jersey, the United States, is the independent research for theoretical and intellectual inquiry. It served as the academic home of internationally pre- preeminent scholars, including J. Robert Oppenheimer, Albert Einstein, Hermann Weil, John von Neumann, and Kurt Gödel. Yeah. Known very famously for his incompleteness theorems, many of whom had immigrated from Europe to the United States. It was founded in 1930 by American educator Abraham Flexner. Sorry, everyone, make that a little bigger for everyone. With philanthrop- philanthropists, uh, philanthropists, excuse me, Louis Bramberger and Caroline Bramberger uh, Fold. Despite collaborative ties and neighboring geographic location, the Institute, being independent, has, quote, no formal links, end quote, with Princeton University. The Institute does not charge tuition fees. And so Flexner's guiding principle is founding the Institute as the pursuit of knowledge for its own sake, supposedly. Faculty have no classes to teach. There are no degree programs or experimental facilities at the Institute. Research is never contracted or directed. It is left to knowledge for its own sake is another Uh, way of saying they, they figured out they could, but didn't figure out if they should. All right. It is supported entirely by endowments, grants, and gifts. It is one of the eight American mathematics institutes funded by the National Science Foundation. It is the model for all 10 members of the consortium, some institutes for advanced studies. So very dubious organization, to say the least. And George F. Kennan was intimately involved with it in the late 1940s, early 1950s, alongside Dean Acheson, who was, what, Secretary of State, I believe, under Truman, something like that. So, um well- I got Cannon up over here in the history blueprint. And if we take a quick gander, just a real quick one, you know, he was part of the, what's called the Georgetown set. This That's is a group what of I was thinking of. Thank you. There you I, go. Yeah, I knew he had an. Yes. Go so ahead. quickly points this out, but it's also very well known. There's a Cliveden set and there's mm-hmm. the Georgetown set. And these are Anglo-American establishment strongholds. It, it, it's part of the roundtable. As, yes. as quickly said, these are just different names. The Cliveden set was just a different name, slightly different philosophies, but it's pretty much the same group. 
He's yeah. also, he's ambassador to the Soviet Union. He's all up with the people who funded the Soviets and kept that secret, like W. Averill Harriman and his dad and his brother and all those cats. He's part of the Century Club. He's uh, an Anglophile. So he's, you know, even though he's winning our Presidential Medal of Freedom, he's with John Foster Dulles, Alan Dulles, and these other people, Averill Harriman, who have a bigger globalist idea. And a lot of this, the skull and bones aspect, that tells me there's drug money underpinning it because it's a German secret society at an opium monopoly university. You just put those two things together and the German secret society led to the German royal family in Britain. Well, the fact that Avril Harriman through the American International Corporation helped set up um, was sort of the front corporation for setting up the uh, Russian infrastructure for their railways. Um, let's not forget that the Marshall Plan, I think, is intimately tied to uh, Kennan or uh, Atchison, one of the two. And the Marshall Plan sort of, you know, divvy ups Europe and sort of creates the conditions for the Cold War where there's no sort of imposition against uh, the Soviet, uh, Soviet Russia in any way. And that we continue to finance and develop infrastructure there, at least the, the major ro- robber barons that still have major um, projects going on. So it's just, it's an unholy alliance to that book, that, that whitewashed book you just got on screen as to, you know, these individuals, this, this, what the, what was it called? The Fantastic Six or something, or the the Wise Men? Buddy. The Wise the Men. Wise, the, yeah. They called them the Wise Men. FDR's Wise Men. The six Wise Truman's Men. Wise yeah, Men. Okay, it's not three you know? no more. Yeah. So E.H. Uh, Harriman, he had a bunch of kids that were skull and bones with uh, the Nazi funding Bush family back in the day. But E.H. Harriman, his rise to fame was based on uh, central banking family money from Europe, as well as the uh, Fleming family. So Ian mm. Fleming's grandfather, well, Thomas yeah, Fleming and company was an opium launderer for the money, for the shipping and the opium and stuff. They needed banks and people to handle that billionaire family. Then that money gets invested in America to help build the railroads. So even E.H. Harriman or Vanderbilt or these these uh, robber barons of America, they were getting funding from British and European financiers who were trying to develop all this infrastructure. And when they were done here, they took it to here's A.I. American International Corporation, not AIG, AIC. Back in 1918, 1919, there's Operation Trust. There's AIC halting railways in China because they they had a strike. There's AIC funding in USSR, AIC in China, AIC railroads, AIC World War One. So there's a whole bunch of these aspects that are percolating, and this is what ends up funding the infrastructure for communist China and Soviet Russia during the like after the robber barons are done building railroads railroads across country here they moved on and they built infrastructure in second tier countries what they considered to be second tier countries and then people under uh the tutelage and under in these networks created a whole bunch of the stuff that we know today yeah and that's not steamship companies and railroads and skull and bones characters like love it who might have had something to do with the death of james forrestal and so, you know, defense was he a secretary yeah. of defense? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. James Forrestal is another very interesting figure. It's not a fear of Rockefeller's influence in China and how much he praised Mao. So, you know, we mentioned that last week as well. So you can see these They'll major... fund both sides of the Cold War. They'll, you know, yeah. here's a skull and bones guy. I love it. AIC, Brown Brothers, so that's Nazi, no, Century yeah. Club, EH Chairman, China, and um this uh Jupiter Island Jupiter is Island. where Forrestal Forestals killed. It's an island off Florida where all these oh yeah, yeah milieu okay. of these yeah. people hang out. Yeah, the Yaleys. Very and, interesting. You know, Skull and Bones brothers of the Harrimans. 
he's like a uh, a guy who did some dirty work. Very, very interesting. And let's um, see. So for let's sort of wrap up the Kennan thing. So he was at the Institute for Advanced Study from 1956 until his death, where he particularly focused on international affairs. And what happened from 1956 onwards was most international Cold affairs War. is just Anglo-American agenda. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I was so looking you can, for it's. I mean, it's it's particularly abstract and broad on purpose to sort of hide the intentions of what they're actually researching, and being sort of the think tank for policy that would then permeate or percolate within um, various administrations in the United States and, of course, abroad. Well, <clears throat> the parts where you have a lot of like Soviet spies, right? Soviet infiltration of U.S. intelligence community, so. During the past 80 years, there's been a whole bunch of spies identified, right? When you go back through with what we know today, a bunch of these spies that were in these Soviet infiltration of U.S. intelligence, they happen to be very favorably positioned with MI6, almost as if MI6 didn't want to get caught spying directly on us. And then they spied on us through Soviet intelligence, which they had kind of helped to set up with Operation Trust and AIC in the first place. So you see a lot of this in the Venona transcripts. And you see a lot of people that are, you know, Clarence, uh, Douglas Dillon, David Rockefeller, people who were on the benefiting place where they could fund both sides and own the whole network end to end capitalist and have possible deniability because right. they're essentially using fronts of the so like Soviet spies in order to cover up the fact it's British deep state that's doing it. And British deep state is the model for every single spy organization, major spy organization, really from the ISI to Mossad to the the uh, CIA. OSS to CIA. And let's uh, say that they've been doing it in front of us the whole time. Is this on screen? I can't see. From Russia. Right. Above. And I was right. talking to my girlfriend and about the uh, book. It's Golden all about Eye. positioning America with British intelligence and a subservient, by the way, to British intelligence in every fucking story. Yeah. And how, like, you know, Spectre, like, if what if the, the people being represented by this book also controlled Spectre yeah. in order to control America? Oh, right. that's pretty interesting. And then pretty their question was asked and we were... Was um, this guy a real spy? Oh, he was? He actually conducted espionage back in World War II against America? He was part of the... Uh, what are they called? The... They're called... There's a there's a phrase for these guys. Hmm. Uh, the Irregulars. That's what they were. The Irregulars of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes had this group of investigators, the spies called the Irregulars. And these guys mimicked Doyle, who and Doyle wanted to bring America back into the empire. So there's a guy who writes Sherlock Holmes. He's got an agenda to get America back into the empire. And then there's second generation Ian Fleming and these other cats. And they were actually Roald Dahl, uh, the guy who, you know, so a yeah, bunch of children's book authors yeah. were spying on America in order to get us on the side of, on the side of Britain in the war, not on the side of Germany. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a mention during... conspiracy history. There's a well, it's conspiracy. It's just not a theory. It's, it's the fact of the matter. And during the book club on Friday, the Maddie Band's been hosting. Um, we're covering One Nation Under Blackmail, and James uh, Jordan, who runs the podcast uh, Liberty Radio, he also has ManufacturingReality.org. Um, he asked a really interesting question because there's so many Mossad connections; it's almost uncanny in regards to this. The, it's almost just like the, the first sewing chapter. that holds all the fabric together. And he's like, you know, it's very interesting. Like, it's as if um, they don't operate, obviously, on the behest of governments, not even on the behest of corporations, but something beyond both governments and corporations. In other words, these spy or intelligence organizations are working on behalf of very powerful private interests 
beyond just, you know, the corporate facades or the um, um, uh, political facades that they seem to you know, utilize as part of their, their name and moniker. So LD, the next clip I'm going to play is uh, in the vaccines, lockdowns, therapeutic section. I have it highlighted Chinese citizens pound cops during lockdown, lockdown protests. That's something I've never seen before. It's very unusual for China because usually if somebody stands up and says freedom, freedom, they beat them down. So like this whole scenario that's been going on, it's not being covered uh, by the mainstream trough outlets because it's not in their interest to tell you about such things because you might resist. Likewise, you might be tipped off by what's going off on over there. And then after we come back from the Jimmy Dore clip, we'll bring in our special guest tonight and uh, we're going to have a little spicy interview about. How to, how to learn for ourselves, how to learn for our children, how we might create parallel societies against all this illness that are like the focus of Christy Lee's media malfeasance for the week. How do we keep ourselves like that's going on in the world? How do we not be connected to that and stay over here safe and let, you know, that stuff fizzle or burn itself out someplace else? All right. So we're going to go to uh, let's go to Jimmy shut the front door and uh, let's check out what's going on in China, China. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the live stream. I'm here with, uh, we have special guests with us today. Uh, Max Blumenthal, award-winning journalist, as well as the editor-in-chief and founder of the independent investigative news website, The Gray Zone. He's a best-selling author of several books, including Goliath, The 51-Day War, and The Management of Savagery. Please welcome Max Blumenthal. Hi, Max. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. Good to be back. So, I wanted to, so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, uh, but first up is China. So, I just want to give people a brief, a cursory. I think you already know what happened, but just in case you don't know what happened, there was a fire that broke out. And because of the COVID lockdown restrictions, they had barriers and stuff, and the fire truck couldn't get to the people. Also, they have people locked in. Um, it killed 10 people, it injured nine in an apartment building. And then that's when the public went. That's when they finally snapped. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And protests broke out all over the, all over China. Uh, the, the city where this happened had been under lockdown for 100 days with residents unable to leave the region and many forced to stay home. So that was in the, I don't know how to pronounce the Urumbiks, Zingzangwan district. As a man, does that make any difference to anybody? So there's the fire. And the fire truck couldn't eat their water, couldn't even reach the building. It stops about five feet away from the building. That's how far the. And that's, and there's, and I, that's how far away the goddamn fire truck was because they had barriers and stuff and they couldn't. I also heard that uh, college kids, when there was a pause, uh, an earthquake in one part of China. So just real quick for perspective, Jimmy Dore did issue an apology and a recant for... You said there the, was traffic, but why is there traffic if everyone's locked down? Right. And these are small cars over there. Like, it'd be pretty easy to move them out of the way. So, and the protests are still real. They are going on. Um, there was one of those things where they're supposed to end and they didn't end. And some of these provinces are cities. And that's why there's so many protesters taking to the streets. So there is, you know, some stories floating around that, you know, whether... Regardless of the fire, the protests are very real. And obviously, the zero COVID policy has been going on for a couple of years now in various provinces and cities across China. So just, just for clarification. To show the protests? Uh, I think we'll get into that. Oh, I mean, uh, let me see here. 
then Paul Justin Watson does the great same thing. And there's like, there's what's her face as well, who sort of covers the same stuff in a more comical fashion with uh, the great Paul of China is the title of it. But I think as we go on, he just highlights that in the beginning, goes on more specifically just the general protest. But I just want to give people some clarification that they are happening. But that one story about the fire, apparently, supposedly, who knows, was because cars were parked in the way. But that could be whitewashing by the Chinese government, chi- Chinese apologists and sympathists to the CPC. So um, just want to give some clarification. We can We can continue on with that clip. China. They can't leave or exit their dorms without their facial recognition thing. So that caused a lot of problems. Um, so here's another picture. So here's the, um, oh, wait, wait, can you turn down the, so there's no music? Audio. So here's how their doors were locked. And let's see what else they had. Here's another, they had these doors locked also. See how they have wire from there to the hinge. So people were upset. So that's what that's what started all this. And then and it leads to this. So the cops are in white. The cops are in those white hazmat outfits and the people are just pummeling them with with everything. And here's um, here's another huge protest. So it's happening. So it's happening all over. The, the country boom boom here everywhere you see one of these there's a center of protest everywhere you see one of these things so you see them everywhere so the whole country is done with this um i invited our china expert danny heifog on the show today he couldn't make it he had a conflict so that's too bad because nobody knows more about china's government than danny heifog so it's too bad he's not here to tell us because i think I was told that the reason why there weren't protests in China over their COVID policy, like there were protests in the United States over our COVID policy, was because the people in China respected their government and they trusted them. doesn't look like they trust them. It looks like they're done with them. It looks like they're ready for a regime change in China. So um, I'll give you, let me just read this. This is from a guy named uh, Arnaud Bertrand, and he, or Bertrand, he did a good thread on this. So I'll just read it real quick and we'll bring Max in. What China history also shows is that protests can turn very bad. So the answer here will be a real test of proper governance. As we've seen with Hong Kong and many color revolutions, such protests that may start organically are often exploited by the west as such this is also in many ways a test of proper western governance whether they'll do their usual meddling and make a bad situation worse as is pretty much always the case or whether they'll let the chinese people solve their own problems on their own key signs to look for protest banners in english protest statements by western officials revendications by protesters that it'd be highly unusual for chinese people but fit western talking points etc so he's talking about if the United States is going to interfere now, he's his take uh, zero COVID has to go hard band aid to rip because China might experience much of the pain other countries had to go through in 2020 and 2021. So China, by doing their COVID zero policy, has just delayed the inevitable. The inevitable is everybody's going to get COVID. That's the inevitable. And so so now they're going to go through what we went through in 2021. I guess the government was waiting for better medicines to appear or much milder variants. But obviously, the population is just fed up at this stage. Hey, there are monoclonals. 
monoclonals are wildly successful in treating. So I don't, again, I don't understand. Nobody talks about monoclonals anymore. They have, they are, they, they, uh, my own in-laws who live in a small, and by the way, there's many other things you can do now. There's many, and I can't say them on YouTube, but there are many things you can do. Vitamin D3 is one of them. Zinc is another. They never tell you about that stuff. They never tell you about monoclonals. Uh, and then and there's and 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 possibly other things. Fluvoxamine, they don't talk about. My own in-laws who live in a small city in Henan are on their sixth lockdown since the summer. Wow. They're patriots like China, like they like China and are proud of the country's achievements as much as any Chinese person, but they're fed up with zero COVID. The sentiment is very widespread now. So the protesters' anger is legit. Let's not just transform this anger that is aimed at improving people's lives, although stopping zero COVID will be painful, into something that will make their lives worse. That's the danger. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And just to give you an example of what's going on, this guy came to his store and they put a barrier around his store. Nobody can go in. This is the government did this and this is how he handled it. He says, this house is locked. I can't go back. I slept in the electrician last night. The door was also locked this morning. I am a legal agent. You can lock my door without a notice from the neighborhood committee. This is a legal society. I have been waiting for a law to protect us. But it's been three years. We are still like this. If this law can't protect us, I will protect myself. So let me bring in um, Max Blumenthal. Max, what is your initial take of the uprising in China? And go ahead. Well, I see it in light of the uprisings we've had here in the West or which took place in Australia or New Zealand, uh, where there was a zero COVID policy for a long period. Australia had like hundreds of days of lockdown in many of their cities. Um, and I don't think it's moving toward regime change. I don't, it's unclear to me that that's even what the majority of the protesters want. We've seen video of some um, even expressing support for the Communist Party of China while saying it should stand for more freedom. Uh, and, and then there are also chants denouncing Xi Jinping. Um, but it's unclear if that means that this is all about regime change. Uh, it's definitely clear to me that there are elements in the U.S. and in Biden's National Security Council that would like it to go in that direction. But let's just talk about the policy first. Zero COVID. I mean, we've talked about it before on your show. Zero COVID is a recipe for disaster because there's no way out. Uh, it requires massive human rights violations. It requires quarantine camps, literal internment centers. And we haven't just seen them in China. We saw them in Australia. And we've heard calls for them in other countries. It requires driving people insane in their homes. It delays routine medical treatments. Uh, mass surveillance is required, massive policing. And it can lead to the destabilization of your society when you start abusing your population uh, in, in order to prevent a very transmissible virus from spreading. 
And as the virus becomes more transmissible and less lethal, as we're seeing with all of the subvariants of Omicron, it's impossible to, it's harder and harder to contain. And so the lockdowns are spreading to further and further deep, further into the Chinese mainland. First, it was Shanghai in April. And it's very dangerous when you start tempting fate because you're going to get mass protest, even in a country like China, where protests are typically localized and they don't spread nationally and they focus on one local issue typically. That's, that's a problem for China because China is a target of imperialism. I mean, the Biden administration has been conducting military drills close to Chinese waters for the past few weeks. Biden's been in the region planning to counter and contain China. And so they set the stage for these mass protests. And this has been building actually since April uh, when Shanghai was hit with a lockdown. Shanghai and Beijing are different cities. And, you know, in talking to people who are from Shanghai, they explain that Shanghai is more business oriented. Um, they are more open. And, you know, this is the city where Jack Ma, the Alibaba chairman, gave his famous speech uh, at a business conference uh, denouncing the Chinese government for criticizing them for not being innovative enough and not being open enough. And it didn't work out too well for him after that. So the protests actually kind of started in Shanghai in April where parents got together and said, stop separating our kids from us and taking them to quarantine centers just because they have positive tests. Um, it, 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 and it, the, the writing was on the wall. So the question is, does China even have any way out from this? How do you get out of zero COVID? How do you roll it back? And they're starting to roll back some of the lockdowns. But how do you get out of it when the, the vaccine, whether it's mRNA or Sinovac, does not prevent infection or transmission, according to even Anthony Fauci? And China's measuring its success by uh, zero COVID, meaning zero infections, a total elimination of infections. How do you do that? There isn't a clear way out uh, where the Chinese leadership can just declare victory and get out of this policy. And so I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's clear that people are tired of being abused by the zero COVID policy. People are going to be abused by that policy. I think that's why they're standing up. I think they've seen it for three years and they're like, hmm, it's not getting better. And right. they expect laws to be created to protect them. And if that's not being done, then you no longer live in a lawful society. The justification here in America for government is that it's created to protect our rights, not to do all these other things that it does. <clears throat> and what its core mission to do has been dismantled by foreign entities who saw that as a threat to their world domination. And <clears throat> my point about the wise men and Harriman's being involved with like the official story is because when you get underneath to who they are, who they represent, who they funded, they funded the Third Reich. They funded the, the Soviet regimes and the Holodomor. And they're able to fly in and out of those countries during all those types of things because they're above the government. They're like uh, they're like the George Soros type characters of their day back then, shaping the world in their image without the people's consent. And uh, there's a long history, like Anthony Sutton's whole series, the, the Wall Street series. Uh, Wall Street, FDR, the Wall Street, Bolshevism, Wall Street, and FDR, Wall Street, and uh, and Nazis, the Nazis, yeah. That's all the Harrimans. That's all Skull and Bones. That's why Scott Sutton then afterwards wrote a Skull and Bones book on those topics. 
so yeah, I just wanted to be able to to bookend those ideas so you guys, you know, you don't miss out on the subtext of why Harriman and some of those other skull and bones people in the wise men might be something you want to dig into and start with what they tell people in the public narrative and then dig into like the Sutton books that are not so easily found because the Hoover Institute for World Revolution and Peace and these sort of things, they they thought that was dangerous to their narrative and they needed to carry on their trilateral narrative uh, to shape the world today. All right. So with all that being said, we have a special guest tonight. He's in the room. Curtis Stone, he, you might know him on YouTube as the Urban Farmer, but uh, he does a whole lot more than farming. And recently I caught a video of him and his wife, Katie, uh, doing her first live stream. And they were talking about education, homeschooling, unschooling, these sort of things. I wanted to get him back on the show to, uh, to catch up. It's been too long. Curtis, how are you doing? Great, brother. How are you? Uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, man. You too. So you've Still been keeping be busy. So what, what all type of projects you going on, got going on at this time of year when it's getting cold? Oh, I'm still cranking away, man. I've got lots of homestead projects going on. I'm still, um, right now I'm finishing my wood boiler that's connected with hydronics to a bunch of different buildings and greenhouses I have up here and, uh, doing less though, but I mean, it's not as crazy cause yeah, there's, but you know what, with, with managing the snow, chopping firewood and, and kind of just doing the stuff that a homestead needs when you're off grid, scraping the snow off my solar panels, you know, my days are, are pretty filled up, but today actually, you know, I try to take more time for my kids, especially in the winter, but we had like a beautiful day today. Sunny. I was in the greenhouse. It was a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Oh wow. And it was sunny. And, uh, I set up a swing for my kids in there. So we were just having a good old time (laughs) but yeah just yeah that's a good excuse to have a greenhouse right there the fact that it's it's warm when it's cold outside oh dude it's 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 heaven it's absolute heaven because i don't mind the winter especially out here because it's beautiful everything's quiet and the snow looks gorgeous and it reflects the light when it's sunny and yeah no it's it's awesome yeah, I think it's important for people not to be, I know it's ironic during a seven hour podcast, I'm going to encourage people to get outside and not be in front of their screens occasionally, but that's what I do. I did four hours at this desk Q&A with my students earlier today, went straight out. My wife and my son had a fire going in the woods and we cooked up some bacon and we hung out and into the darkness because it gets dark early. If you bring a headlight out there, it's all good. You got fire, you got a headlight and you have a nice little outdoor experience, device free, just out in nature. And then you come back in and you do the things you got to do. But if people don't, uh, as Ferris Bueller said, stop, you know, the world move world life goes by pretty fast. If you don't stop every now and then uh, look around, it might pass you by. So I think it's important. And you are a constant reminder of how much more people can do beyond their excuses of not having X, Y, or Z, because you put a lot of creativity and a lot of home steadiness into there. Uh, A lot of the old world types of ways that you're trying to bring into a modern day, how can we use these concepts today and live a better life than Amazon and the big box stores are offering everybody? Totally. Totally. Well, that's the thing that's so great about prepping. If you're, if you're not prepping from a place of fear, which we're not, um, and we're just doing it because this is the lifestyle we want anyways. We want a lifestyle that's less dependent. You know, I think, I think one thing that really hammered home for me over the last few years of lockdowns and all this madness is that the government was sort of locking us out. So for those of us who didn't want to take the poison shot, which is myself and everybody I know pretty much um, the government was essentially locking you out of all the things that were bad for you anyways. So I couldn't fly a plane 
without a shot. Well, flying planes kind of sucks anyways. And it's a toxic environment. I mean, I'm not saying I'm never going to fly again, but it's been nice to not fly for about three years, to be honest. Uh, because every time I fly, I would get sick. You get irradiated by all kinds of shit. So you can't fly. Okay, fine. Great. Uh, can't go to the restaurants. Most restaurants are shit anyways. <laughs> so the, okay. Can't go to the restaurants. Uh, we, I just found that over the last three years, we just got healthier and healthier and healthier. Um, because we, it forced us to not do things that were bad for us. Anyways, it's kind of funny. I sometimes joke, like, I wonder if the new world order, if this is like, there's some kind of, they're, be, they're being played by God and there's some sort of benevolent thing that, uh, they want us to just be clean and untouched before things get crazy. <laughs> well, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that whole situation, <laughs> but I think that where you bring a, a, a lot of experience to the table is people are headed into a winter where there's a lot of uncertainties. Is there going to yeah. be enough fuel oil to keep the house warm? Is there going to be food on the shelves? People are already noticing scarcity on shelves around here that aren't listening to things and tuned in. So I now know that the herd is realizing, hey, there's a little shortage over here and these sort of things. So what types of things do people need to consider? Like, so we can tune out the noise and just pay attention to the signal, like yeah. what's on our goals, what's on our schedule. But we also have that. Is there something we need to know to be prepared for it? And if so, how? So as an example, um, people need heat in the winter you need water you need food you need shelter these sort of things yeah. so if uh my heating situation goes out and i don't have the ability to start a fire in my house or have some convenient heat i at least have something i can you know i have a tent with a fireplace in it and it's got a stove pipe and you can just pretend you're camping if the electricity goes out or if the burner goes out or these sort of things right yeah. so i made sure like over the years to have just little layers in there. And, you know, some people want a generator. That's a bigger expense, totally. right? But if you just start out a couple hundred bucks, you have a little tent in the outdoor situation. And now if the electricity goes out, you can at least keep warm. So totally. uh, LD had his water freeze up, right? When we were in pre-show, he's like, I got to go fix the well. The well pump froze up, you know, these sort of things. So if, in yeah, the cold man. weather, if we are living, it's not the electricity or the fuel oil that takes care of us. And we have to figure out alternative ways. Have you had people coming to you saying, how do I do this, this, and this? Cause we need to, a lot of people don't even know what their needs are until situation happens. They're like, well, that's yeah, I mean, you, food, you, water, shelter. Yeah. You kind of outlined the main things. I mean, for me, it's uh, food, water, energy, and shelter Four things. Uh, heating your house would be energy and maybe shelter, but those four things are, are super important. And so the way I try to tell people is always be adding to those things. And so, you know, food, for example, you can have food security where you can have a bunch of stored food as a buffer, right? So you got a root cellar full of stuff. I got frozen stuff. I got canned stuff, things that we've preserved and saved from the garden. That's food security. That's really important. Another layer of that is food sovereignty. Okay. Now I grow the food. I can produce the food. The food reproduces itself. So when you think about things that way, you can kind of think about it all that way. So even for me with heat, I had um, food secure. Uh, I had heat security last year because I wasn't I wasn't managing my forest as well as I am now, and so I bought a bunch of firewood and I had a bunch of propane. Okay, so that's energy or, or um, heat security. 
Now I have energy and security or energy and heat sovereignty in that I'm, I, I, I clean up my own forest and get deadfall and that's firewood for a lifetime. And I also um, am off grid. I, our, our, our home is solar powered. So I could have started with energy security and had a generator. Now I have more energy sovereignty because I can produce my own energy. And so I kind of think about, yeah, again, food, water, energy, shelter, thinking about each of those things and then looking at it first, how do I get a surplus and some kind of security? And then later, how do I get, how do I become sovereign in that? How do I start to take that over? And again, it's all, if you can do it without fear, it becomes really fun and enjoyable. And I find it just such a better way to live. Like I love doing firewood. I love chopping firewood. I love a natural fire. I love my home being heated by natural fire. It's so it's the best heat. And so I find with all these things, the, 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 the solution is actually better. And so you don't have to run away from things. You kind of go into it um, because it has a better holistic context. Yeah, I think that a lot of people never had the advantage of uh, getting the deadfall, cutting it up, carting it into the house, making sure it's dry, feeding the fire throughout the night and not having to use electric heat as an example. Right. So that was my situation. I I thought uh, every Saturday, that's what you're supposed to do is cut up wood and stack wood and bring wood. I I thought I didn't know other kids were doing other things. (laughs) I was like, I thought that's just how people grew up. Yeah. So that the UN and other groups don't want people to burn wood anymore because it's bad for the atmosphere. Right. But it's a a way you can have sovereignty and that's why they really don't want you to have it. Cause they don't care about the atmosphere. They care about Curtis having sovereignty and not needing them anymore and being able to say, no, no, thank you, please to their offers. Right. And and more people being like you, that's what they're really scared of. It is. And you know, my basic motto these days is do everything the new world order doesn't want you to do. They don't want you to have kids, have kids. They don't want you to have um, sovereignty, get sovereignty by taking control of your own food, taking control of your, your own heat, taking control of all these. They want to be able to pinch you. Right. And, 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 the last number of years is just perfect evidence of that. And, and, and the continuous insanity as it continues to roll out just shows more and more what we already know, but, but absolutely. And yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm starting to care less and less about the noise, as you said earlier, and just more about the signal. I mean, for me, I just, I just pay attention to the macro, but I, and I kind of know what the game is. I mean, technocracy, right? We all know. We all know now. Um, but yeah, I just kind of keep pushing forward with these things. And I would encourage people to do the same because it's it's actually a, a better way to live. Have you uh, written a book or created a course called uh, Surplus to Sovereignty yet? No, that's a great that, idea. You know, I actually I, here, am, hey, I like <laughs> the title. I am working on a course now that's about, about a lot of this stuff and about... Um, getting set up and how to find land and things like that. I am working on some material that I hope to release in the new year. Um, but my, you know, my story is ongoing too. And so like, I'm, I've got a long way to go on my homestead. This project is, is huge. But that's and, every uh, homesteader. That's, that's just par for it the is. course, right? It is. So, and that's the great, it's about the journey too, right? It's all, it's all fun. So you're in the advanced part now. You're, you're teaching people about the sovereignty, but it'd be easy to go pick up and be like, what was the surplus? How did I get started? I went totally. from 
not having, uh, I buy food every week or every couple of days to, okay, I saved up a month's worth of food. Oh, then I bought some storable food. Then I started yeah. a little $80 greenhouse or something from Amazon and yeah. get some sprouts. And then you say, I'm going to grow more food. And then you notice like your grocery bills are going down, you're going out, it's going down. Now you can put that into the greenhouse and it's food exactly. that makes itself. And then, you know, you get your kids involved and then they're excited and then plant reproduction and all these good things we kind of ignored in high school biology class, but now it leads to food. So Absolutely. we're interested. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I caught part of your live stream from earlier this week. Let's talk about, uh, the, uh, the training and preparing of the next generation to meet these needs that we as adults are still kind of acclimating to. Cause you said root cellar and that may, it like took me back to when I was a kid. Cause my grandparents, like they had root cellars either yeah. in their cellar or like dug into like the earth and there's a door and it's constant temperature and there's a bunch of jars and all sorts of stuff. And once or twice a year, there's a big production down in the kitchen and everyone's taking the stuff from the garden and making tomato sauce and putting in jars and this whole sort of thing. It was a culture that was lost on my upbringing. You know, it didn't make it past my grandparents. They went through the depression. They knew such things. They valued such things, big gardens. But then my parents are both working, uh, you know, 40 hours a week and we get a lot of canned processed food and microwave and all that good stuff in the seventies and eighties. And then we learn better. And now we're teaching ourselves. A lot of people are teaching themselves as you go along because you're the leader, you're blazing a trail, showing that no excuses attitude. You don't need 40 acres and a mule. You started out small. You started out humble, modest. Totally. And then you just got your own momentum and you found your stride and you tuned out the noise and you've been super productive, right? Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that journey and how it percolates into the, the household and your, your overall lifestyle? Totally. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I even like what you said about just, it, it, just the fact that you mentioned a root cellar is another one right there. Another, just a real example of, 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 of a level of sovereignty and that, you know, why aren't why, people don't have root cellars anymore. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's a strange thing because a root cellar is so practical in so many ways and it doesn't require electricity. So you can keep your food stored and cool in the summer and warm enough in the winter that that's absolute resilience and nobody has them anymore because if they shut the grid down, boom, everybody's uh, frozen food thaws out, you know, th that, that level of, of sovereignty, but you know, it's another part of it with, with food and, and it all comes for us, you know, with, with my wife and I, we're very much on the same page and um, yeah, it all comes full circle. Like it, it, we, we try to really think about everything in the holistic context. It, it, it's all part of it. And, and my wife would be the first to tell you that, you know, for us with our kids, uh, the food and all that is the foundation of everything on top. And so it, you, we're, you know, we're really into unschooling and I don't even really like to have a name for it and put it into a category for per se, but we, you know, we just have a really holistic way of, of raising our kids and, and it all, it all comes back into the homestead. All of that's part of it because the homestead is where the kids learn things. It's where they get nourished. It's where we spend most of our time and our experiences with our kids too. And we live on a large acreage. So for us, you know, a, a family goes for a walk in the, on the block down in the city for, we go, we go for a walk on our property. Like we walk what would be the equivalent of many city blocks just on our own property and we explore it and it's ours, our place to explore. And then because of that, there's no fear about somebody driving by a fast in a car, it's going to hit your kid or, or, or some sketchy dude hanging out in a park. Um, and because we don't have that, our kids get to interact with nature in a way that they wouldn't if we lived even in a suburban town, because they have this, 
freedom and this, this sort of serendipity that they can experience out here with nature. And it's, it's truly magical. And it's, it's so important for, um, for us is the way we're choosing to, to raise our kids, but we really have a sort of a, try to have a very deep understanding of nature and, and, and it's God's creation to me. It's, that's the, the thing that I think it's, it, it, it all comes back to the spiritual in a way, but for, for that as a foundational experience for our children is just so important to us. And it's, it's really big part of the whole thing of, of unschooling and, and just the way we're choosing to live. Now, would you define unschooling as interest driven education? Yeah. Like this is uh, child led learning is the term that, that my wife learning. really likes to learn to, to use. And yeah, basically it's, it's about satiating the, desire to learn, which actually the more we do it, the more we find we don't even have to do that. Just the kids want to learn stuff. They, because they see an intuitive uh, utility to information and learning. So like our daughter teaches herself is literally teaching herself to learn how to, to teach herself to read because of the utility. So I read a lot of books to the kids and they, my daughter's five and my son's three. So my daughter has been getting read to for longer and I'm still reading some of the books that I read to her when she was young every now and then, cause they're better for my boy. Cause he's younger, like simpler books. And it's funny because she knows all those books off by heart. She knows the stories completely off by heart. These are simple books, right? You, you know, you have, you have, you have kids and it's it, the classics, you know, mother goose stories or things like that. Right. Aesop's and, yeah. Yeah. The classic things. And, and she knows them all. And she, and, and so she's now sitting and reading the books to our kid, to her, to our son, but she's not reading it. She's just citing it from memory, but as she's citing it, she's putting together the words. And so it's like, well, how do you teach your kids how to read? You know, how are you going to, that's, that's what people always say, Oh, you're homeschooling or unschooling. Well, how, how are they going to socialize? How are they going to learn how to read? How are they going to learn basic math? Things like that. Um, they learn them because they want to learn them. And the thing that's so cool when you come at that, me, I kind of really came from the sort of anarchist philosophy, uh, th- this idea of non-coercion, this idea of voluntarism, and that in a voluntary, in, in, in voluntary situations, people do things out of the desire to do them for the sake of doing them, whether it be to do something good or to do something because they wanted to learn something, but they do them out of their own volition. And because of that, they do them better and they learn them better and they become little experts quicker. And it's just so. Did he freeze? Yeah, He's I'm frozen on my end, but I saw you guys moving around. So I figured it was there for a second. Guys. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. I don't know. Where did I cut out there? So you said he's so you're so, or the last last word was so. I know that doesn't help. <laughs> well, <you>. it helps. <laughs> well, I, I was talking about how my daughter's kind of basically faking it till she makes it with reading. Yeah, yeah and how yeah how she's just memorized books and then she puts the words together because of that, and that and then she'll sit there and write. She'll write a word, and then she'll she thinks she knows what it is, but she's not sure. So she'll ask us us. And then we'll say, oh yeah. And then, and then, oh, put this letter here. And we just, we just, just, we just basically ask, answer questions. We just let her figure it out. And it's just, you can see that, you know, we, everything in society is such a lie. And, and, and the education system is, is so huge. And obviously, you know, your interviews with Jonathan Taylor Gatto and stuff really got into a lot of that. But um, it's really amazing when you pull back all the BS and you pull back, 
just the lies and the compartmentalization at the center of it. There's this divine child that has an infinite ability to learn and, and accomplish great things. And it's really just society and propaganda that has kept people down. And we're just so excited because my wife and I, we grew up in a very different environment, you know, public school, single moms, um, and we're in the system, but our kids just have this opportunity to just experience the world however they want. And we just see how much they learn and how much they develop and, and, are, and are so well mannered. And they, they apologize to us when they, when they do the wrong things and they tell each other that they love each other. And they, they do things that you don't see a lot of other kids do. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a really fun uh, experience to have, you know, with the whole thing that we're doing off grid and prepping and all this and bringing all this in, in a, in a holistic context is just lovely. You're, you're really providing a level of enriched growth for your children that mm -hmm. a lot of parents either didn't have the means, didn't have the thoughtfulness, didn't have a, a combination of that to be able to do it. So you're doing a good job. You're setting a good example. You're helping other people like myself and my wife to, to aim higher. Let's let's there's other things that can be done. And you guys are, are doing a good job of trailblazing and leading the way people do have those concerns. How's your kid going to learn how to read? Well, there's a book called Why Johnny Can't Read by Rudolf Fleisch in 1957. It teaches phonics. And if you get that book, you could teach phonics because they don't even teach phonics if you send your kid to school. So yeah. now let's go to whether or not they're culturally, socially adept or whatnot. They're more socially adept than anybody going through public schools because the public school is an aggression principle system. And people like yourself and myself, we've encountered the Back in the day, Stefan Molyneux talk about not like peaceful parenting and not. I love the early Stefan Molyneux stuff. I had stuff. no idea yeah. it was even a philosophy yeah, when I he was talking about that. Like this, this is probably like 2004, 2006. Totally. Maybe. And I'm like, wait a minute. You mean parents aren't supposed to be spanking their kids and stuff? And yeah. I, I thought this makes a lot of sense. And no wonder we're all like the way we are because we got, you know, you get spanked at home, then you get spanked at school, and then you get, you know, as you get older, you just stay in line because it's like Gatto said, it's like those, the how do you train fleas? You have to break their will and you put them in a container and they all smack their heads after a while. They, do, they just sit and you can open the container and they won't jump out. That's what they do to the people and they get the parents yeah, to unwittingly because it's just generational. Right. There's well, violence begets violence. So it's a Yeah. yeah the yeah, the cycle. And, and and so much of what it is too is just psychological mass trauma. Yeah. All the propaganda, you know, it, it, whether it's actual physical violence and coercion or just the threat of violence or even the discussion of violence. Like my, my wife and I were just, we we're talking about this the other day too. And how, isn't it insane how, like, Pretty much every movie and every story, like not everyone, but most of them, and I'm being really broad here, is a story about some kind of violent intervention or some kind of violent confrontation. Why is it? And, and nobody in their day-to-day -day life, like the Richard Grove story isn't going to involve the, the cliche hero's journey with this adventure where you're fighting through this or that or having, it, this is not the reality. Yeah. And it's no sword and magic helmet, like person. No, you know, it's, 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 it's like just that. everything about the way humans, our society has gone. There's these great lies, you know, and it's it, when, when you've been down the proverbial rabbit hole, like we all have, you just go, okay, well, if 9-11 was BS and COVID was BS, you know, oh, and JFK was a lie and whatever, MK Ultra, you go down the list of all the thousands of things you've talked about over the years. It's just like, where does it start? And it goes back so far. Like one thing that I was just, it was blowing my mind um, just yesterday. And 
this kind of pertains to how we educate our kids. Cause I always like to go to first principles, like why get right to the why of something. And, and I came across this guy. Um, he's, they call him the human calculator. Have you ever heard about this guy? And no. he was, he went viral lots of many years ago, but he um, basically discovered some fundamentals in mathematics that are mind blowing and how nine is the root of all numbers. Is the, have you heard about this? We can no, basically take any number. So you take, um, you can take my age. You can go, um, if you take, I'm 43. So if you take four plus three, get seven. You take a seven underneath that and you minus seven from 43 and you get, uh, what, what's, uh, what's, what's 43 minus seven real oh, I'm retarded. I can't think about this right what, now. 36. 36 and then three plus six is nine. And so it's, it's really trippy because you can take any number. And so basically this guy found out this really fundamental thing in mathematics that, go, that basically shows you to prove any number is real, to prove the sum of something is real, it can always be reduced down to nine. So any equation, any, any number now, you can imagine. What's false positive for that? Is there a what's way that? to like, is there a false positive? Is there a way to test like the... Well, nine is a recursive number, so it's been known for a while, like in numerological circles, but just from a more practical standpoint, Scott Flansburg, is that his name? That's it. That's it. Scott yeah. Flansburg, yeah. Brilliant stuff. But this is the kind of knowledge that is that like this guy, he, he says he came across it and I believe him that he did, but there's no doubt that this was written about in history. And, and there's the, these, I'm just starting to get into the stuff called the trivium and the quadrillium. There, there are these methods of, uh, understanding information and logic that go way back. And I won't even get into it too much because I'm just learning about it and I won't be able to articulate it properly, but, but it's so fun when you're a parent and you're seeing your child's mind develop and then you, you start to really uncover things at a principle basis. You can strip away all the noise and go right to the signal. And I mean, I'm just excited. And, and I, I, I think, a lot of people are feeling that because this year, uh, what was it? La last couple of years, we've seen more people pull their kids out of public school than ever, right? The, the COVID lockdowns, people are just like, nope, not doing it. We're over it. We're gonna take. We're gonna take. And now this. with the wokeness, it just reiterates the need. Absolutely to, to right, it. and yeah, the wokeness so just cool. getting more and more insane every day. People are like, no way. And um, yeah, there's, there's, I, I'm very optimistic about this small minority, this fringe minority, if you will, of people who, who have um, taken their kids to the school and are going to discover that the magic of learning and all these things are just, you don't have, and you don't need any bullshit, no curriculum. You don't need anything, just a desire to learn. And it's very empowering. And this is the kind of information Klaus Schwab and his cronies don't want people to know because they want you to be dependent on institutions and centralized um, authority. It's interesting you mentioned the trivium quadrivium. I was going to say, actually... we got a special gift just for showing up today, Curtis. <laughs> I was going to say, magic of up. learning. I'll hook you up with my course if you're interested. I've done a whole document outlining the court, the step by step process by which Gino Denning, our mentor, both uh, Richard and I, uh, when he presented it to us over 10 years ago. And it's really a fantastic you get some trivium, methodology. You get some quadrivium, yeah. you'll come it's... up to speed, you'll know everything that we've been. It's been like 10 years or so. So you and just, all that, you, the idea you're finding of the recurse... out, we can get you up to speed. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, their curse of attributes of nine. I mean, it gets a holy back to Pythagoras and sort of, you know, number mysticism and ideas of corresponding to mind and nature. Um, it's a very fascinating exploration of ideas that have taken place over centuries and unfortunately have been very much occulted in the modern age for idealistic propaganda, which is totally. obviously the leading towards a technocratic future. So I'm yep. um, seeing like your revolution there. You've inspired me. I think we had you on a year and a half ago, two years ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I got some property myself and my oh, girlfriend nice. and I are starting to build out how we want to start doing a little homesteading with. We have about three acres to work with. So we're really excited. I remember you saying like, look, you have half an acre. You'd be surprised what you can do for a family of four. So we're going to build oh, slowly sure. and get the infrastructure in place. But you were the original inspiration for it. So I just wanted to give you a major shout out for that. And thank oh, you thanks, for Tony. your continued That's work. great. So I'm very right much appreciated. Yeah, this stuff. This stuff is is fascinating, and and um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, my mind mind is exploding all the time, and um, it's so it's so cool when you get when you get to a point where you can actually be in nature. Things can things can kind of slow down, like time can kind of slow down a little bit, right. and you can really appreciate things more. In a city, things are so hectic, and the energy of people around you is is sort of discombobulated in in so many ways. And when you get into an area where there's more space and there's less people and there's less manicness and you can just turn it all off. Like, like I can shut the cool thing I like about where we are is we have no cell service. And so I can totally go dark here. And, and we do like, I have my internet on a timer and shit, I should make sure that that's uh, I think it comes on. <laughs> when we get into something else, I'll run away for a few minutes and yeah. go check it. But, but we go dark every night. And so everything turns off, no signal, right? No Wi-Fi signals, no nothing. It goes dark. And that is it. You notice it. I mean, I I've become over the years, very sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies. And, uh, the more I've been away from them, the more I notice them. Now we go into a city. I can, I can feel it. I can, I can sense it, but out here, it's like, we can really achieve a true quiet and it's, it's a, it's a nice way to live. Well, in the city, there's no pause button. And when you live in the no. country, you discover it's always on pause for the most part. And you only get action when you're connecting on the phone, online, or something like that with other people. Otherwise, it's going at its pace. And uh, you're right. The time does seem to pass slower, which is a good thing because the hustle and bustle of the city is not a good thing. Um, and if you looked at the city from overhead, you'd see that electricity is a magnet for people. Because from an oh. overhead shot, if you turn it off in the city, everybody goes outside. Every, yeah. All of a sudden, everyone's outside. It'd be like ants coming yeah. out of the anthills because electricity is not holding them inside the anthills anymore. Yeah. Have you ever flown over the U.S. around like, when you go over Chicago and stuff at, at night and you can see just the massive amounts in the eastern seaboard is just so densely populated and you see it and you're just like, holy shit, it's it's far out, man. Out here, that Rogan it's bit back in the day about flying looks into like LA and it looks like growth. a cancer. Yeah. yeah. It's like, look at this stuff smoking out of here. And well, that's, that's gray, the thing, yeah, you know, I, I was talking about this in my, my live stream a bit before I came in with you guys is because I was talking about kind of getting away and, 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 and sort of the elements of freedom and geography is part of an element of freedom. I, I kind of have these five things that I talk about on how to achieve freedom and geography is one. And, and the cities are, yeah, the cancer is a really interesting analogy because historically speaking, humans haven't lived in cities like that very long, right? Like these massive stack and pack cities. 
Um, I, I look at them like CAFOs. Like to me, it looks like caged animal feeding operations. And I think governments in a way are farmers and they're farming people. And when you look at cities and how they're like that, it's, it's these big institutional farms. And of course, it's like those big corporations in the city though, are the farmers. They're the ones who are getting the caged animals in there for work and domicile, right? They're the, yeah. And and government's part of it too. It's all the same apparatus, right? I was just thinking government's empowering those companies to be the farm managers and the government ultimately benefits from such things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big chain of farming. Who's farming who, you know, the central banks are farming. The, the, the cult is farming the, the central bank plutocrats. The plutocrats are farming the technocrats. The technocrats are farming the politician bureaucrats. The bureaucrats are farming the people, you know, it's, it's just, it's the classic old, you know, compartmentalized pyramid of power and, and, and control. And, and the, the more you get away from it, the more you can just experience freedom. Cause like, I, you know, if there's a proverbial shit hitting the fan at some point, I still want to have a nice time up until that point. I want to enjoy my life, you know, <laughs> All totally along agreement there. because it might yeah. not happen. Like everybody thinks it's going to happen tomorrow. You know, the last one, the last truth or nothing burger was that diesel crisis. You know, I said right from the beginning, this is going to be a nothing burger. Um, but it's like every wag the dog issue and you can just spend a lifetime worrying about that stuff. But sometimes when you just separate from it, you can go, wow, I don't have to be freaking out about this stuff all the time. I can enjoy my life now, despite that, you know, who knows what will happen. But well, if you haven't done anything to to do to address the potential situation, you, people worry about it, but they're not taking action or you could take whatever action you could. Right. Fill your truck with diesel, get a couple diesel cans, fill those up, put stabilizer in it. Now you don't have to think about it because if it goes beyond that, you're in the boat with everybody else now, but you've insulated. Or yes. you could have solar power EV runs on water. If the gas stops coming, no big deal. That's a different lever. That's sovereignty, right? Yep. But there'd be limits to that on where you get it fixed and where you get parts. So, you know, That's each it. one of these new I, things you I'm try a to Tesla create driver safety, right now. Yeah. Each one of these new things you try to create opens up another like vulnerability. And then you have to have the happy mediums. Like, uh, is it better to have a log splitter? Is it just better to have good technique and know how to split a log? Cause you might not always have power for the log. That's what I think. Redundancies. Right. Yeah. It's all about redundancies that, I mean, that like, so for our, in our homestead, for example, that's what we've done, what we're working towards. So here's an example, um, of a bunch of stacked redundancies. So with the way we heat our buildings and our infrastructure, we have three ways of heating. So we have um, wood fire as the ultimate, most redundant, like least that can go wrong because there's least amount of moving parts. This, the technology is age old. Uh, you can fix the wood stove yourself most likely, uh, but we also have gas so we can heat our domestic water with gas. And so that's handy because if we're going to be away for a week and we don't want the place to freeze while we're gone, we can put yeah. turn on the gas, but we also have electricity tied into it. And that, our electricity, when we have an abundance of electricity, can also heat that water that can run some of the, the heating hydronic infrastructure in our in our setup. So it's always about just thinking about many different ways to make something so redundant that it comes down to something very simple like splitting firewood. But yeah, you know, then, go ahead. 
I was going to say misery can be its own form of addiction. And you talked about the idea of disconnecting a little bit. I want to see if you could talk about that a little bit more in regards to the importance of finding balance. You know, for so many people in the alternative community, it's very easy to get inundated by negative information and then you kind of get addicted to that a little bit. And some, I know we've all been down our own respective rabbit holes, probably many of the same ones doing intense research, but just getting a chance, as you mentioned, to step away a little bit, be away from the frequencies, be away from the, the milieu of like city life and culture and just getting a sense of being around nature and sort of remembering sort of the sort of transparent harmony in nature when you can slow the mind down, slow the spirit down and get a chance to actually view it with different eyes, so to speak. So what's that been like for you and your journey? Well, it's yeah. Cause I, cause I've been a truther for a long time. Like I've right. been like you guys, like a truth seeker for 20 years, um, hadn't, hadn't had a career out of it or anything, but, but I have been, and I've been on that path and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it, I, I try to just always look at thing as macro as I can. And, and for me that really, and I had to go down the proverbial rabbit hole for a long time to get to that place where I feel like I had a macro perspective that I'm comfortable with, like whether there's a new thing, okay. A new Ukraine thing or a new, whatever at this point, I don't matter because I know the big picture, you know, I've read Patrick Wood and tragedy and hope and stuff. And I know what they're trying to do. And so I don't, in a way that brings me some kind of comfort because I don't worry I about the little things because it, it is exhausting. I find today too, it's just so much of the stuff out there. It's the algorithms have really dictated how people are behaving. It's kind of crazy. If you think about it, that YouTube's algorithm dictates how people even fucking think. Yeah. Because they know that. They do know it, but they play into it because they have a career as a content creator. And so because there's so much insane news out there today, there's a lot of people reporting on it. And I guess rightfully so. And I don't hold any, um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that as an individual, if you don't step away from that, you'll go nuts, especially with today, especially with drag queen pedophile hour happening at like every fucking public library in the world. Like it's, so you, you can go nuts, but yeah, you, you just have to do it. And, and, and I think uh, a reason to have do something is better than not. So for example, you know, Tony, you're talking about, you know, what's that experience been like for me? Um, the fact that I have to chop firewood is better than me wanting to go to the gym and realizing, okay, I need to get exercise. So I want to go to the gym, but you go to the gym and you put headphones on and there's TV screens everywhere. And it's like, you can't have the experience of getting a getting your heart rate up and like doing something, breathing fresh air in that same way. And so being in your body, like being in your body, like actually feeling yeah. what it's like yeah. being around nature and not having all this extra stimulation. So you get much more subtle understanding of just your own body and how you're exactly. operating. Yeah. Well, that's why I find it's 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 just better if you can to just get away, like move to a smaller place where you're forced to be in situations where you get better, you get exercise. Like I have a half acre of gardens and that's, you know, gardening is obviously my, one of my passions. And, and so, you know, building greenhouses and doing these projects. So I have a reason to do these things. Like I don't, I do, I never get exercise for the sake of getting exercise ever. It's always because I would rather do work because I'd rather do something productive. I also find for myself too, I don't know, maybe you guys, have found this too, but I find that I think really that my, some of my best thoughts crystallize at the moments where I'm 
doing something physical and I'm getting exertion, I'm getting exercise, but I'm also doing something monotonous like chopping firewood is a perfect one. I find I go to the deepest trenches of my philosophical mind when I'm doing something monotonous like chopping firewood or planting seeds in the garden or harvesting potatoes with my hands. Those things really bring me to the place that I want to be. And if I can do that and share that with my kids and my wife and my family and, and, the benefits of that work benefits my family or my community. It's a win-win-win. And so it's all about just, yeah, creating those experiences based on a need instead of a want. Now, that all sounds great. But as you know, in the future, you'll own nothing and like it, Curtis. So are you still <laughs> going to be like hip to digging potatoes and splitting wood when it all goes to Klaus and your family's starving? What's up? I, I will be actually, because, because you know what I don't, <laughs> and I know you're being facetious there, but, but I, but it's, um, it's, uh, I don't worry about any of that shit because you know, the thing that I've found to get it, to, to get this conversation to another level is the more I've, like, I've read a lot of white papers like you, Richard, you, you, you actually do more reading of the books of the elites. I go read the legal documents. I actually sure. read the statutes. That's what sure. I've really been into international law and even reading stuff on a local level, provincial level, uh, state level and, and, and federal level. I read those documents and the more I read the law and as, as crazy as the law is or seemingly is, there is still a massive amount of remedy in Western law. And so I have no fear of any of this stuff uh, affecting me in it. Like I, have, I, don't, I don't have any fear of them taking my property or any of that because I read the laws. And so there's always the press release. You'll hear oh, whatever Fauci says today or whatever, you know, talking head goof politician says, but when you actually go and read say an executive order or read the legal documents and the remedy is always there because Western law is all based on these things called the maximums of equity and in equity, which is all Western law is in equity. It's commercial law, all that stuff. There has to be remedy in equity. So every single statute, ordinance, code, whatever there is you've ever had to encounter in your life, there is a way out of it in it. And that's usually why the rich people can do what they want because they can afford lawyers or tax lawyers to figure out remedy for them instead of doing it themselves. But I found that by applying things like first principles to these things, I don't need to have a law degree or hire a lawyer to make sense of a legal document. I just know what to look for now based on first principles. And so I, I just, I look at what's going on and I just don't, I'm not afraid of it because I just see the remedy. So there it's just, people are so brainwashed with fear. And especially in the truth community, everybody's tripping on this undrip thing. The, the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous, they think this is going to be this, oh, it's going to come take your land, Curtis. You're not going to be off grid for long. They're going to get you too. The remedies are all there. And it, it's this, as this banana system gets crazier and crazier, wouldn't you agree that it gets more painfully obvious how ridiculous it is? Like, wouldn't you agree as we keep going down this road to madness with drag queen story time and all this crazy stuff that it just gets more and more obvious? Well, it's more and more obvious that people should be following your lead and that that's like the, the sweet spot that really is the antithesis to all their plans. And I guess my observation is just 
we can only do things like that because we live in a non-communist society and the communist society takes away your solution and makes it a, a null set. It can't happen in their society. You own nothing and like it, right? That's what it was in the Holodomor. They starved 40 million people or however many. Yeah, they didn't have. But that's not America, though. That wasn't Western law, though. That was Ukraine. That was the breadbasket of Europe. And Stalin did that. So he, you know, basically he had slave labor. Yes, you're right. It's outside the bounds of law. That's why they created uh, those Soviet and the Chinese experiments to see what they could do outside of law. Oh, we can reappropriate wealth so much faster in a communist system than in the Western system. And now I think those techniques are just being aimed back at us with China being. Well, they are. And there's no question in my mind that they want that in America. And I think they'll get that in America for those who are willing to go along with it. Because wouldn't you agree over the last few years, all this stuff has been voluntary. You didn't have to wear a mask. You didn't have to take a shot. You did because they leveraged you in some way. And that's why then that all really comes down to dependency is the more dependent you are on the corporate infrastructure and the system, the more you can, the easier it is to pinch you. Well, let's go and back so, to public schooling. We went, we went to public schooling. They didn't give us the means to be autonomous outside of that system. Yeah. So people without those tools had to make life decisions about their biological encoding for future generations because they didn't well, have the, the trivium and quadrivium to carry them outside of the, the mainstream. Totally. But, the, but they're just they're, the, the pattern I'm, I'm watching as this, all this stuff goes on is that they just, they make all these things voluntary. They just, they just, um, what do they ostracize people? You know, look, look at the level of ostracization we saw with the shot with, with the Stephen, Stephen Colbert with his vaccine thing. Get like the propaganda is absolutely out of this world. And they, and they just, they just try to leverage people in, in so many different ways because we are in world war three, in my opinion, it's just a psychological information, cultural, economic war. The, the, the era of the hot war is over. In my opinion, like at least, at least for the most part, they're going to continue with their proxy wars because they're profitable for them. But generally speaking, humanity is done with war. I don't think we're going to see a nuclear war. I don't think we'll see a big hot war because the fear of the war is more valuable than the war itself. Cause a big war, a nuclear war is no upside. This is very little upside for anybody, but the fear of nuclear war, you can mobilize people to do a lot of things to the fear of nuclear war. And now it's a Kissinger jo- doctrine of limited right. warfare he had back in the 1950s because of really? the Cold War. Destruction. Yeah, yeah, the he Cold actually war, spoke so... about this very specifically. So Kissinger Cold actually war. said this. It's hilarious because yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. universal truth in my opinion. Yeah, he gave a talk about this and he talked about a concept called limit. We need limited war in order limited to support warfare. the military, the industrial complex and in order to set up proxy states. Classic Kissinger. Yeah. So it's in the 1950s. I got on the show a couple of times. I'll have to look up the specific. Uh, and then he also had engaged. National Security Memorandum 200 about starving people out. He's like, we yeah. control people with the food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and that's where, that, that's where that classic quote came from, right? Control yeah. the food, control the people or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's a summarization. That's a synthesis of the whole document. That's the, that's the gist. And that's yeah. what they want to do. And you're creating a lifestyle that kind of runs parallel to that unless they specifically, you know, send the robot drones in the future. You're good. I know. So and you, and you know worry. what? And if, and if they send yeah. robot drones, what can we do about that? So, well, that's like, just it. So why, why worry about it? Right. I agree. I, I just, I just think I look at the patterns of how this thing keeps rolling out and I just see the real atrocities are happening to people that are doing it to themselves. Well, and that's really what like, they want. They want us to, it's you, you said world war three, but it's not going to be atomic bombs. They use that fear created by those things to get to the point where they could alter our biology without our consent. 
Totally. That was that was the voluntary thing that everyone bought into because that's it. And, it, and here's pressure. the thing, Richard, though, it, it is consent. It's just tacit consent. Not it's informed. Right. It's uninformed yeah. consent. Exactly. And and when you look at the legal system and how how people get railroaded, it's because it's it's usually through tacit agreement in that they sent you a notice and you had 21 days to respond. You didn't respond. Then they sent you a, a, another notice and then then you defaulted and then now you're obligated or whatever. And And it's the same tricks. And it's just it's all in that legal apparatus that that we have and and some of it maybe you know people who really get go down the rabbit hole with the cult stuff say there's some kind of luciferian thing to it and that they have to tell you what they're doing to you or who, who knows but but i just I, I try to just read things and really just look for patterns based on actual stuff not hype not not like noise i just look at the documents and i just i don't have fear about it it's so easy to get freaked out about these things but it's because nobody knows anything about the law at all like so people are so ignorant in general but but the law is like it's it, to me it's unbelievable actually i'm curious what you think about this because i don't know if you talk to alex jones still but i i look at a guy like alex jones and i wonder you know that whole show trial that he's wrapped up in in Connecticut and, and Texas, that whole stupid thing that he's got yeah, going on the in Connecticut. Judgment. Yeah, and in Connecticut. yeah, yeah. Like, how could a guy who's been into the truth movement as long as he has not have come across the stuff that I'm talking about? Like, how you guys have come across the stuff. Last time I was yeah. on your show, we talked about it a little bit. Yep. Yeah. How could a guy whole... like Alex? Because yeah. that 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 whole case is such bullshit. If he knew. At least what I know, he could have walked into that court by himself, pro se, and ended that thing a long time ago. But he somehow, it makes me wonder, is there some bigger thing with this? Is this a, just a fear campaign to make it seem like, oh, the law is going to come for you guys. You better just give up now because they're just going to steamroll you in some bullshit court case and fine you for 20 something billion dollars. It just makes no sense at all. I think but that I don't... works for an individual maybe to go in and do it pro se, but because he has like all that corporation and all that. No, it works for a corporation, Richard. Yeah, uh, there, there's, there's, there's tons of stories of guys that I've known that have defended their companies and it totally works because the person is a corporation too. It's all the same thing. Yeah. And so system, yeah. they, 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 because that whole case, there's just not, there's no equity there. And because the actual, Western law is based in this tradition of, of equity, which goes back to the, the, the Roman civil law system. Uh, you can get equity, but he's not doing it because he, he's if he knew that he could get equity and he knew how to pursue that, he could have ended that. But it's just this big circle jerk. And I just I just wonder if this is like what's going on there? How, how is it that he could not figure this stuff out and pays billions of dollars, millions of dollars to lawyers? Same with this Kanye West thing. Oh, the IRS is now coming after him for $50 million. Like it's, it's such BS, but I wonder if that's part of the fear campaign to make everybody feel that it's just that much more hopeless. Cause I just don't see it that way at all. Well, I don't see it as hopeless either. And I, I like, uh, uh, like you, I hold a white pill mentality on these things. Yeah. I'm optimistic about our ability to learn and catch up and more people today are catching on to something that they need to pay attention to than in the past 20 years. So it's like exponential right now, people waking up and they're just looking for the tools of how do I 
create a, a parallel lifestyle to that which yes. they're offering with the great reset and if people want the great reset let them have it but it's going to take a lot, a lot of energy and resources they don't have to go force everybody to do it so as you said they're going to guilt trip people into uh volunteering and thinking they're doing the right thing at the right time or what have you but history shows a lot of uh ill patterns with that type of ominous continuity of activity well and and, the, and this is where too where i i always revert back to um, more people equals more government equals less freedom. So less people equals less government equals more freedom. So at the end of the day, you know, and this is where the, the proverbial shit could hit the fan in the sense that it doesn't matter what the government says or does, excuse me. And it's not going to be this big roundup where, you know, UN agents, Chinese soldiers are going around rounding up people in the country like myself. It's that the propagandized sheep, are so mobilized by fear that they act upon the innocent or other people, just like they we saw themselves. They police in themselves Russia, like, right? Yeah, camps. The kulaks. Yeah. You know, Stalin. Uh, what was it? Lenin's marching orders or whatever. Go and round up the kulaks. And so, these are the people that were the ones that did the atrocity. Really, I mean, the majority of killings were from that or or starvation itself by them destroying the people's farms and whatnot. And then, uh, people starving as a result, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hope people learn from this history fast. Me too. Otherwise <laughs> we're all going back to Grizzly Adams real fast. <laughs> yep. What words of encouragement do you have for people watching this on the replay in the future? Oh man. Um, just do it. Just get started and, and, and don't have fear and just, just make it happen. And, 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 you know, a lot of people in, in, in our community who would watch these, this show, and I think your show is one of the best out there as far as the best way to get a, a you know, what's going on in the whole sphere of it all. Well, we you guys do our best to lay out the so well. here. Yeah, you, you do. You lay it out and um, it, you really do a good job of cutting out the, the, the noise. But I think it's good to stay informed. However, if you don't have the, if you're finding that being informed is making you angry and giving you a man, excuse me. I don't know why I'm coughing so much. If it's giving you an edge, it might not be playing to your benefit. That's it. If, it, if it's, if the information is hurting you, you're not sleeping. You're, you're angry at the dinner table with your wife. You know, you're, you're, you're not happy around your children. It's, it's, it's hurting your work life or whatever. Then it's, 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 it's not helping you. And so if it's not helping you just cut it off. Like, I don't want to tell people to not watch the Grand Theft World podcast at the same time. If people can't handle the shit, it'll be there for you later. Take a break. It'll be there. You can go back and watch the replay, you know, focus on episode one and watch what happened a couple of years ago that you're not living real time through anymore. Or yeah. if you want to watch real time in your challenge, you get a book like this and you learn about anti-fragility and then oh, yeah. these things. The gonna make, yeah. It's just going to make you stronger. Crucial. Yeah. What happened to Taleb, man? Have you, ever, have you ever interviewed him? No, I haven't. He got so woke with the scamdemic thing, man. I, I stopped following him on Twitter because I was like, I can't handle this guy was my hero. Yeah. And now he's like double masking and wearing, you know, goggles uh, when he goes out and is telling everybody to get the shot. And I was just at the same time, well. it doesn't discredit his work. I'm no. not one of these people that, that, that would, would Don't say that the discredits messenger. him. No, his work stands for, speaks for itself. All black his books swan, are real. Black good. swans are real. And black swans are real. Anti-fragility is useful every day. 
And, you know, Curtis, you probably didn't just do it all overnight, right? There's certain steps you took, like you're just getting started. So a lot of people see the end product and like, how do I get to be a homesteader? How do I get to have land or all these sorts of things? But it's like, that didn't happen overnight for you. It's no, I didn't. You know what? Yeah. And well, you know, my, my story actually kind of could be help, is helpful to people in a lot of ways, because I started with very little. Like now I've I've done okay for myself, but I've been at this for a long time. I mean, this has been... This has been a journey that started in 2009 for me wow. with my farm. But like I, this is what I'm doing now is literally what I wanted to do at the beginning. Like I, I wanted to be a homesteader. I wanted to be off grid. I wanted to do the permaculture thing. I wanted to have a food forest and all that stuff. But I couldn't because it's it takes resources and a lot of experience and your ability to take risk to do this kind of thing. And I didn't have any of that when I started. I started farming in people's yards because it was a way that I could start farming and learning. And, and, and really for me, I, I was basing everything I was doing at that time around the sort of eight forms of capital and looking at eight forms of capital and going, okay, I don't have a lot of financial capital, but I got some social capital. I got some experiential capital. I got some knowledge capital and I'm just going to go at it. I'm going to use those things to build other forms of capital. And so that's that's gotten me here where I now have a different allocation of capital resources because I have put the time in, but you know, even people right now, you can just, you can just start something and, and, and stick to it and, and get good at it and take some risks with it, grow it, lead that, let that thing lead you into other opportunities. Cause it's just, you know, the, the serendipity of life is that I find when you go on a path and you're naturally good at it and, and you like doing it, you're going to meet people that also do that thing. And you, we gravitate towards each other. Human beings are incredible how we find each other in, in such strange circumstances. So how did I meet that person? How did this situation actually transpire? When you're actually doing something and you're enjoying it and you're meeting people, opportunities happen. And, and especially when you approach life from an abundant mindset uh, approach, not a scarcity mindset, right? The new world order wants everybody to be stuck in scarcity, right? right? So we hate each other. We fight with each other. But when you go out uh, with an abundant mindset and in an, an abundant mindset world, it isn't a zero sum game. It isn't, well, right. I'm doing well because I'm screwing somebody over with my white privilege, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all, we're all, it's win, win, win across the board. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have so much optimism for, just everything changing because I think more people are starting to realize that all these prisons that have been created for us in the mind and in the, in the state, and there's all these prisons, there are all these layers of, 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 uh, of a cage and people are breaking through that. And it starts with the mind though. It really does start with the mindset. Well, I think it starts with uh, the wealth between your ears. Right. You were talking about the eight forms of capital. Some of those are transacting outside of yourself. Some of those forms of knowledge, the skills that has to be done through action. People also, if they, if they're struggling in that financial capital, it's like realize what you could be wealthy in to start off with without leaving your house, politeness, optimism, kindness, these sort yep. of things. And then just go out and start bringing that to the world. And you're going to start to see changes come back to you. The, the, that's exactly the, the wealth it. of mind. Yeah, because because I mean, this is what I was saying in my live stream earlier. You're richer than you know you are, and when you when you when you when you um, take an account of all of the things that you have, and the, the, the eight forms of capital is a great matrix for that because you lay that out 
and you go, okay, I've got some social capital. I know some people I've, I've learned some stuff. You know, I'm 43 years old. I've been doing some stuff for a while. Um, I have a lot of experiences that I can share. I've got a cultural capital. I've got, you know, people in my community that we do things with And You start to evaluate all of these things. It's, it's really empowering. And, and, and cause people get so hung up on money and, and that's the new world order wants you to only think that there's money. And, they and have right, a monopoly on it. Yeah, and they, they print it. These the assholes figure. print it. And they want you to give your blood, sweat, and tears for a thing that they print and they want everybody fighting over it. It's such it's such a uh, it's so it's so funny how how all of these prisons are so easy to see the, the more you pull the lens back. And that's why I always just kind of like to go to first principles of things and, and look at the macro of things and and then just kind of rationalize it. But yeah, I mean. People's people people are way richer than they think when they when they really evaluate it because all of those forms of capital can lead to financial capital. That's what you need, and financial capital can also lead to other things too. I mean, I've spent money to learn things about the law and 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 traveled places to learn the things that I've learned and and, and apprentice with people and whatever it is. But it's it's a great cycle, and and you can and, and I I. I I, I like it because it has a utility in the sense that it's it's a really good way to get some hope in your life. You know, really, really look at, hey, you know, a lot of us are actually doing pretty damn good. And I think it's good to have methodologies like eight, the eight forms of capital. Let's equate it to like the three things necessary for fire, fuel, friction, air to get combustion, whether it's in a car engine or in the backyard trying to make hot dogs. If if you're not making fire, you got to look at which ingredient is missing here. And the same thing, which ones do we have? Which ones do we need to get? And then exactly. you can that equation. But most people don't have a method to call upon to be able to adjudicate such things very quickly. I'm really excited that you're learning about the trivium and quadrivium and we're ahead, just like you're ahead on the gardening. So let's, let's figure out how you give us some pro tips. Tony and I give you some pro tips. We'll help yeah, I love it. Make sure you yeah. get the course and whatnot. Just awesome work and really appreciate everything. And you know, the inspiration you bring to so much, such dark times or what can be viewed as such, but finding ways to engender a sense of hope, wonder and beauty in life that some, so many times we forget about. So. Totally. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, you guys. Where can people find and keep up with you? Yeah, so I'm on YouTube. It's I'm no longer the urban farmer. I'm off grid with Curtis Stone on YouTube. But if you search the urban farmer, you'll still find me. Um, most of my work now is uh, I, I still make videos, um, but but we build courses now, and so you know we're really trying, like you, Richard. You know, we're we're trying to just give people the useful information. So if you go to uh, freedomfarmers.com, that's, that's my main platform actually. Now that's um, I have a great team and we build courses and it isn't just me anymore. I started building online courses where it was just myself. I started with a, a urban farming course many years ago, and then I did a, a microgreens course and then um, I built this team. And so, so from the field is our, is our membership site, but Freedom Farmers is where we kind of from the field is what inspires people and then we'll give you the inspiration. And then Freedom Farmers is where our courses are. And we have 15 courses now and I'm not in any of them. They're all other people I've helped find. We find people who are really good at a certain sector of agriculture and uh, we build a course for them. And we just want to give people the tools on how they can do this stuff because 
the, you know, the information on agriculture is, is scarce and, and it's, and a lot of old farmers are, are dying. They're retiring and they're dying. We're going, we're going through a great transformation in agriculture. Joel Salatin is a bit of a mentor to me has, um, has, uh, been talking about this for a very long time, but we're going through a massive transformation and, and, with what's going to be happening with the interest rates rising and stuff, there's going to be a huge transfer of real estate coming up and the farming farmers fit into that. But this information is lost. It's not lost, but it's getting more and more scarce and people just don't know how to get it. And if you don't know farmers, how do you learn how to farm, you know? And, and so we track down good farmers and, and, and extract their knowledge and, and hope that people can uh, use it and, and better their situations in life and find freedom. That's why we call it a freedom farmers. That farming can be a path to freedom in many ways. I think it's also important for people to realize that as they roll out ESG around the world and farmers are going out of business in the Netherlands and Australia, that you can't just open a farm like that and make things grow again. That's a long pickup curve. So those farms will go out to auction, those people out of business. Other people have to acquire land, equipment, all this stuff. It's not a feasible thing anymore, really, on that type of scale. So you have to learn learn how to do it the way Curtis is teaching people to do it. We have to decentralize food production and each yep, take up kind of our share because that market's going to be dried up soon. So thank you for yeah. helping us bring it to the table. We got the gravy out on the table. Thanks for the kind words while you're talking with Owen Benjamin. Early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right that, on. That, that yeah. clip made it to me. LD. Curtis, nice. He's like, yeah, go ahead, LD. Curtis, I want to say hello. That was that was me. I sent a super chat. Thank you oh, nice. for uh, introducing me to Richard Grove. I didn't I didn't connect the LD to the subdialect sound and verboten bear. But uh, hey, uh, Snarky Puppy, I uh, I love that stuff too. I knew Snarky oh, Puppy when they were uh, playing playing backyard gigs yeah, in Harrisonburg, I love Virginia. Yeah. Really? Uh, what are you guys? Are you guys down in Texas? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm oh, okay. I, I grew up on the East Coast. I'm uh, I've been in California for a long time, but uh, I'm actually not too far away from you up in Northeast Washington. Oh wow! And uh, I'm I'm living on a ranch, and uh, the owners would very much like to uh, come visit or have you come visit here. And uh, they they recently visited Salton back in August. Oh, nice, but, man! Uh, I'd love to, but the damn TSA uh, likes to bust my balls every time I come to the U.S. Since so I'm at a point where like I'm just tired of it. And, and yeah, I could probably hire a bunch of lawyers and spend a bunch of money to go to the U S consulate and do all that BS. Cause I haven't found any remedy for that. That's the one thing uh, <laughs> I haven't figured out is the the international side of things, but I was going to the, I've been to 42 U S states. I've been, I was going to the U S like four times a month for years. And it just got to a point. I think they found some strawberries. My wife and I were crossing one year and they found some strawberries in our cooler and they didn't like that. And ever since then I've been red flagged and I just cannot get down there. (laughs) You just inspired us adding Greta to the soundboard. So we can have a, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right on, guys. Because uh, they definitely like to come visit you about your operation. That's the thing. And yeah, yeah totally. We, we, yeah, we reach went, out. We went to we went to dinner recently, and and I got across the border with uh, with my birth certificate and two forms of IDs. The Canadians had no problem letting me in, but coming back, the Americans are like, "We're not supposed to let you back in because you can't can't prove you're supposed to be here on the federal level." So I have to get my passport renewed straight. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know what? It's similar here in that 
I could. So you had no problem getting into Canada as an American with that. I've heard a That's similar, right. similar situation. And then coming back, they kind of grind they you want but, more than you. Brought. Yeah. But you know, it's funny because during the, all the lockdowns, people thought that, and it was all over the news that Canadians can't travel. We could travel the whole time. We could go the whole time. It was just, there's a press release and then there's the statute and they're two different things. And the media does all the obfuscation, but the yep. law is always clear. And we could have gone and there was only two weeks when they shut down the borders, but we were able to go, not me because of the TSA has got a hard on for me, but, but everybody else could. <laughs> well, I hope, <laughs> I hope it improved. I uh, hope it improves. And uh, the lesson tonight is don't eat the bugs, prosecute the thugs. Thank you <laughs> love it, love for, it. for, for making time Thank in you, your Curtis. schedule. I'll let you yeah, get back thanks, to guys. your family. My pleasure. And uh, life on the homestead before the internet shuts off for the end, for the night. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, right on time. Perfect. Anytime, guys. All right, tell Katie right, she care. did a great job. I'd like to see her more on the podcast with you. I'm sure you know it's a good dynamic being able to share the parenting angle and those sort of things. So you had mentioned oh, yeah. it was her first time. I want to let you know that uh, pass on encouragement. Oh, I think she's probably listening to this in the kitchen, and she'll be delighted to hear that, Richard. Right so, on. It's wonderful. Okay, guys, take care. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks, Curtis. Hey, take care, Curtis. Peace. All right. Now we got a whole lot of news left on the show card for tonight. So uh, LD uh, yeah. requested that we go to a longer clip, given time to set up a fire. It's now down oh, to yeah. 13 degrees there. So yeah. maybe we check out Jackson report or something like that. Kinda Although LD, it. I was watching dual survival the other day and they slept out. It was 14 degrees in Maine and they didn't, they, you know, but I don't need you beating the guys on the show. Just, <laughs> just you can't, so I'm doing all right. It's, it's more, uh, I think they want to, uh, they want a fire just in case uh, it gets Good. too cold in the building. And yeah, don't and freeze I didn't the water. take care of that ahead of time. Freeze the water. Was, uh, yeah. I'm freezing yeah. a, a freeze stop that I let drip in the morning. So, All right, so uh, let's heat it up with uh, Crowder and Balenciaga saga. And there's a clip that follows that, I think. So let's just play those two clips back to back. To back. That should so, give you plenty. Of, well, what do you got? Uh, uh, how much to say this? How much time do you think you'll need? LD? Do you have a sort of general ETA? Uh, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, that's fine. fine. But so, yeah, that was, I can... Uh, Listen, I was going to give you 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. So I'm glad that's your, yeah. your perimeter. So the Crowder clip's about 15 minutes. And then there's a Greg Reese bit called Be Wary of the Balenciaga Satanic Psyop. They kind of go together. So if you want to quickly play that one, so about four minutes and just jump into and the And you Crowder can even one, play can... the Greg Reese, uh, the truth about yay. You can play that, all three, actually. That's yeah. a good end result to it because it yeah. gets off the hot spot of the yay thing and actually points people back towards something you might want to pay attention to. Actually, I would say do this. Okay. Deep. okay. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. So play the um, first one would be, <laughs> this makes it harder on Crowder. Uh, now I'd say play the Be Wary of the Satanic Psyop. It's only four minutes, then jump in the Crowder, then play the Yay one afterwards. Right, so two Greg Reese. First, <laughs> it's a Greg that, Reese sandwich. Uh, where's the, okay. Yeah, it's where's under the, culture. Beware, I'll, I'll highlight satanic it. Satanic Psyop. That's Crowder. It's uh, not. No, that's. Ah, uh, uh, Be Wary. But it's right beware. underneath is the uh, Crowder, which is also. The Alenciaga is part of a much bigger satanic scheme. So they both have the same, very similar titles. And then uh, I think right under that, I have the Greg. And I have a, t- I have a time code for the Crowder. It goes from 41 minutes to an hour and six minutes. Well, he's, he uh, cut out that segment. I just got cool. the segment they cut out. But That's fine, it, too. If uh, How long is yours, though? Say it again. It seemed like it was 20. But yeah, it's the same. Yeah, 22 minutes is what. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, perfect. Yeah. So we'll hit those hit those in order. Yeah, it's in order pretty much. So 
And then make sure you live stream you making a fire while we're watching this video. So, because <laughs> I've seen this yeah, I'll video turn on already. my camera on my phone. How about that? <laughs> All right, here comes the uh, the Balenciaga saga, and then we'll talk about uh, Kanye's Balenciaga victim hood later. The evil abuse of children that the world is waking up to today has been going on for many, many years. The Industrial Revolution was fueled by hundreds of thousands of children sold off of orphan trains at local fairs across the country, many of which were born within orphan asylums and referred to as foundlings. History shows us that not everyone sees an innocent child as someone to protect. And the Balenciaga scandal is exposing a hidden cult that celebrates the death and torture of children. The same photographer who placed the Supreme Court ruling on child porn in the Balenciaga ad that sparked this whole recent scandal also did a photo shoot for France's Double Magazine that featured a traumatized looking child having her passport photo taken for a trip to the same Disney Cruise Line that provides snorkeling trips off the coast of Epstein's Island, otherwise known as Little St. James. Both photo shoots appear to have been styled by Russian stylist Lada Volkova, a highly celebrated stylist in the fashion industry who works for Vogue, Adidas, Chanel, and has been a top stylist for Balenciaga since 2014. She has deleted her Instagram account since the scandal hit, but archived images show a dark appreciation for child abuse, images of violent pedophilia, child torture, child disembowelment, Satanism, and cannibalism. Many of these images are appreciated by her rich and famous designer friends, Gosha Rubchinsky and Mark Jacobs, both accused of peddling pedophilia in their own work. A recent video shows what appears to be fake babies sold in blood-spattered Balenciaga swag. It's in your bag. In my bag, uh, like stuff for me. Like, can we do what's in the bag, please? Do I hold it for you and you can take things out? Excuse me. Yeah. Look, there's like a, like when she starts to cry, like then when, when she's gonna pee, I don't know. Then uh, when, when she's boring, uh, she's boring. As the Balenciaga scandal goes viral, Hollywood actress Nicole Kidman, who was recently glamorizing eating bugs, proudly releases her own Balenciaga ad on Instagram. From what we are learning about these people, it seems strange for us to put our faith in any single one of them. And by all appearances, this wasn't an accident. It seems to be another demoralizing psyop. The Balenciaga stuff just gets worse and worse. Check this out. The people that recruited all of the models for Balenciaga's runway show was a woman called Rachel Chandler, who um, has been on Jeffrey Epstein's island. She's even posted the picture on Instagram of CCTV footage back in 2013, bragging about being on an island. This stuff's got me wondering if all high-end fashion brands are just fronts for human trafficking. So most of us know by now that Balenciaga got themselves canceled by having BDSM bears photographed with children. 
The same style bears were featured in one of their last runway shows, which was held in a mud pit, as if the brand weren't disgusting enough. But who opened for the show? Yeah, Kanye West was pretty close with Balenciaga before they got canceled for that last photo shoot. Kanye's been all over the place for years. Everybody knows that. I'm sure he's been through a lot. I feel for him, but let's keep our eyes open, yeah? It's a very small club, and yet the majority of us still seem to obsess over them, like royalty, which begs the question, do we have any power? And if we someday find that we do, what are we going to do about this evil? Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. As a parent, is not to protect your child by any means necessary from sexual predators. You should give your children up for adoption. You should give them up to another family. What is Satanism? And it always kind of, you can comment below, it always sort of surprises me that, um, that that ding, ah, it's driving me nuts. (laughs) It always sort of surprises me when you have people out there, celebrities, people on the right who say, ah, this is a satanic cabal. Okay, what church are you involved with? Why is it all of a sudden the people who are not practicing Christians who want to use the Satanism clickbait? Yeah. Satan is, I believe the devil is real. The devil wants you to think that he's not real, just to be clear. But we'll get to what Satanism actually is. Before that, here's the thing. Hollywood has a very long and storied history with child exploitation. Yeah. Let's be clear here. Uh, what do we have? We have a, um, oh, this is a new one, new yeah. play, pedophile play called Downstate by Bruce Norris. And by the way, it's not just that there's a play, basically, uh, I guess I should say uh, uh, praising or portraying in a positive light. I don't want to misspeak and be removed from YouTube from right, the right, pedophile right, moderator. Right, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not just that you have a play that's pro-pedophile, allegedly. It's that you have the media carrying their water. Washington Post. There's a columnist there. Peter Marks wrote a review of the play. Take a guess. Glowing. Mm. Oh, weird. Norris proposes a variation on this proposition at Off-Broadway's Playwrights Horizons. I always love when they have to say Off-Broadway because that means they're a self-important prick. (laughs) It also means it's not on Broadway for good reason. Yes, exactly. For a very, very good reason. What I want you to do is walk past the theater, see where they have Avenue Q playing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and keep walking until someone takes your wallet. Mm. (laughs) And then... (laughs) You won't find that at the TKTS stand. So... He is, uh, this is the review, uh, he is questioning what degree of compassion should society fairly hold out to those who have served their time for sexual abuse, assault, or rape. Downstate, directed with exceptional astuteness by Pam McKinnon, seizes on our reflexive response to these crimes and shifts our emotional focus to the perpetrators. Let me ask you this, at what point do they, n- at what point does a person not warrant your emotional focus. I, I know, I know. If they voted for Trump, right? You don't care if they live or die. Right, yeah. But when someone rapes a kid or when someone grooms a kid and you understand the recidivism rate, at what point do you actually focus on the victim rather than the criminal? I'm sorry, this may seem a little bit cold. I think there's nothing wrong with the way we've been doing it since the beginning of ever. You rape a kid, you harm a kid in the tribe, you're gone. Try and come back. You get an arrow through the heart or you get a bullet to the face. You leave. Exile. That's your, we, why? For the same reason that a dog that mauls a child can no longer be let in a daycare. You are no longer allowed to be right. among society where you could do damage. It's just a risk that we can't take. Leave. And then if they, through force, come back, the punishment has to be as severe as humanly possible. Comment below. If you think, if you think that's a little bit too stark of a contrast, 
I'm giving them the option to leave. Right. That's that's enough. But so this play, it wasn't just so this this article is glowing. This play was fantastic. They did a great job with this. In the play, they're making the point that we're treating pedophiles, people convicted of sexual crimes against minors and other people too harshly because nope. we're not considering the emotional distress that they're going through in life and the nope. isolation and everything else. Exactly, Whatever it is, it's right? not enough. Here's the one part of it, too, that just makes it even worse. One of the play's characters is a victim of one of the guys who's living in this basement in a group of people that are living together. And they portray him as this person who misguidedly comes back to face his his you know tormentor, essentially. Somebody who abused him and to try to get some closure. He's like, he's trying to get some kind of closure. And his wife misguidedly says that this is probably a good idea. And he has no compassion for this guy. He paints him as the villain. It really? paints the child uh. who was abused, who is now an adult, that is coming back to try to get some closure as the villain in the story. And all the compassion goes to the guy that raped him. This That's is, what this play does. This is far more prevalent in our society than I think people realize. Yeah. And the fact that there's more people. Certainly in Hollywood. More, oh, absolutely. But it, no, it goes on everywhere. There's a problem with sexual abuse of children everywhere. Yeah. And the reality is, is the more people there are, the more this stuff is coming to light because somebody who made this play or is behind it or is producing it has an agenda. Yep. I firmly believe that because oh, there's too much of this Dave. crap going on. It's right there, oh, of right? course. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a conspiracy, even though you're watching it. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, I think you're absolutely. Here's the big difference, though, is that at least in even if people in our in society at large, being the United States, uh, aren't as hard on pedophilia as we are, aren't as hard on child rapists. They still have to feign as though they're bothered by it. They don't write plays saying, can't we give them empathy? Only in the entertainment industry do they openly, blatantly say, hey, we're not pro-pedophile, but couldn't you put a little love in your heart? Nope. Well, they're saying use the term minor attracted person. And that's when I was like, well, you've officially lost me. Yeah. Is that what we call them when we shoot them? Yeah. How about future room temperature? Yeah. Like it's, I don't <laughs> understand. Like it is... It's a. It should it should be an, an execution. Yes. I'm sorry if you I, rape I, a child. No, yes. yes, it yeah, should you be. You should be put and... to death because you are a danger to children. You've had your chance to live. You're now an adult. Yeah. You're taking away somebody else's. You deserve to die. That's how I've always felt about. I it. I agree with you, right? Because I don't want you out. And there. watch YouTube right. say that this is more extreme than the people trying to groom. And by the way, that is grooming. Just to be clear. Creating a play like that, that you know a bunch of suburban white moms who make up the entire Democratic voting block and want to put their kids on puberty blockers, they'll be, hey, we're going to go into the city. Yeah, we're leaving Bronxville today. Let's go watch the, the, the pedophile supportive play. Can you write a report afterwards? What did you think? Oh, my child's so compassionate. No, you are an abusive parent. If your role as a parent is not to protect your child by any means necessary from sexual predators, you should give your children up for adoption. You should give them up to another family. If you are not willing, and I mean this, I'm not just saying someone who's a minor attracted person who hasn't acted on it still deserves severe, yeah. severe exile. If someone has actually committed child sexual exploitation, and it's happening to the point that there's a huge industry that exists. There are more slaves on earth than ever right now in recorded history. Over 40 million. You know why? A lot of them are sex slaves. Yep. Which is just another form of slavery, almost a worse form and most of slavery. Absolutely. A lot of them are children. If you are not willing to pull that trigger as a dad, you're not a dad. You're not a dad. And, and by the way, people say cowards. Hey, you know what? This is, and I'm, I'm, I mean this honestly. 
If you have someone who is raping your child, someone who is someone who is sexually abusing your child, here's the beauty of, or if you're a, if you're a woman who's being raped, to be clear, people will often say, I hear like Sean Penn say, oh, I think people will use guns or cowards. What, you can't handle it with your fists? What if the guy's in a wheelchair? I don't know. What if it's a dad who has, uh, who has COPD and his child's been raped? A mechanical advantage, just as good. And the mechanical advantage should be used by the state. I don't care if it's lethal injection. I don't care if it's the chair or if it's mid-act. Thank God you have the ability to protect you and yours, and it doesn't have to come down to who's taking the liver king cycle. Let me give you a couple of other examples here. Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. Of course, they were both sexually exploited in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and they were forced to work there for a very long time. They were passed around at sex parties. You have Brian Singer. Of course, was accused of raping uh, Michael Egan as a teenager. Of course, you have Kevin Spacey. I mean, countless people have come forward. Um, Here's another example. No, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Michael Bay did anything. I just find it weird <laughs> that Michael Bay felt it necessary to include this dialogue in Transformers. I just think it's weird. How old are you? 20. She's a 17-year-old girl. So we can work this two ways. One, I punch you right in the mouth and you call the police on me. Dad. Or two... I just call the cops on you because this is illegal. She's a minor. We're protected by the Romeo and Juliet laws. We dated for a little while. I was a sophomore and he was a senior. It's fine. No, it's not fine. We've got a pre-existing juvenile foundational relationship. Statute 2705-3. What? Texas statute? Now, a couple of things here. First off, I also want to be clear. I don't think that people who are 19 years old who are dating a 17-year-old should be put in prison with sex offenders, just to be clear. However, they could have made that film and just had them both be 18. (laughs) There's no reason to put that in there except to encourage. I'm not being reflexive, right? I was like, this is, why put that in there? What an odd scene. I don't even think Wahlberg was acting. He's like, what? (laughs) He's still trying to have sex with a minor. I don't know. I don't care if you're 19, she's 17. That's gross. Why can't they just be... Why can't they just be 19? Michael Bay, you're spending too much time on special effects, not on human characters, with real, realistic dialogue, okay? Ah. I just love that we're, we used to Transformers We're going to transform clip. you. If I were writing it, it wouldn't have gone down like that, all right? All right, this is the scene where we teach you about Jack and Jill laws involving sex with teens. I'm sorry, is this sorry, Transformers? Am I on yeah. the right side? It yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. This is the movie the kids will watch. We want to make sure they're very aware of this yes. law. And action. Yes. Jack and Jill laws. Oh, and this stick with the tennis ball is Bumblebee. Go! Go! Yeah. Huh? <laughs> How old are you, Bumblebee? <laughs> you have them talking about statutory rape while you're jiggling that bell like you're some kind of dog animator to Santa Claus at a shopping mall, okay? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Why does he have a card of the Jack and Jill law? Hey, he's done this before. Yeah, exactly. come up so often. <laughs> <laughs> it's laminated. He came prepared. It means the first one wore out. Right. He call him Selick because that's not his first rule. Yeah, but Dave, it was right next to his condom in his wallet. Yes. Yeah. He's like, look, Jack and Jill, we dated. Yeah. I took her out to dinner before I had illegal sex. Yes. In fact, the law comes And the after the hill, I did not put her back together again. Oh, oh, no. Broke it off. Now, I don't know why the Hodge twins are in my head. Okay. So let's give you a few more examples. <laughs> We've just given you the, some sexual examples. And of course, you have the same industry. Drew Barrymore. It's the, the film crew encouraged her to down glasses of champagne at 10 years old. She was on cocaine, was in rehab at around the age of 12. Yes. And then, rather than saying, you people are all disgusting, right. you people are all exploitative, she was at the Academy Awards saying, I feel like you people are like my family, and I couldn't have been raised by a better family. I don't know if you know, it's pretty rare for 12-year-olds to be in rehab for coke, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she thought the E.T. puppet was real. Yes. 
And it was still also doing quaaludes on yes, the set. Exactly. <laughs> Which brings She's us to <laughs> Roman Polanski. Five women have accused of him raping them as children. All the way back to 1977. 13-year-old girl, champagne and quaaludes. And they gave Sodomized. him an Oscar. After. After, over, yeah. and wait, he was in France because if he came here, he would be arrested. Then you have another example here that's creepy. Uh, Dan Schneider, according to yeah. Zoe 101 actress, I guess uh, Alexa Nicholas, Schneider would take pictures of kids' feet. I just threw up in my mouth a little, but here's a clip. Oh, oh, so yeah, so that wasn't even Polaroid, it was like a digital camera, and he would go around with money and ask to take photos of the kids' feet. Mm-hmm. I'm and, sorry, yes, the uh, kids' feet. Yes. The children's feet feet okay yeah th- right. their toes okay and i remember thinking it was weird and silly almost as a kid and i remember my mom going don't go over there my mom actually said no mm-hmm. to it mom's garbage. but i saw other parents allowing their kids to do it well if her, i think she's trying to say her mom actually stopped her well yeah. that's good but that's i mean good. she kind of forced if she just said no though. yeah like don't do that no, okay go take pictures of your feet but the Dan Schneider thing, there's actually tons of footage from different shows yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like they're putting food on their feet. There's all these foot fetish scenes. Like there's like, you know, uh, you have like them like in How bed. How do you eat a tin roof Sunday? No. <laughs> <laughs> but like in bed, like, you know, sucking their toes. And it's all Dan Schneider produced television. That guy is an absolute creep. He's yeah. an absolute creep. Absolute creep. And really, it just comes down to when they get caught. Again, you look back, yes. you go, oh, we had the signs. And sometimes they're caught and it's still not enough. No. And. Roman Polanski was caught. Yeah. All he was giving her drugs that don't even exist anymore. They still give him an Oscar. They did all the drugs. All of them. Well, and Hollywood seems like the best place to kind of preach morality. That's why I still love Ricky Gervais when it was, what was the Golden Globes? That was beautiful. Which one? He did it like five times. The one that was just like, he lit into every single person, including, and I like to call him this because President Trump called him this, Tim Apple. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Instead of Tim Cook, he just called him Tim Apple. I know. The lot of you have to get back to being pedophiles. Sorry, I don't care. Yeah, when he said something about Epstein and they started groaning, he goes, why are you booing? It's your friend. It's your friend. He's not my friend. <laughs> what are you motivating? It's awful. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would love to see him do the Jerry Lewis. T- we wrote a whole script, the Jerry Lewis telethon, but it was oh, Ricky yeah. Gervais, oh, and he was just awesome. roasting kids, remember? <laughs> <laughs> we just never really, this is too mean. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings us to, I think this is important, right? Hopefully, comment below if you feel like this has been clearer for you as to what is true and what is not true. But this brings us to this idea, and you see these celebrities out there saying, this is obviously, this is practice Satanism and this cabal of Satanists. Look, I want to be clear about something here. Satan is real. Matter of fact, Alice Cooper has a great uh, description of it. He said, you know, I did a lot of things, even when I had strayed, when I was distanced from God, but I never acted like the devil didn't exist. That's the danger. The real danger is acting like the devil doesn't exist. They don't want it to be on full display. They don't want, put it this way. It's very unlikely that the Satanism is going to be actual on-screen Satanism. It's going to be the feet in some yams. It's going to be something subtle, like a play that then gets praised in the Washington Post. Yeah. Satan, the temptation of evil, it's not going to show up as a vampire. It's going to show up as a sexy secretary. It's going to show up maybe as a social worker who tries to plant some ideas in your child's head that are antithetical to the idea of the nuclear family and mom and dad. And just to be clear to what we're talking about satanism i think the church of the 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 sort of offshoot of satanism that has the most amount of members is also let me clarify this they don't believe in god or satan so um levay and satanism right anton levay here's their belief is they don't believe in god 
uh, they don't believe that the Bible is true. But what they say is, we hate practice Christianity so much mm-hmm. that if you're going to believe this fable, if you're going to believe this allegorically, we actually think that Satan is the good guy, and so they professionally troll, right? They say to us, Satan is the symbol that best suits the nature of who we are carnal by birth. People who feel no battles raging between our thoughts and feelings, we do not embrace the concept of a soul-imprisoned body. Satan represents pride, liberty, individualism, quality, is often defined as evil by those who worship external deities. They don't believe in loving your enemy. They don't believe no. in mercy. They don't believe in a certain set of sins. They believe in whatever feels best for you. And if someone gets in your way, you can, of course, do whatever needs to be done. Now, this is a perversion of what we know to be good. So I just want to be clear when I say this. Yes, yes. I do think that this industry, not think, beyond any shadow of a doubt, is acting satanically because they've idolized themselves. They've created a graven image and it's themselves. They sacrifice and worship at the altar of self, of what feels good right now? What is most pleasurable to me? And here's the big difference if you're a Satanist, meaning a a Levian Satanist, or if you're someone who rejects God. I understand that there are a lot of things that, for example, as a Christian, God commands you to do that you don't like. Keep in mind, these are also the same commands that say, don't rape kids, right? So you take the good with the bad. Now, some of them might not be pleasurable, but we can't equate pleasure with happiness, pleasure with purpose, pleasure with fulfillment. That's what Satanism is. And if you look at all of these issues where we, we, we come to these time and time again, what they're doing with children, what they're doing, uh, whether it's drugs, what they're doing with, pick an agenda, insert it here. It's almost always predicated on the idea of pleasure masquerading as purposeful happiness. Mm -hmm. Do not conflate the two. Satanism doesn't require a a Rosemary's baby altar. It just requires someone to place their own selfish desires above what they're called to be from God with no regard for it. So I hope I've clarified myself. Yeah, and that's exactly what Satan did, right? So you don't have to go to a church that has Satan statues all over the place and bow down and worship and sing these weird songs and practice rituals to be worshiping Satan. Satan basically said, I will be like God. I will ascend the holy mountain. I will be above God. He was making himself God. That's all it is. And so worship of self. Where do people tend to worship themselves? Everywhere. Right. But Hollywood, for sure, politicians for sure. Yeah. <laughs> These places breed people worshiping themselves. Yes. The well, entire industry Anton, is built on it. Anton LaVey is doing it just to get money from celebrities. Right. right? I mean, that was really why it was created was right. so he could mingle with the herd of people that are self-indulgent. Right. And be a five. And it would be an easy sell. It was. No, you're absolutely right. So you were just saying, you, you just said something and it just, what Is were you saying? And be a 501c3 or just before no, that? No, before that, what were you saying? Oh, I don't know. Just Dave about, said something really funny and it distracted well, me. Well, it happens. <laughs> I was just saying that Satanism is worship of self and yeah. Hollywood and politicians, those are the two places that I see people worshiping themselves more than anywhere else. Maybe in corporate America too. Yeah. Where you think yes. you're, this is the thing. Well, you we know negotiate what, yeah. deals all the time. We're in business. We talk to people all the time. If I go into a call, if I go into some kind of a meeting, if I go into one of these shows thinking that I'm all that and that I've got all of this under control, then it's on me and my performance is whatever it is. And that's me, right? Right. I go into those calls and say, God, please help me to say the things like when we pray before the show, God, help us to have clear thoughts and have a clear heart and mind to put this message out there. Let us, let's not just have it be us. And it's always weird when we hear back, God has left this place. <laughs> um, we no, I, but you know what's low scale? Board. Satanism, worship of self. We see this and we go, that's incredibly perverse. How about the song that says, you're perfect just the way you are? Right. Mm. Everyone thinks that sounds great. It's horrible. No one is perfect just the way they are. You're awful. 
We're all terrible. <laughs> Just to be clear, Start human there. beings are not inherently good. We can become good. When people say, oh, children are so innocent. and uh, I've, Have you watched kids at daycare? Oh, they're evil. They steal and slap <laughs> each other. Yeah, they don't care. They require values to be instilled. It's not innate. But the idea that you're perfect, you're beautiful. Maybe you're not. You don't need to change a thing. Maybe you do. You know what else? If he loves you, he'll take you exactly the way you are. You have nothing to improve? Nope. How about the fact that you leave your your, your, your contacts on the floor? <laughs> hey, just Does remember, that. though, that uh, <laughs> Jesus is victorious. This just broke. Chris Licht of CNN, he just released this letter, and he said, Today we will notify a limited number of individuals, largely some of our paid contributors, as part of a recalibrated reporting strategy that they'll be let go. Oh, okay. Oh. That's a long way around to say, you suck! You You're mediocre fine. nothing. <laughs> and you know what, Dave? I do want to add, and, and I don't, uh, this is obviously something personal to you, but I think you've been pretty open about being a recovering addict. Yes. So, obviously, the path of anyone who's addicted to anything, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, it starts off, of course, as pleasurable. Of course it does. Yeah. Well, but yes. To, to some degree. It, it starts off as pleasurable, yes, as socializing, but it, it does start off as pleasurable to a sense, yes, but, because it takes away pain. But does it mean happiness? No, that's the exactly exact opposite. And why do we? And that's the point. It's the problem is Hollywood starts with that first half, and they don't tell you where it leads. And that's why we do what we do sometimes. We say, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. You don't know the end of the story. Now, this is, and I we've talked about this an incredible amount of respect, not only for 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 what Dave has done. I know how hard it is having had many family members who struggle with addiction. That's the arc, but you can't have that arc unless you acknowledge that pleasure isn't the same as happiness. You know something else. Yakuza here. We know Toolman. You know we've all, we have a gym here at the office. Wasn't something he really did. Wasn't no. very pleasurable when you were starting. No. But now you're starting to see some results. Yes. Oh yeah. And not doing anything as you get older, not training. That's not going to make you happy when you can't play with your kids. We need to start earlier. We can't just have a bunch of reactionary bullshit, and I mean sometimes actual bullshit and Photoshop saying Satanism because you're not plugged into a church and you're not reading the word and you're not actually understanding that far earlier along the trail, we are dealing with the worship of self. Because if you worship self, what happens if self is bad? Hey, maybe on a good day, you end up with Lizzo and fat pride. Worship self? Well, you know what? I wouldn't say that's a good result. Or maybe you worship self and you write a pedophile play. And maybe you worship self and you're such a great playwright, reviewer, critic, sorry, that you decide to praise the play. And that goes down the trail and down the trail. What Satanism is, this is the most effective tool that Satan has in his, in his tool chest, is selfishness, right? Pleasure being conflated with happiness, combined with subjective morality. You take those two, you can convince anyone to do anything you want, including build a bear BDSM or puberty blockers for six-year-olds. How do you get that far down the trail? Well, hopefully I just laid out a blueprint. During Kanye West's appearance on the Alex Jones show, he praised Hitler while reading the Bible. He spoke about Zionists, but failed to mention how they worked hand-in-hand hand with the Nazis to create Israel. He spoke out against porn, but begged God to allow him his supermodel habit. And the entire time, he wore a Balenciaga-styled BDSM mask without ever mentioning his close relationship with them. It was the epitome 
of cognitive dissonance. And as the political right praise Kanye as a Christian, the political left attack him as a racist. Both sides dancing together in gay fascination with the celebrity. This is also called idol worship, and humans have a weak spot for it, although few will ever admit it. Bring in the clowns. There will be clowns. And while satiated with their bread and circus, one of Kanye's biggest benefactors, the CCP, is able to quietly round up thousands of protesters and disappear them without disturbing the sleeping masses. The China Show on YouTube has been doing a great job of covering this. The protests are nationwide, and they are directed against Xi and the entire CCP. In China, you'll hear Gongshandan Wansui, which yes. means like um, communist party, communist long, party. Live long, long live the communist party. They're saying long live the people. Yes. Um, well, it's things like this that really... Um, you would never see in China because the repercussions for doing this sort of thing are drastic in China. For the first time in decades, we are seeing a united solidarity among the people. He's saying, give me liberty or give me death. Okay, that's what he's shouting. And you've got people actually chanting along with him, okay, which is normally not the case. Yeah. Because people are like, holy crap, if someone's doing that, they're like, he's crazy, stay away from me, I yeah. don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. But the important thing is what happens when the police do finally arrive. <laughs> They rescued him. And I mean, this is this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this happen in China. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's happening all over China. We have Lanzhou. We have Chongqing. We have other parts of Guangzhou, which were already protesting. Yes. We have Beijing. We have third tier, fourth tier, fifth tier cities. We have top tier universities down to low, low level vocational schools. Yeah. We have people in the streets. We have officials being kidnapped out of government buildings. We have people parading through the streets. We have people uh, tearing down police stations. We have PLA deployed, People's Liberation Army. We yeah. have SWAT teams. We have this across the entire country. The reason we've only seen a glimpse of this massive protest is the CCP's censorship. They routinely stop people on the train and check their phones for VPNs. And they jam the signals once a protest breaks out. They're sending signal jammers into places of protest in order to, you know, stop people's cell phones so they can't send messages, they can't send yeah. videos. And people are coming into massive clashes just right in the street and people are getting uh, cell phone videos out before the signal jammers can show mm -hmm. up. We're seeing stuff get come to a head and then it just stops. And because everyone is required to have their mobile phone apps in order, the police simply switched off the apps where the protests were happening so that nobody could board the train. Because of the phone apps, they knew exactly where to find everyone. So they knocked on doors, beat people in their own homes, and dragged them off to the quarantine camps. While Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates believe communist China is the model for the world, BlackRock's CEO says that the markets prefer totalitarian government. And here's how it works. 
If your mobile app goes red, then you have to wait in line for a COVID test. And if you fail that test, then you have to take a bus to your designated quarantine camp, where you will be imprisoned and charged for the entire stay. And so the truth about Ye is that the human herd is and always will be manipulated by our own weaknesses, like our obsession with celebrity and drama. Americans don't seem to care that thousands of people just sacrificed their lives for freedom. They'd rather talk about Ye and Hitler. But soon, they won't even have to distract us, because at this rate, we will soon be connected to a worldwide social credit score system, just like China. And both the left and the right will then be able to spend their final days arguing about Kanye and Hitler while locked up together in their very own death camps here in America. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Wow, that was quite a segment. <laughs> yeah. This okay, so Balenciaga fact check. The chick with the two red babies in the red outfit is not Balenciaga. I think I saw no, that someplace that's Volkova, who's like a photographer, I believe. Um, she's connected to, but didn't do the photo shoot, I think. But she's still, you know. Um, there was, yeah, there an was interesting a, party, I guess you could say. There was some leaps to conclusions, but she's not unrelated. It just wasn't the thing that was being passed around right. in the memes and, and whatnot. Right. Um, and then <clears throat> for those of you playing at home who missed out on Thursday because you were doing other life things, there was a three hour live stream, slow train wreck situation. Broke the internet. Bro- broke the internet for sure. And InfoWars which isn't supposed to be in business anymore because they're supposed to be deep sixed by these, uh, these kangaroo court deals. Somehow they, they had 40 million concurrent users, 70 million for the whole day. Uh, so they at least were, they know how to attract attention, get interest and the delivery of value. I, I don't know if that was like, I mean, I don't think how I can't right. see how that could have been planned. I believe it was Kanye. I believe the mask was his idea. I believe Alex was just like, hey, it's a free speech platform. Let's see what I agree. happens. And there, Royce Wright gets a good breakdown of so, sort of defending Alex. And we'll get to that in the intermission because he does a good job. He even supposedly talked with Alex beforehand in regards to his intentions. And, you know, Alex has always been sort of um, open to anyone sharing ideas and opinions. He's been that way since the very beginning, many of which I disagreed with over the years, but I appreciate um standing up for free speech in the first amendment and at this point with the way he's been um castigated by the media and of course in the the court case in connecticut you know i I think at this point he's like fuck it i'll just whoever has anything to say that might be of any value or should be out there for the for people to consider he'll have on and let them do their thing and you can see how he was uneasy throughout the whole thing so i'll give alex some credit yeah. yeah so so kanye during the whole thing there's a couple things that were coherent that I think a lot of people could agree with. He said on purpose a bunch of things that nobody can really agree with. He then tried to like point out like uh, a loving everyone perspective, and he could love Mao or Pol Pot or any number of people or groups, right? So there was kind of that going on. Um, but he didn't, being a Christian, you know, a self-proclaimed Christian as he proclaims that he is, he didn't really recite like what the context is around in the Christian tradition around that idea in regards to the idea of forgiving the sinners and 
and Christ's sort of message in regards. No, he to, said it in a purposely incendiary way exactly. to get attraction, to get clicks, to get clickbait. I kind of agreed with what Schroyer was observing afterwards when he did mm -hmm. the the war room or, or yep. whatever his show is called afterwards, and he was saying, you know, people taking selfies and pictures and like making a big thing out of like there's other stuff going on and don't want to get lost in the fog of war, the fog exactly. of celebrity, <laughs> these sort yeah. of things. Um, and Kanye then got banned from Twitter because he posted the, the railings. Swastika and uh, yeah. It's and the, the symbol of the railings, symbol, which is yeah. a 1970s UFO cult. And so I, I tweeted, I'm like, can't talk about railings on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the swastika and Star of David. Swastika is inside the Star of David and connected at the four or the six points of the Star of David with the four points in the swastika. So, but the railings weird... aren't canceled. That was, that's like, yeah. is that the point? I don't know what his point was of sharing that. I know a lot of people took it out of context, like it was some sort of hate symbol. I know yeah. Elon jumped to that conclusion and still has to defend it because, what you got, you got Rayland. I mean, it's it almost seems like, like he, there's he, someone. It was, it was almost like a troll. In his ear is showing him sort of alternative histories of World War II, and so he has sort of this weird sort of sympathy for Nazis in a weird way and the transfer agreement sort of stuff, but he doesn't understand it and it's not within his purview. So he has, he's either There's finding the him symbol. LD has it on screen there at the top. Go back yeah. to that for, yeah, that's, that's what he got busted yeah. for sharing, but that's the Raelian from Wikipedia. Yeah. So like so, if I type in, can't talk about Raelians and I put the Wikipedia there, that graphic comes up. My tweet wasn't banned because I was saying you can't talk about Raelians, but apparently in, in the context of what, Kanye had said, or what Ye had said the day before, the day, two days before, Elon took it as like that's hate speech. Yeah, and like this is sort of um, uninformed comments about Nazism, and so it seems like someone's in his ear who he found some documentaries on YouTube painting a different picture, and that he's very con cognitive dissonance is the perfect term that Greg Reese used to describe the situation. Let's not forget. This individual has had, he's going through a, a very public divorce. He's known to have very severe bipolar disorder, may have been um, manifested from this sort of Canadian national security state handler slash psychiatrist, psychologist, something like that he's had who mentioned in a tweet, you can we go back on the drugs or we can have a conversation. So like there's a lot in his past. I showed well, the that's Vigilant the guy Citizen article the first time. Right. And, there's a, and like the whole situation, the U UCLA psych ward where he's been uh, committed a number of times and um, one in particular that, you know, was after a very sort of public sort of demonstration by himself back in 2014 or 15. So he's gone through a lot and has continued to go through a lot. And he seems like someone well, who's very much untethered and unhinged. around back then, too. Yeah. Right. So there's he's obviously someone that's struggling with his own personal demons. And that's to say it at least at least. And so God knows what's going on behind the scenes in regards to all of that. But he's a showman and he certainly lives up to that. And he did so in the Alex Jones show on Thursday. But and Alex gave him several chances to like state your platform. Yeah. You know, he, Alex know. tried, like, Alex kept opening like a door to a reasonable, rational conversation that would make sense to people and maybe he'd get some support. And all I saw, even without Milo there, like, I thought maybe Milo was like the negative influence because I saw how the Tim cast and some of the other oh. things went down. I was like, well, maybe it's the Milo factor. But clearly, when or I Nick Fuentes, I, I didn't get to see the Thursday event live. It's like, so I had to watch the meteor. I saw a couple seconds of it, but I had to watch the replay of it. And um, the one time I tuned in on Thursday in between two meetings, I just got out of a conference call. I tuned in. I'm like, what's going on? And it's, uh, Alex in a lizard mask and yeah, yeah. Quintes in an Alex Jones mask and Kanye and his 
Beyonce, Beyonce, Balenciaga victimhood hood or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was like, what is going on here? Are they just trying to get clicks and attention? And clearly that was part of it. Cause Absolutely. they should like Tucker Carlson, you know, he does mm-hmm. all right. CBS doesn't get those types of numbers ever on their own. Tucker Carlson's year, the, the largest news segment that. on uh, traditional cable medium. I mean, it's like 3 million, two to 3 million a night. Uh, and then in the next, after that, he's the largest. And then it's Joe Rogan on the internet platform with so this Spotify. Was 10X Tucker Carlson for three hours. You got it. By many, many orders of magnitude. Yes. And then all the people who hate on anyone on that panel who ha- then had to watch it several times to write about it and complain about it. I mean, so that was, was the other part. Yeah. It's like I mean, you I, knew that like, I wanted to have a picture of like all these famous people who either are pro or against Alex Jones. They were all watching the same thing that day. Uh-huh. You know, Elon's on his plane. He's like eating and he's like watching that. And Biden's like getting his hair plugs or something. And he's watching it or however that works over there. And the yeah, they get his diaper changed. <laughs> so, cause he shouldn't himself. In they show him the, the TV when they roll him on his side. All right. So I got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I had to segue out of that one. You know, I mean, they're also patting him on the back after he has his warm milk at night. Make sure I have a couple. I have, I have a couple artifacts that uh, they they tie in and complement the Wise Men book that we talked about a couple hours ago, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna play it like this. I'm gonna throw this down. I need to be able to see my screen though. So let me do this. All right. So I got this book. This is a swastika with the Union Jack because British intelligence had their spies in controlling Nazi and Japanese intelligence back in World War II. It's a little game they called. It was called the Double Cross System. And the Double Cross Committee or the 20 Committee or X2 in America was all the Anglo-American establishment uh, running of the spies setting up World War II. But we're talking about uh, a couple other aspects coming out of World War II. We shouldn't overlook operation paperclip where the best and brightest of the nazis were brought back by the people who funded the nazis which is going to be the rest of these books so we know they were brought back as well yeah right we know nazis are bad we also know nazis were brought back yeah they were given jobs they were rebranded they were protected from on high in the state department and the allen dulles and the eastern establishment and the georgetown set type of people they brought you this all right so Let's take a look at Wall Street and FDR. Now, I don't have a fancy cover on this because this is a reprint of this book, but this is by Anthony Sutton. It's part of his trilogy. I'm going to show you when this book was published. Then we're just going to go to the index and we're going to check the index of his trilogy. Because if there's one group of people that funded the Nazis, the Bolsheviks, and our own government in these types of things, it might be noteworthy. Now, this book's from 1975. And we're going to go to the index and we're going to look up the Harriman family and we're going to see if they're prominent. So of course they're prominent. They were part of the wise men group that continued into the Truman administration. Averill in in specific, I think was the one mentioned in the wise men book. Right. But E Roland is his brother. And then Harriman and company is uh, the E L Harriman's E uh, E L Harriman was dad, I think or E.H. Harriman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the parent company, right? Yes. So many, many interesting assets found in Wall Street and FDR. But if we were to look at, let's zoom back out, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, let's go back to the FDR book because there's also uh, a couple other groups of people that are mentioned in here. The Warburg family, the Rockefellers. So you got your standard robber barons. 
that were involved with FDR. Okay. And the funding of FDR. Well, that's not a big deal because they're all Americans and that's how America rolls. Right. But you got this other problem, the Bolshevik revolution. And when you look into who funded these cats, let's see when this book was published 1974. So the year before he published it. Uh, and then we go back to the index and we look up the good family Harriman Harriman. We got hammer, lots hammer, of arm and hammer, arm and hammer, yeah. right? That's interesting. Harriman Oof. EH. There's the, Oof. there's the, the father, there's Mrs. Harriman. There's W. Averill Harriman. Now E. Roland Harriman's not in here, but you got uh, people Hoover like Institute as well. Thomas Lamont of the Federal oh, Reserve. Lamont, yeah. His grandson or great grandson's the governor of my state right now. So it's not like power corrupts and stays in tune over time. It's not like either. there's aristocratic families that seem to, you know, uh, perpetuate their power across generations. Not at all. And you got lots of Rockefellers involved. And this is the Bolshevik Revolution, huh? So Western industrialists were funding those pesky Russians and the overthrow of the czar system. So that's they, interesting. They call it new markets and they did it under the guise of the Trilateral Commission in the late 70s with China. So it's just wherever they find emerging markets, quote unquote. They do it again. All right. Yep. So now here's the trifecta. Wall Street and the rise of Hitler. Here's the incredible story of the American financiers who provided the money and materiel to Hitler to launch World War II. Well, if Hitler's bad, I would think the people who are named for funding Hitler's rise and everything that follows from that may be worse. This is the type of thing that could have been, should have been talked about if you got 40 million people watching at once. It's the type of thing that uh, Jay Dyer and I discussed 24 hours after that event. But um, yeah, maybe Kanye could just improve his reading list. Now, if you go in here, Assuming he reads E.A. Harriman, E. Roland Harriman, W.A. Harriman and Company. All the Harrimans are up also with the Nazis. Uh, they even have yep. Illuminati reference on page 14 there. Walter Lippmann, yeah. obviously. Walter yeah. Lippmann. Let's yep. go to the next page. Do we have, Cheap oh, he knows he's read Carol Quigley. He's got the Rockefeller, Percy everyone Rockefeller. from Avery to Percy and everyone in between. Royal Ro Dutch Shell. That's wow. a Rothschild oil company. Yeah, You got Standard Oil Company. You got Sullivan and Cromwell that created the CIA. Oh, geez. There's a connection between the creation of the CIA and, and the Nazis. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So maybe the people who killed Kennedy are the people who funded the Nazis, protected the Nazis, brought the Nazis back and continue to be in power. That's just going to say, yeah, they they still are in power. That's why they can't release the documentation associated with the JFK assassination. Right. So there's a lot more. So you could ignore the rantings of yay but you might see that yeah uh that hitler didn't create the microphone but he did create the neumann microphone i think under his regime that the beatles use and kanye uses so people took that out of context and said yay's stupid because he said he uh, hitler invited invented the microphone but he meant they, the not like the the nazi the party microphone he supported. uses yay said Hitler designed the microphone that he uses. I know he people said took Hitler that out of context, it. created the straw man to make him look dumb. Right. Why you got to do that if he's really dumb? The other thing is they said, yay, said Hitler invented uh, highways. No, he created Autobahns and they had right. Autobahns before America had highways and interstates. Which then we the modeled in the 50s. Yes. Right. Yes. So he did have intellectual points to both of those poorly he articulated, just, yes. but nobody helped him out. And everybody creates a straw man to say the man's dumb. Nothing to learn there. I think. 
I don't think he's right. I disagreed with most of what he said, but I agree with his right to be able to say it. That's what freedom of speech is. One thousand percent. And the intermission will give go into great context around that as well um, with uh, Royce White, because he did a really good breakdown of that. And yeah. a lot of what we're saying is pretty much on par with the idea that it's not within even his purview. It's either he has, indiv- I, you know, speculate that he might have individuals around him telling him this stuff or he's trying to research it himself. And he, well, doesn't he was hanging have- out with Farrakhan and Farrakhan has right? a limp- Farrakhan stool has one leg on it. And I'm like, there's three legs on the stool. It's not just one group. They might be partnered up with some of the other groups. You got to learn the history, but you can't just say one group's in control because that's not how it works. Well, back he should have really yeah. gone with the, the fashion thing. Did he Did he even get into the fashion contributions of the Third Reich? Well, he um, Balenciaga <laughs> had fashion con- contributions. Hugo Boss. But I think he did Hugo mention Boss. Hugo Boss. Uh-huh. Okay. And Alex even tried that. to save Ye and be like, you respect their uniforms because you're into fashion. But And, and, and then he, he doubled down on it. He's like, no, Alex, I, you know, and then... Alex is like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I even the creation so. of the flag is there's a lot of history on that. Um, just to get it on the show card, I'm not going to show the images, but I think it's important for the timestamp that is GT or the time capsule that is GTW. Um, there are two things that people should be aware of. I caution against viewing these images because I wasn't sure what I was getting into when I first clicked on these links through InfoWars. Uh, All right, so show the InfoWars story on screen. We're going to, yeah. So here's the first one. This is the head of a $20 billion corporation that owns uh, Balenciaga and I think Chanel and a couple other major luxury uh, clothing uh, brands. CEO of Balenciaga parent company owns auction site that sells child sex mannequins with genitalia for faces. I caution people from viewing the images. I'm not so he owns Christie's auction site. It's not some CD third world uh, black internet website, you know, deep net. It's Christie's. Christie's right. the 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 brand name and auction sites for rich people. Yes. His wife is Salma Hayek, who yeah. clearly is not a gold digger. I've only heard one Kanye song, but I don't think it fits her. I think this is Francois Henri Pinot. I think that's and then his wife Salma. So this is yeah, that's but that's he the owns the website companies. where this art is purveyed for tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. which is then used as a currency amongst the group of people that purvey and appreciate such art you you think epstein's client list i'd tell you you're right on that's why i said i think there's a heavy overlap between the client list of christie's auction house and epstein's client list right and the fact that there gregory showed a connection um in regards to epstein and um I don't know if it's a producer or someone associated with one of these luxury brands and uh, Epstein Island. I forget the specific uh, name, but it was an interesting connection that needs to be followed up on as well there. So one more here. Uh, it's just on the record. This is the one that's been sort of misunderstood, but this is still, it wasn't the one that did the photo shoot, but still tied to Balenciaga fashion style. So that the, uh, the name of it here is the top Balenciaga fashion style of social media loaded with images of sadistic child abuse, witchcraft, and Satanism. This is one Greg Reese referred to that deleted her Instagram, but obviously, obviously it was archived. I won't show these images as well. They're very disturbing, but you sort of get an idea. It's one thing to say that this is just um, um, or the performance art, but when the performance art always goes one way, it's always one specific type of performance art. This isn't like Jackson Pollock or even Andy they Warhol said or the of the 1920s. It's always the same theme to, to shock and awe. There's other ways to shock and awe beyond doing was performance this. art. But when her and Eva Linda Rothschild or Jacob Rothschild are in front of Satan summoning his army, I don't think that's accidental. 
Well, it's always I think that's a, purposeful communication of them telling you what they're all about. That's their performance art. Well, yeah, it is performance art, but it's always within one modality. It's very linear. It's always within one style. It's always with one sort of general theme behind it. You know, performance art should be something that's much more abstract and broad. I can understand maybe they did it once and then moved on to some other very James, not always blood and themes. decapitated kids. That's what right. We're saying. Yeah. yeah, you got it. So. And so just to make people aware of the, th this is only the tip of the tip of the iceberg in regards to what's going on, just like the FTX scandal and all these other things. And it's sort of distracting away from the FTX scandal, which is going to be much more oh. pervasive. The, out the outcome of that's going to be much more pervasive in regards to the total control mechanism they're going to roll out on society. So be careful how much you read into the symbolism of this sort of thing. Like it's, it's, you should know about it, but to Stephen Crowder's point, this has been well known in Hollywood, in the fashion industry for a very long time. Don't get, you know, I'm going to say it's this, don't get, to, don't get too distracted, up. right? Don't yeah, get too distracted built up in the first place. Right. So, um, uh, the other couple aspects are in case you were wondering what was like too edgy for this show, you just found out that's the article. And I'm sure that Christie's website is not going to purvey that content into the future, but they have left it up this far and they have to have known they've had yeah. millions of hits on that story looking at those and they probably just figure good. It's free advertising for their fucked up porn. Yeah. So if you need to know like what the, the top level, the bottom level is, that's it. It's purveyed at Christie's, the legendary auction site. And that's what's acceptable at Christie's. So what do you think is on the dark web that the FBI running those child porn sites that they use to catch people? Oh, you mean like add them to the blackmail email list? That's probably how they do that. If you it's read like the Reason Magazine, Reason Magazine did an article how the FBI ran 23 at that time, uh, child porn sites on the dark web. That's right. Not only that, it's the CIA's what been known. What busts have they made? Yeah. Well, the CIA utilizes and safeguards agents that have dubious either records or in engagements while they're an officer or agent of the CIA with minors. Um, so, you know, these same organizations, just like when it came out with the, the gymnast scandal, um, uh, you know, the FBI sat on that information for years and years and ignored the the one whistleblower that came forward for many years. Um, I forget the individual that was indicted and charged within that, but it was, that was horrific as well. Um, Steven Crowder covered that entire thing. And it was absolutely horrific. Larry Nasser, Larry Nasser, that was it. And, um, you know, the FBI ignored it. And we saw what the FBI did with January 6th and with uh, Whitmer and uh, uh, Michigan, the governor of Michigan. We saw what they did with Hunter Biden's laptop. With Hunter and then Biden, we saw yeah. After they had it for a year, they went to Mark Zuckerberg and said, hey, this thing might be Russian hacked propaganda. <laughs> best we could do. I have it as best. part of one of my fallacies. It's like they're on Pawn Stars and the FBI's <laughs> like, best we could do is Russian propaganda. Yeah. And, it, and Zuckerberg said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, something doesn't add up there. Something's not a lot crucial. of things don't add up in regards to what's going on with the narrative and reality right now. So it's important to be aware, important to have healthy skepticism, um, question everything, and be careful even from your favorite sort of alternative sites and media personalities that present truthful information. Do your own research, read for yourself, find the information, verify it for yourself. And uh, you know you have the power to understand this stuff. You don't need to rely on even experts like us. We're helping to provide a crumb trail, if you will, to what we did as research and especially what you did, Rich. And this is why you showcase all these books and showcase how you can go about give a methodology by uh, by which you can go through and read these 
these books and ascertain the same information. Don't read the whole thing back to front. That's not how we do. We go to the index. We find the uh, meaningful quotes. We read it within context, and then we compare and contrast it to other resources and then our own reality. Um, you know, you don't need to, uh, you know, be subservient to other people who supposedly have some knowledge about this. Come to come to your own conclusions. Do your own research. And remember that most of the people in the world are nice, well-intentioned, well-meaning exactly. people, but they've been fed a line of bullshit. They might not know that. They might be giving you ill information unintentionally just because they believe authorities. That's why you also have to be caveat emptor, uh, buyer beware, have your intellectual self-defense up, be prepared to help people who need help, but also keep in have mind- some compassion. This is fearful stuff. This is not easy to digest. It took you know, it was not easy for us when we went through it over 10 years ago, researching books and documentaries in regards to these scandals and cover-ups and sex trafficking and all this sort of horrific stuff, this absolutely evil stuff that the elite are into. You know, it's not easy. You have to find a way to detach, balance it with, uh, you know, some beauty in your life with friends and family and, you know, um, something you love to do that doesn't harm other people and just, you know, find ways to balance this type of research and this type of information. But if you don't think that the Rhodes Scholars or the Skull and Bones have any influence, let me just recap the past 30 years. It went from H.W. Bush, who was Skull and Bones, to Bill Clinton, who's a Rhodes Scholar, back to W. Sun, who's Skull and Bones, back to W. again for four more years, who ran against Skull and Bones, John Kerry, Kerry. who turned it over to Anglophile extraordinaire Obama, the blending of the whole British Empire and one man to hope and reach and hopium and going and changing. We, yeah. And, and yes, then we can. A, yes, re a can, retort right. to all that it was like the MAGA movement and a bunch of people were like how about American values again instead of this internationalism we've been getting shouldered with by yeah. the whole Dulles Georgetown cartel for like 60 years at this point and then the deep state said hey we're gonna need some help from overseas and MI6 is like we're we've been spying on this Trump guy since before he even decided to run and we got this PP gate dossier PP dossier and he likes Russian hookers and we're gonna fuck his shit up and we're gonna support you on this and that went on for a long time and just now we have a little crack called the twitter files where it's like everything you knew was going on they knew and here's them talking about it and now something probably has to be done especially towards that group of people that asked for amnesty but also said we fortified the fucking election and we took away the people's choice and because, admitted it and, and admitted, yeah, admitted it, it so, in the time article yeah. time magazine article i mean that's just obnoxious back yeah. i think in january yeah uh, of 2021 so. that has to be among the list of grievances i'm sure I think the Declaration of Independence started out like they had a king and there was some things going on. And they're like, we got a list of grievances that are unresolved. We're going to resolve them by dissolving this relationship and going over here now. And if you want to send and the British Hessian king was soldiers, held hostage by the British East India Company, which forced them yes. to tax the tea, which people miss that context about the power of the corporation, the British East India Company that you alluded to, how much they stole the whole wall of India. Oh, you mean the one that created Yale <laughs> oh University? God. Yes. And the skull and bones that runs out of that? As, and uh, Jeremy oh. Bentham, who came up with utilitarianism, the panopticon and social sciences. Yet we can't talk about him. We talk about what Peter Singer, you know, and oh, that's where uh, utilitarianism comes well, from. I think He's that uh, Crowder had just talked about Brian singer but it was a very different but, no, but there's a different singer there's a different singer. but say they allude to this sjw oh he's the one who innovated the idea of utilitarianism and effective altruism it's like no they can't talk about the white guy from the 18th century that came up with the panopticon social sciences uh, and worked for the british east india company and that's where you get the greatest good for the greatest number it's like the yeah, effective altruism is just a uh uh a, a euphemism for uh, utilitarianism and SBF consequentialism and ftx back to east india company that should be a substack uh -huh. or something
Well, yeah, I could certainly write about that. That'd be a fascinating uh, topic to explore and draw sort of parallels and historical connotation, most certainly. FTX is definitely the new BCCI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just beginning to learn, especially Sam Bankman-Fried running around all these interviews this past week where he's like, well, if only like I was, uh, there was more regulation, like this wouldn't have happened. I'm sorry for the people who lost their billions and, uh, uh, you know, and doing all those weird mannerisms and all mm. that sort of nonsense. So, yeah. Now he's calling for regation. It's like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have gotten away with this and this is more regulation. So make sure that people have assets before you invest and all this. Stuff. It's like, oh boy. I'm just glad that, that what he did isn't as bad me? as Alex Jones. So two point five, two point seven five trillion dollar pending trillion dollar settlement. He I took mean, the yeah. Bernie Madoff option. Oh boy! <laughs> Back when Madoff did it, Rogan also had a joke about how like they're they're ripping off smart people. Yes, yeah. That's but what did they do with FTX? They had a bunch of dumb people running it. It wasn't yeah. like like Madoff no, was at least like a cunning character. This is more like they leverage really? postmodernism. They this lev- dude took you guys out for twenty billion dollar lunch. That's mm. how powerful this postmodern cult of of this sort of like woke culture has become. This untethered to reality. But I think it's contrad- also because he was tied to all those influencers. Oh, that too. Who, want, who that wanted too. a piece? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. All those people that were promoting FTX out there that well, wanted his- a little piece. It wasn't his mother, but or maybe it was his mother or was it his girlfriend, Ellison's mother that's connected to the Democratic Party? So there's other They're elements all, that play there. There's yeah, a very yeah. small there's being capital group they had going on there. Tiger consulting, um, all that sort of weird connections to, you know, were set up. All these major consulting firms are set up to investigate to make sure these are like legitimate accounts come back and give him glowing reports. Huh. That's mm. very strange. wonder why yeah. they would do so. So I'm sure there's a lot more behind the scenes of what we're privy to right now it's funny his credit doesn't work the same as our credit does right like where you get dinged for stuff that they didn't see no dings on his credit record what's up with that and he gets to sort of this live stream from the bahamas like i'm sorry you know lost the billions but if only there's more regulation you know and all the weird mannerisms that come with it and the very weird nerdy geeky boys he has yeah i'm i'm just glad that none of the people whose money he stole have put him in peril and that he's living comfortably Oh yeah, Bahamas. probably still having his sex orgy parties and stuff. He's probably yeah. encouraging other people to do similar criminal activities out there right now. They're like, look what they're not touching that guy. Yeah, what Julian Assange is going to be extradited some... to the Amer- America in order to get for WikiLeaks. There's and been even mafias then... out there scrapping it, and they're like, we could just do the FTX thing and launch a thing and tie it to a politician. Holy shit, man! This kid's breaking new ground. Bring him up, <laughs> make him a capo to tutti capo. He reinvented how the mafia can operate. There you go. Which is also political organization and multinational corporations. One and the same thing as Richard, you've been saying for more than many years now. Well, let's hope more years get to pass where I say it. And hopefully, sometimes at some point it stops and I'm still alive. Yeah, much agreed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm implicated with you and anyone probably associated with this now. All right. But it's a comedy uh, show, everyone. It, it is. is. A comedy show. It's a comedy of the errors of the people that we have to cover as stories. And sort of like a Greek comedy, episodes. which really tragedies, but they call yeah, it Greek comedy. comedies weren't funny. Actually, that no. was the thing. You ever, uh, you ever check that out? It was like it was tragedy or tragedy. It was basically like that. Yeah, it's different contexts of tragedy. That's that's what the Greek no culture based on with Euripides. Yeah, they had no know, hope. Yeah. They had no hope. Yeah, everything's controlled by the fates. You know, at least I think the tragedy is getting stuck in the illusion, and the hope is getting back to the reality. And the hope does exist, and you can do things with the hope. So it's not hope yum. It's the very much needed connection with reality that everybody needs to to move forward in the world. Exactly. They don't want you to have that. So they gaslight you and tell you a bunch of bullshit. Now it all makes sense. That's the basis of the trivium when I teach and basis of the philosophy I 
um, yeah, teach and get the wealth of mind. So, yeah, how about that? He's like, I was just, I'm learning the trivia and quadrivium. Yeah, like, well, it's a little we bit serendipity, we synchronicity. Have, yeah. Get the textbook. Yeah, yeah, we'll hook him up with that. That's awesome. And, you know, uh, he's done such great work. I'll be excited to see how he's able to implement that for himself and his family. Well, I mean, he's already like, he's doing it ad hoc implicitly already so like once he gets the method down and these sort of things it's like he's going to shift to a whole new gear yep exactly because he's already like he's already like living some of the results that you get from that methodology but to be able to call on it consistently then you're going to expedite your growth exactly well said very well said wealth of mind build it now all right so other questions uh that we have to ask and answer before we get to an intermission that goes about an hour. What other short stories did we have to cover? We got this Crowder Balenciaga. Yep. Got that out of the way. Do we verify um, what kind of mic Ye uses just in case I was wrong with the Neumann? You could also guess Sennheiser. Was Sennheiser, Sennheiser. around back then? Sennheiser oh, or Neumann? They also make headphones, a bunch of other gear. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, there's the Twitter files. I don't know if we want to play any sort of wrap up about that or if there's any commentary that you guys found you. So I didn't I only have a couple. Yeah. Who did the best stuff. wrap up of the, the Taibi story? Twitter filage. I saw some people over at the uh, X Hillers over at Breaking Points hit it, but I don't find them the most uh, charismatic presenters ha- of the information. Like, no, for sure. I have a, a breakout list on the, the show card, but a drop down, but um, don't have any clips there that are really that powerful. I don't know if you guys saw anything this week that you found interesting in regards to commentary about. I mean, drop Friday night, so it's sort of a quick turnaround for media personalities. And maybe there's a door clip out there. Could yeah, everyone's going to hear about it for the next week. We'll yeah, see yeah. What, see what clips. Yeah, um, I, I was listening into an interesting call, a Twitter space that was hosted by Kim.com, Tara Bull, who I'm not familiar with, and some other folks that. Are you talking about the one the, from yesterday? Well, um, yesterday and the day before. So hmm. they were reading through the tweets from Taibi as they were coming out. Um, and hmm. then yesterday, uh, and, and I have these, I think Kim.com put them up on YouTube uh, as recorded files. Uh, yeah, and I was trying to record it myself when I was doing some test streaming. But uh, one of the interesting highlights I thought of yesterday was Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch popped on. He got to ask a quick question, um, you know, about about basically consumer rights or you know, fairness, and it seemed like it um, it wasn't it didn't <laughs> they didn't linger on the topic too too long. So I I hear some interesting things about Kim dot com, um, and you know, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting he, case because he got <laughs> raided and then he yeah. won and then he got his raid footage. And it's epic. If you've never seen the Kim.com raid footage that he released of his own raid, like after he went through the judicial process and got the evidence, they're coming in with helicopters and cars. And they all, it's like he's a kingpin for having mega upload.nz back in the day. Right. So he's there now seeing these other people trial and like he's watching Elon. He's like, hey, that thing that happened to you, they, you know, it could ha- a thing that happened to me it could happen to you too. They, they could just drop on Elon one day and be like, we got him on whatever because government can. Right, Elon it's, doesn't it's have a science of leverage. It's all army. about bla- right blackmail, science of leverage. You know what Gatto mentioned, and look at how they took down Assange. They're like your condom slipped off, or whatever the story is that they made up, right. which has nothing to do with why is he being held in UK. 
If he committed crimes against the United States, why is he in the UK? Oh, because they they own our shit. They created our intelligence. So when he leaked American stuff, he was really leaking their stuff and they're pissed about it still. Oh, well, had he been told the truth of the Anglo-American establishment, maybe he wouldn't have done that either. Or he would have been more careful. But like Ross Ulbricht, he got caught out with a, you know, he's a competitor of an agency that's in the shadows and you didn't see it until they leap on you for mm. infringing on their territory. Yeah. If he would have had more context, he would have positioned himself not in the UK and somewhere else in order to make sure that when that leaked and when he got that information out there, that he might have had the ability to be more protected. Even then with the subversion with MI6. Um, and it really surprises me in his case. And GCHQ. He, sorry. He was a hacker named Mendax who got caught by the Australian government and then they let him go. And then, so right. you would think he knows about the Five Eyes Network, that connectivity. And if you leak United States State Department stuff, the British who have deep capture on our State Department for 80 years, they're not going to take offense to it because you're you're up and you're like the jig is up, but you're pulling the curtain up on the wrong, like the party that you, a party you don't know is behind that curtain and doesn't want it pulled up. I guess that was the gist. I should also, I don't want to change subject real quick, but I want to yeah. get this on the, the show card or show the the show real quick for the time capsule is GTW. Um, this just to point out how they're sort of uh, uh, building a straw man and a red herring right now. Uh, this is on the law and crime, uh, dot com, which there's a lot of good commentary about the show trial that what happened to Alex Jones. But Balenciaga is the sue producers of BDSM teddy bear campaign for 20, 25 million calling actions malevolent and extraordinary, extraordinarily reckless. But the article does a good job of painting out that they obviously knew someone signed off, so this is a lot of nothing. But they're trying to, you know, uh, place blame other. Uh, yeah, in it's other just places, a PR move. Shoot them. Yeah, it's a PR move. Shoot the messenger. You know, all this. Is there a stuff. penalty if you file a twenty-five million dollar lawsuit against a photographer and you? It's actually the photographer's not guilty, not not uh, responsible, because you signed off on it and the photographer didn't set the props. Your people did. And what kind of prop house are you going to sue the prop house too that sent the stuff that you said just came from a prop house and wasn't specifically printed for that spread? Right. So there's a whole bunch of things that are going to come out if it actually went to court. If it actually went to court, the photographers, lawyers would have discovery on Balenciaga. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, so exactly. I think that's a bunch of smoke. I bet that photographer never sees the light of day in a trial of $25 million against him or her, whoever shot those photos. And that's a whole bunch of hopium that they're selling people like oh, well it's a pr move in order to yeah. get people to look over here as as though it's like oh we weren't quite aware of it we outsource this these photo shoots and like you know here are the individuals to blame and don't look at us when we just show showed uh, francois uh henri penol with uh, sama Haig, who runs the, the christy oxen site and i wouldn't even show the photos because that's how disturbing they were to me um and you know we had talked about that before the show it's 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 horrific um so you mean that to, to see what they're what they find to be fine art? Yeah, I asked Tony. Okay. I'm like, how are we going to cover it? Because we can't show the images, and I don't even want to say the names of the art or right. describe what the art is, right? Because it's so fucking graphic. It's disgusting. It's absolutely fucking. It's 100. percent There is no legit excuse for, and it seems to be made by adults too. So who the fuck's yeah. that artist? And has anyone checked the rest of their pages? So the head of a 20 billion dollar company. That's the type of art he's into. And, well, it's just you know, one of the many things he can't be responsible for everything at Christie's, Tony. But has the, have they fired the person who brought that art? No, they didn't even take it down yet. No, no. It's just like that movie that Kyrie got all, all you know, yeah, fined and everything Negros, for. It's yeah. it's still on Amazon. The Black right? Israel. It's still on Amazon. Yeah. Did anyone? You know, Elon didn't ban the Raelians. He bans Kanye. So I don't understand. There's a whole bunch of actions being taken that don't have 
like so there's a lot of straw men connectivity. right now. Yeah. A lot of straw men. Very important fallacy. So you can check that out. It's part of the course I did. And maybe I'll do a follow-up course in a couple of months to go over induction and deduction. But for now, you can get the basics with fallacies and definitions. So I'd like to get Curtis's courses in the autonomy of Gore. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get those. I don't in know there. if he uses there's a lobby or how he posts them, but like we just put Corbett's course in there. So yeah. other people know that there's a course. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Especially with uh, Jay Dyer, Derek Bros's course, Corbett's course, my course, obviously your autonomy course. I mean, there's so many great courses. Lisa Manfredi's course, help people understand budgeting and finance. Um, uh, you know, there's so well, many. We got to be incredible. solutions oriented sometimes. <laughs> like if you don't have a next stage of growth, Let's you're, you're all set. Like it, if we don't have, if we had enough growth, we would already Melissa be Miles winning in this course. situation. Let's not forget about Melissa. We gave you package Curtis Stone with Melissa Miles. Have a section for people who are interested in permaculture. Aparhesia, Benny Wills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's so many great. Um, uh, Steph, uh, Stefan Verstappen, you know, how to uh, create sort of parallel societies, you know, off grid sort of living, that sort of idea. Um, so many. Now, great the point courses. I was making though is if, if people didn't need to grow, you'd already be winning and Klaus wouldn't be in control of your future. You'd be in control of your future. You'd have sovereignty and not just survival layers going on. Got it. So we all have more to learn. And there's been a bunch of us who have been learning a heck of a lot. And some of those people are putting out content alongside of the other flagship courses. So start small, build up your repetition of showing up for yourself, your stick to And then you can open the door of value on larger and larger things to get going faster and faster, get more momentum, get more resources, get more team around you, get more support. And people need it today more than ever. And there's no place else in society that's really serving these needs. So we've made it known, subtle as it is, you know where to go find it. LT had it on screen. It'll be in the notes for the show. Uh, Marketplace.autonomyagora.com, I think is what it is. All right. So uh, heading into intermission foreshadowing. What other individual stories... Um, I had a commentary on the uh, uh, Alex Jones Kanye summit on Thursday. I think there was an anomaly clip where they're, they're covering it a little bit. I don't know how good a commentary it was. I don't remember it, but I and that'll have be a, sort of common. Oh, ten to twenty-five minutes. I do have time code for it. Okay, and I was going to say also be commented on by Royce White as well in the intermission. So if we can even put that with intermission. Um, so yeah, let's set it up. Heard, yeah prior to intermission with the anomaly clip that was in the okay. YouTube playlist and it's minutes 10 through 26 that I thought were uh, worth sharing worth consideration because uh, like, I don't want to play a bunch of clips of Kanye saying crazy shit yeah, and true. have it like people like it'll be covered in some commentary. There'll be some clips. I think he plays maybe during that. And uh, at least it is followed by commentary. Cause I don't feel like I need to comment on it. I'm just showing people what happened in this week in grand theft world history. They broke the internet and then, and let's, then Elon uh, broke the internet again on Friday. So it was like a big week for internet spike. Uh, and the internet that Al Gore invented apparently. Right. So yeah, Al Gore, he invented the internet <laughs> right before he brought us global warming. He's, you know what Al Gore's dad, uh, you know how he uh, made his the money? hockey stick model, the Soviets, uh, the Gores, the Gore family, along with Armin Hammer, they worked with Armin Hammer uh, to create to help to support the Soviet Union. So did the Koch brothers' dad. Mm -hmm. Their dad made billions from Soviet oil during the time that Stalin's killing millions in the Holodomor. They're all like, there's a whole bunch of Western industrialists, and that's the hidden deep state that can kill Kennedy and get away with it. That's still here today. They fund 
the commies. They fund the Nazis. They're in control of your money. And that'll be it's like not all, all one religious group. Right. So get over it. This is going on. There's a whole stack of names. They're not of one nationality. They're not of one religious creed. They just think since they got the drop on you, they're just going to keep taking and taking and buying your politicians and undermining your elections. And it just so happens. It looks like, oh, they're funding the Democrats and the, not so much the Republicans. That changes over history, too. Oh, yeah. those, those teams are arbitrary. What they stand for is arbitrary. They even switch colors and switch stuff every every 20 years or so. They're like, well, we'll just switch call it red is blue and blue is red everyone's fine so don't be played by the game learn that there's a game going on say that's not the game i want to play and come over and start playing your own game in your own life like curtis stone saying you know what i don't like that game that game sucks i'm going to go move over here i'm going to do these things and spend time with my family and we're going to flourish while the the traditional status quo model withers and it's being set up to wither klaus is out there hacking off farms right now so you can't have meat next year or the year after that that's fucked up. Bill Gates is like right there with them. That's fucked up. Let's not give these pricks the satisfaction. Let's outgrow this fucking situation. That's the gist. Let's go to this, some calm, loving content from Anomaly because he hates nobody. Stalin and Mao and Jeffrey Dahmer, people think you're a psycho. But if you say everyone, technically you're talking about them too. Uh, I'm just saying. With that being said, uh, I think the game that he's trying to play is not the game I'm trying to play. I don't want to be falsely labeled. I don't appreciate it. And I'm going to define myself. I don't want the media or someone else to define me. If I feel something, if I want that label, I'll take it with Kanye. I just don't think he cares where he mentioned in the drink champs interview that he, you know, when they call him an anti-Semite, he's like a snowball. He said, a snowball doesn't stop when it's rolling downhill. It just picks up everything. He says, so when I'm going downhill, I don't care what you call it anymore. I'm just going to pick it up like a snowball and take a tree, take a house. And I just get bigger and bigger. So it's clear that that's a strategy. That's just the truth. Most people care when you call them an anti-Semite or a Nazi or a racist or a white nationalist. Kanye is a black man who identifies as a Jew who now says he's a Nazi as well. Uh, I just don't think he cares what people call him and he's not willing to budge in the interview. Some other side notes, just real quick. I know that's the big story, but, uh, he let Laura Loomer call in. Laura Loomer is a Jewish woman who also got debanked. She got debanked before Kanye West. He has her phone number. So for someone who supposedly hates Jews so much, he identifies as a Jew and as a Nazi, and he calls Laura Loomer. I feel like Kanye's just destroying everything. Like just like everything you think, every constraint that you have, I'm taking it all. Uh, Milo's also Jewish as a campaign manager. But anyway, Laura Loomer calls in and she made a pretty profound statement about getting debanked. She said, as a Jewish woman, this is my experience, has nothing to do with what Kanye said or anything. She got debanked for criticizing Muslims or something, or I'm not really quite sure what she did to get debanked. But Laura Loomer, I thought, made a profound point on the podcast. Of course, it's going to be ignored. Not saying I don't get why, but it is what it is. I listen to most of it. She said, you know, it's easy for you to distance yourself from me, which is what a lot of people did to Laura. Like, oh, you know, she's too crazy. And it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. But at a certain point, it gets to you. That was Laura Loomer's kind of statement. So she's like, you could disavow me and Nick and yay, and that's fine. But eventually it's going to be you. And I think we saw that with a lot of the lockdown measures where it's like something that turns against all of society. And now it's not just the brave ones that are getting persecuted. It's everybody. And I thought that that was interesting. Uh, And the fact that she's Jewish just makes it all that much more interesting. 
Um, he read off his phone Owen Benjamin uh, jokes about Ben Shapiro <laughs> and Candace Owens. Another one of the jokes is like Ben Shapiro um, is just mad at Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving won't sign his basketball. Uh, Owen Benjamin is a comedian who has been written off. He's been deemed anti-Semitic, but really he's thriving. He has kids, a farm, and he just doesn't really care about anyone else. Um, but I thought that was pretty funny that Kanye or Ye, excuse me, the artist formerly known as Kanye, Ye is just like, hey, Alex, I want to read jokes aloud. And people will act like I'm making excuses, which I'm I'm not. I'm going to say my own piece, but I, I get what he's doing where Owen Benjamin doesn't like Nick Fuentes, at least as far as I remember, but Ye doesn't care. He's this type of person where he's like, I don't care. I'm going to bring together Laura Luma and Milo. Laura Luma doesn't like Milo. Ye, uh, Fuentes doesn't like Owen, but that's always been kind of Ye's role. He's like, I'm going to put Marilyn Manson on a stage with a Christian and Travis Scott. He feels like he's the type of Christian and you can condemn him and you can hate him and you could call him everything you want. That's fine. But he's always been this way where he's like, I feel like I can sit with George Soros and, and, and I think George Soros can be saved. He said that in the interview. So I understand why people are going to freak out. I think much of it is justified. I mean, he definitely took what you're not supposed to do in society and did it. He said, listen, I love Jewish people and I love Nazis. I'll sit down with George Soros. I love Stalin. I love Mao. What are you going to do to me? And then he self-identified that. He said, what are you going to do? Yeah, I say it. What are you going to do? Everyone's freaking out saying he's lost his mind. I don't think so. I wish I did so I could just, you know, be politically correct or whatever. But I, I, I think he knows what he's doing. He's just taking it to the next level of what most people won't take. And I'm not going to make excuses for things that I don't believe and I wouldn't say because I'm my own man. I'm just going to say this. I analyze the news. If I feel a certain way, I'm going to say it. I'm not yay, yay's not me. I'm not a 40 plus year old black, Jewish, and apparently Nazi man, whatever he wants to uh, self-identify as, you know, today, a Christian, American, whatever. Uh, I didn't make billions of dollars in the industry. I didn't marry Kim Kardashian. My story is not Ye's story. So he has to deal with the life that he's chosen and I have to deal with the life that I've chosen. So I'm not gonna, I don't identify as that. Um, and I don't wanna be identified as that. I don't wanna be falsely labeled, but at the end of the day, I think at a certain point, people are going to say stuff about you anyway. So his strategy is, I don't care anymore. I just don't care. And there's something that's freeing about that. You know, there's a lot of people that will say a lot of stuff about him. I mean, that was the craziest interview of all time. It's, it's going to be the most discussed interview probably ever. It's probably the craziest interview in modern history. I would say even the second craziest thing I've ever seen isn't even close to that. And, you know, everything the media could have wanted Kanye to say about himself or about how he feels, he said, um, you know, everything that they suspected or that they thought he said it. So, you know, he's he wants all the smoke. You know, he's he's cho chosen this path. Apparently, he even said he was pro Putin. He's taking everything. Oh, you're fighting Putin? I like him. You don't like these people? I like him. You don't like these people? I like him. You don't like this? I am that. That's what I am. He's like a kid in a candy store. Don't touch that. Don't say that. Well, I want to say that. Um, so he's chosen this path. And I think that he's going to walk probably one of the toughest roads ever. But, you know, if he is who he thinks he is and he is as blessed as he thinks he is, maybe that is 
the path that he was chose for. Because I think in this country, there's a lot of things that are off limits. And for example, flat earth, not to get off topic, but like flat earth and round earth, right? That's a big conversation, except it's not really a conversation because people have said, well, that's too taboo. I've, I'm not going to lie. I've watched flat earth and round earth debates before because most people will just say, you're wrong. I condemn you for thinking the earth is that, is that shape and I must be right. But how much time have you really spent on it? You get what, This is all I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to believe the earth is flat. I'm not saying you have to believe the earth's round. I don't care what you believe about the earth, but I would say 95% of people who believe that the earth is round have never even looked into it to any scale. And I would say most people that believe it's flat doesn't mean they're right, but they've probably done some research that's made them feel that way. So for some reason, there's certain topics where people throw up their hands and say, I have the moral high grounds. You can't say that. You can't think that. But I don't even have to explain why, because you're wrong. That's why I don't call Nick Cannon a racist. I would I would think that there are people that look like me that have been killed to the tunes of millions of people and dehumanized in history, whether it be through, you know, there's a lot of Armenian genocide, Bolshevik revolution. I'm not saying I'm those racists. I'm just saying there have been tragedies against people who look like me. With that being said, most people would consider what Nick Cannon said. If he says, I think white people are genetically inferior, some people would consider that a threat and well, you're dehumanizing me and that's going to lead to me dying. And I'm not even saying that that might not be true. I mean, I don't know where this all ends as far as when people start, you know, really dehumanizing others. Uh, with that being said, I personally just, this is how I feel. I know that this is not popular. I understand that this isolates me from all of the left wing and 90 something percent of the right wing, but I will no longer just call Nick Cannon a racist because of two reasons. One, if you look at different ethnic groups, there are pros and cons to certain things. Like on average, Asian people aren't as good at basketball as black people, but Jeremy Lin is better. He's an Asian player better than most black people. That's just a fact. Uh, you know, Asian people tend to do better at math than black people. So I don't look at it. This is just my personal belief when it comes to all races. I don't look at anybody as superior and inferior. I think of everybody as just different. And you have the chance to be a Jeremy Lin, who is an anomaly. I'm not saying myself, the word anomaly. He surpasses what it's supposed to be because we're all individuals and we all have the gift to be something that people think we can't be. So I would I can't just call Nick Cannon racist because although I disagree with what he's saying about me being genetically inferior to him and his people, um, I think it would be disingenuous to just say that's not even a possibility. And also, I'm just going to be like, if you really feel that way, why are you always dating white women? You know, what's what's your affiliation with the, you know, lesser developed human beings that you can't get enough of? It's because, you know, it's not true. It's the same with LeBron when he says stuff, but then he lives in a neighborhood of other type of people like if you really believed what you said you believe so i can disprove what they say or debate them without just writing the whole thing off and all i'm saying is with what's going on here most people are just going to write it off and just say it's all crazy he's mentally ill he needs to go back on drugs says ben shapiro or he needs to go to rehab you can feel that way but that's the path that he chose and he's going to have to deal with the consequences of saying stuff like that because in this world I would say one of the craziest things you could say is I like Hitler. I'm, I'm a Nazi. I'm a Jew. I like Stalin. I like Mao. I like Jeffrey Dahmer. Like these are things that are going to make a path hard for you because for obvious reasons. But that's what he's doing.
And it'll be interesting to see what happens to him after that, because he said everything, everything you shouldn't say and more unapologetically. And I would say, despite the fact that people probably don't want me to say this, he didn't do it with a lot of hate in his heart. He just said, I don't hate anybody, not Stalin, not Mao, not George Soros, not even the Zionists that I think closed my bank account down. And that's how I feel. But I'm going to say what I want when I want. And he's pushing the boundaries of free speech. You don't have to like it. You can condemn him. You could say it's horrible. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult path of winning president. It always was going to be. But, uh, you know, this is definitely opening up a whole nother wormhole. But outside of things that I personally wouldn't do myself because I don't feel that way and I just wouldn't do it. Um, I could sit here and act like that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And it's so bad. Um, but another angle of it is like that is the boundaries of cancel culture. You know, you want to find out what cancel culture looks like. We're about to find out. You want to look at the boundaries of free speech. He said that he would give his phone to Alex Jones and Nick Fuentes, even though they're banned on Twitter. And now they're tweeting from his account. So he's pushing the boundaries of it on Twitter. My story later that is way more important than this story, possibly. I mean, this is an important story, but perhaps the most important thing coming out that nobody really seems to know that's happening, which I was going to do this morning, is Elon Musk says Neuralink, the brain plant computer chip like thing, is coming out in six months. So I have feelings, you have feelings about this, but let's, whether you agree or disagree with my take, Elon Musk is about to green light when the FDA green lights it, a computer chip that plants into the human brain and it's already been planted into the brain of monkeys and they're doing simulation videos and stuff. So they're controlling monkeys via like switch with a chip in their brain. So to me, that's a huge story um, that affects all people. And I'm going to cover that later because I was hoping that it was just this idea like we're going to go to Mars that never happens. But it seems like he's really trying to roll it out pretty soon. And now I see where all the conversations are coming, where people say, oh, is Elon controlled opposition? And I'm, you know, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt because I'm like, yeah, he did this. Yeah, he did this. Nobody's perfect. Honestly, I, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I mean, if he's going to do all these American patriotic things and be like America first, yeah, we need free speech. But then he's like computer chips in the head. We'll see, because it'll start with Alzheimer's and we're going to cure these diseases. And let's be honest, I've, I, my grandfather died of Alzheimer's. It's one of the saddest things you could experience. It's really sad, especially since my grandfather was so healthy. He was such a healthy man. He probably would have lived to 100 if he didn't get Alzheimer's. So on one hand, you want to believe that that can be cured. On another hand, a computer chip going into humans' brains, where does this go? Does this turn into superhumans? Does this turn into, you know? I mean, I don't need to tell you where this might possibly go. Um, but it's very, very concerning. I saw one joke. Someone said that uh, Kanye already has Neuralink and this is just Elon Musk trolling. Could be, but probably not. Also, one part that I missed was uh, Kanye had a net in his hand and a Yahoo bottle and he was doing an impression of BB Net and Yahoo. Net and Yahoo. That was pretty wild. It's, it's the craziest interview ever. Regardless of what you think, uh, I think whether you hate what he said, what do you th whether you think it's evil, whether you think he's crazy, mentally ill, on drugs, should be condemned, shouldn't run, is in trouble, whatever, I would say find that interview and watch it because it's definitely the craziest interview that you'll probably ever see unless Ye keeps doing more interviews like that because 
like anything that you thought was too far or politically correct or edgy, that goes way, way further. I mean, that goes what he did today, I think, goes further than what Farrakhan said. And this also might be an unpopular opinion, what I'm about to say, but it's all it is the truth because I actually looked it up. So conservatives always smear and liberals will smear Farrakhan. And I'm not saying he's above scrutiny. I'm not like a massive fan, but I watched the full interview where where Farrakhan talks about Hitler. And at the end, Farrakhan condemns the murder. He do, he doesn't agree with the murder in that interview. Uh, he said, I condemn the evil that the white people did to their own like whatever. You know, he, he condemned the murder in Germany in the interview. But his point was similar to what Ye is saying, honestly, better spoken than Ye in some ways, basically trying to say, you know, there is a story that happened before all of the tragedy happened. And I'm just telling the story. But at the end, he said, I condemn the evil. I condemn the murder. I don't agree with that. But if you want to talk about this part, I'm going to talk about it. So every conservative that says, oh, he just said this and that, they never watched that fuller interview either. He actually condemned the murder and the violence while explaining the rebuilding of the country, which was getting destroyed. That was his nuanced take. It's like, why was Stalin the man of the year? I don't like Stalin. I don't like communism. I don't like Soviet Union, Russia. And I don't like the fact that they killed six million people. But if you're going to say, hey, Stalin did, you know, clean up the environment or he did do a lot of good stuff or he was good for 20 years before he was bad. I'm not going to call you a racist or something. I'm going to be like, maybe I don't know. I, you know, I'm not as well versed on that part of history, but maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. So I get if you really understand history, then it's like, no, that's wrong. Let me debate it. But a lot of people know nothing and they'll be like, no, you can't say that. So that's why he's saying it. I'm not making. So I denounce uh, the evil, the murder, all that sort of stuff. But I also think the people who ordered it and funded Hitler and created the infrastructure for him to conduct such evil, I think they should be held accountable too. And I think that they still have legacy representatives who are wielding power uh, several generations later. And then the other part is uh, LDI dropped a couple graphics in the control room there. Uh, I remember going in, looking up the the roots of uh, when did racism and racist become such a big part of our culture? I had done some searching on the New York Times. You could search word use and frequency over time. And uh, there's these big spikes that come around recently, not back in the times of civil rights and things like this. Recently, like all this racism just came out of nowhere. So in, in studying the origins, I went to the Oxford English Dictionary, and there it gives you like a nice definition. And uh, LD can put the, maybe the one with the red circles on screen. Then we'll go to that chronicle graph in a second. Um, and you look at the this word, and uh, its origin, and because it used to be racialism, and then in the early 1930s, H.G. Wells brought it into English use, citing Trotsky's History of Russia. I can't see it on screen, but I'm going from memory. So yeah. Trotsky's History of Russia uses the word racism, so it's a communist idea, that H.G. Wells, the Fabian socialist extraordinaire roundtable psychological warfare guy, then brings in the English language, and it floats around, it does its work. But now if you go to the New York Times Chronicle of the use of the word, um, which would be that chart right below the other, there you go, uh, all of a sudden, ooh, spiking. What's going on there? Almost seems like an artificial creation that then puts people at odds with each other. Yeah, I mean, right? the, so the word racism is thrown around more, which makes more racism than ever before. 
Yeah, and you think where this word would have been most popular or used in popular cult? Go back to the Chronicle uh, graph real quick, LD. You look at that, there's a spike in the 1960s and early 1970s, which you would expect with the civil rights movement. Then it goes down in the mid-1970s and it spikes again under Clinton. Early 1990s, that's the race riots in LA probably and the, the major and the, the, the trial. Why can't with, we all get along? Well, there's also, what was that? OJ Simpson trial. And yeah. the source, because that was, a, that was an issue I remember when I was a child. Um, and then obviously all this, but look at 2010 onwards. So this whole, this movement with postmodernism and uh, identity politics really took off yes. with the, really even before Obama, with Obama, it really took off with him because yes. he really incited the narrative. And then you get a counter narrative that with the MAGA crowd and, you know, and then, and then you get wokeness on top of the that chart. to respond to Magna, MAGA. Yeah. And then you have the institutions that like, you know, the Peterson and many other have called out like, well, no, they're, they're breeding grounds for ideological subversion in regards to postmodern thought. And then you see like they engendered all these younger generations into this very, this contradictory ideology and philosophy. And so now you see it's literally off the charts. So, so the people who funded the Nazis brought all that stuff we just talked about. It's a narrative control. It's mind control. That's literally just quite frankly what it is. It's just it's the same way they can get away with an assassination of a president back in 1963 and still keep the documents from being released. Well, because same people are still until people learn enough history to resist such offers and say, no, thank you, please. We already have a higher and better narrative going on here with uh, the facts and the actual evidence. Exactly. Exactly. Now we're ready for that clip. If you got it, LD, let's go to, uh, let's get a sample of, cause you just heard Anomaly discuss an interview. Some of you haven't seen and those of you in the future, you don't have an, any idea what we're talking about yet. So we do need to put in a good 10 or 15 minutes of the, the yay experience over on Infowars. Um, I don't know what part you want to pick from LD. It's a uh, dealer's choice. <laughs> you can just like Take click on anywhere. Yeah. Or. Well, if you go around. to the part where they had the masks on in the middle, that's like Ooh. that'd be that'd be clickbait. Yeah. We don't we don't need to cover that part. You start start maybe how it started off. Yeah, it like started in the middle. Or start in do the, the first right? fifteen right. minutes, and then people know that there's a three hour interview like that that gets a hundred percent weirder as it goes on. So this is like the low. This is the shallow end of the pool for those with uh, what did they used to say in Bugs Bunny with those uh, with sensitive constitu- constitutions. <laughs> It cause a little bit of incontinence. It, it could definitely cause some trigger for for some people. So <laughs> metaphorically, don't speak. be triggered. Watch it as an observer, as an interesting, uh, you know, observation in nature. <laughs> it is a comedy show, so this is just the height of the. This is the climax of the comedy show. Enjoy, everyone. All right, so let's go to uh, Infowars last Thursday before the Twitter files. There was the time that Alex Jones broke the internet with yay. That Al Gore invented. This is InfoWars, right? So you got some Info Warriors on both sides of you, and you fought for us. You've been fighting this battle for a long time, Alex, and we just got to salute you as a Christian and as American because you paved the way to make braver soldiers like us today. It's like Terminator Part 10 happening right now. Free shipping is back at InfoWarsStore.com. Free shipping is back. Studio, yay, is our guest. He's going to be here, he says, for the next three hours or so. And also America First leader, and that is Nick Fuentes, Ali Alexander, Owen Schroyer, and many others are also going to be c- coming through here today. And 
Yay has uh, arrived in uh, a, a new ensemble uh, here with us, but I'll assure you it is uh, Yay. Yay, thank you so much for coming to Austin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, where would you like to start? This first little five-minute segment uh, is, 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 is just kind of a prelude to what's coming up. What do you want to cover here today? Just God runs the world, and Jesus is the way and the life, and it's time to put Jesus first in the way that we run our businesses, the way, we, the way we run our families, our businesses, and the way we run our country. You're, for radio listeners, we're on over 400 radio stations. They, they can't see you right now. You're, you're, you, this is a new look for you. Oh, no, I've been wearing a mask for a while. Ah. Yeah. So this is an archetypal example that the mask is off by putting the mask on? People can take it how they, how they want to take it. It's just... You know, it's interesting if you look at a Michael Jordan or something, you would load up all these pictures and he's smiling and he's holding a basketball, he's jumping from the free throw line. And then you look at um, uh, Phil Knight and you barely can see a picture of him and he's got his face covered. So I don't have to show my face, it's me. That's my, that's my right. Absolutely, well that's, that's, that's what Hollywood wants to do though, is to control everybody through images. Exactly. So I'm in control of my image now. It's no longer the people that froze my account. It's no longer the people that threatened me. We've got past the threats. They tried to throw me in jail for the truth. And, you know, people believe me. And people see that I wasn't crazy on what I was talking about. And they tried to write it off and they keep trying to write it off. But the truth is the more and more I'm faithful to, to Christ, the more and more he's going to keep un unlocking the blessings. You know, he set it on my heart to build communities, to build farms, to build schools, to build the choir. And but when you do that, you have to be really obedient. Hey, guys, could you not talk in the back? I'm like really hypersensitive to sound. If you guys want to talk, just go in the room, please. Um, but we have to be really obedient. You know, like one of the big topics right now is all of the pedophilia advertisement. And my take on that is, you know, there's, there's one place in the Bible where it says God sees sin differently. And there's another place where it says, uh, you know, let me get out my phone. I can like really pull up the exact thing it says in the Bible. The general gist, and we'll get back to it after the five minute break, is that you have to uh, stay strict to everything and remove as much sin as possible in order to serve God. And when people look at pornography, when a, when a grown man is looking at a grown woman have sex on camera, you're still looking at someone's daughter and you're looking at a lot of times someone that is the product of pedophilia. So people will engage in going to strip clubs or looking at pornography, but then they, the moral compass is like, oh my God, look at the pedophiles. But in a way, anybody who looks at pornography is a form of a, uh, of a pedophile also. Let's, let's bank it all in. It's very simple. We're not gonna be talking about all this moral code and these standards right here. It's either Christ said so, or Christ said no. Yay, powerful information. I totally agree with you. Back in 60 seconds, to join over 400 radio stations. Nick Fuentes yeah. in the studio. Everybody, tell everybody you know, tune in now, infowars.com forward slash show. Let's break the internet today. Stay with us. Well, make no mistake, this Thursday, December 1st, 2022 broadcast is beyond the twilight zone. 
because truth is stranger than fiction. Yay. Maybe more controversial than Alex Jones or Donald Trump now. I mean, there's, we're about the most controversial people in the world. And obviously the most attacked and demonized. He's here. Nick Fuentes is here as well. America first. We're going to have Ali Alexander on Owen Schroyer. This thing's going to go for the next three plus hours as long as long as Ye wants to go. You, some stations don't carry the first five, but you just dropped some bombs that I totally agree that are huge. Ye. So recap that and continue on, sir. Okay, so I looked this up. It's about sin. That's what we're going to talk about, sin today and how we need to do everything that we can. We're, we're imperfect, but to flee, to free ourselves of sin and repent for sin throughout the day, at night, and in the morning. So right here, the Bible says right here, I'm, I know I'm going to do a um, Corinthians 2, like Trump, you know, new, new Christian kind of reading of this. So bear with me. I love Jesus, uh, but I'm not the most, you know, experienced Christian. And it says the book of Proverbs um, 6, 16 dash 19. I'm sure that's the wrong way to read it. It's OK. You got uh, the floor. OK. Identify seven things that God hates although there are not any punishments prescribed for those. Scripture clearly indicates that God does view sin differently and that he prescribed, he, he, proscribed, he proscribed a different punishment for sin depending upon its severity. Now watch this one. It says, where the, the phrase all sins are equal in the eyes of God comes from. As far as I can tell, the most common argument for the belief that all sins are created equal comes from the book of James 2.10. It states, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Now, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. Even though he did create Apple, and if you notice, the logo of Apple is actually the fall of man. The forbidden fruit. The bitten apple, right? So we can get into, you know, what, what social media has done to families and all that. We, can, we got three hours, right? But I like the way our, uh, our incredible American inventors like Disney and Hughes and Steve Jobs, the way they ran their companies and invented things that changed the world. And the way... Steve ran his company was his version of a sinless office. Everyone had to be so meticulous to be able to take what was 10 things at one time and make and put it in the palm of our hand. Think about an iPhone. It's your fax. It's your email. It's your phone. And now it's a thousand things. Yeah. It's your camera. It's your, uh, your flashlight. Yeah. It's like a thousand things in it, but he had to have his army go in with a sinless approach. And right now, you know, Gideon called, God called Gideon to make an army, the 300, the real 300, not the movie version, that were all focused on uh, serving this mission at the time. So we have a mission right now to save our families from social media, from Zionist control, and bring Jesus Christ back to the forefront. And we're protected. You know, I don't have security. My security is the angels. My security is the fact that I didn't load up pornography last night. And I said, this addiction is going to have to flee from me. You know, this addiction since I was five years old that has destroyed 
my my mom and my dad's family that destroyed my family like when i take full accountability for the destruction like of my marriage when i when i I'll, I'll point at the liberals and say you took my wife from me you know what took my wife from me the fact that i was married to this beautiful person but it, i felt like it wasn't enough i felt like i still needed to look at pornography in some way i'd say to her well stop making these images stop breaking the internet you know that original term comes from my ex-wife actually having a nude photo that i didn't know about that someone used her and put her on a magazine but there's somewhere where she's like well if my husband is looking at this I still want to be like the girls that are doing this and this becomes people reliving the traumas pushing the addiction the pornography industry is not even a big industry it's like uh, less than 10 billion dollars right so that means that it's not used for prosperity it's used for disparity it's by the way George Arwell wrote in 1984 and he'd been the number two guy in psyops for OSS and, and ran propaganda for the British government, but he found out that he didn't like Hitler, but he found out that they were actually manipulated and created him. He didn't like the communists. He'd been one of them. He found out that the British intelligence had, had actually created that and done that. And he explained in 1984 that pornography is something to destroy families, destroy our souls, and get us to commit. Uh, he wasn't even a big Christian, but, but, but get us to debase ourselves so that they could control us. Absolutely. You got alcohol and pornography are these legal drugs. Alcohol is a spirit. I'm going to we're going to go into the spirit of Alcule. Well, well, let's just go to the facts today. Let's not just even do opinions. And I love how you brought that in, because now you got God's warriors coming together right now. OK, Nick Fuentes doesn't have a Twitter account. Alex Jones doesn't have a Twitter account. But hey, guess what, Elon? I got a Twitter. And today I'm going to have Nick and Alex tweet from my account. You like that, Ari Emanuel? <laughs> I'm all about free speech. And the greatest threat is those that want to silence us. That's why it comes First Amendment. Yeah. Anybody trying to take your speech is the enemy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's... Um, I do find it a little bit hypocritical that Elon Musk said that he was purchasing Twitter to create a free speech environment. He says that free speech is the thing that's going to save the West and, and our civilization. But yet he has taken exception to you, Alex, for some seemingly specific reason, maybe personal to him, but definitely not principled. So I think it's time that the people finally demand a real victory here. We've been at war, essentially since Trump came down the golden escalator seven years ago to put America first, to put Christ first, to free the internet and do these kinds of things. And here we are all this time later, and it seems like we've stagnated or in some ways maybe even taken a step back. So it's time that people demand we want Christ first, we want America first, we want Alex Jones back on Twitter. These are just and reasonable demands. Well, I see it like this, and I want you to be able to elaborate on this, but I don't want, I don't want Ye to get his run because he's got a, so much to say and he always gets cut off, but so I'm going to try to shut up as much, but he, we can go four or five hours if you want, but the main show's actually four hours long. I was just hoping for three. We'll, we'll do four hours if, if you guys are up for it, but, 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 but here's what I'm saying. I am a classical liberal at heart, so I love everybody and I judge people by who, what they do, not what color they are. And then I look at the things you've said, and some of them out of context I don't agree with, but compared to a liberal... A modern liberal saying white people are inherently evil and white people are bad because of their skin color. And then that's what the ADL and Southern Poverty Law Center and these leftist groups in Hollywood have pushed. So they're putting out something beyond even what Hitler said, but reversing it onto white people. And we're supposed to sit there and accept it. And then Ye comes out and says, hey, you know, I see kind of a mafia running things and then he's the devil. No, that's bullshit. Sorry. 
All right, we're going to curse a little bit less on this. Uh, yes, yes, Reverend. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'll stop. And the reason I, I, I wanted Nick, people have heard from Nick, but he, people haven't heard from Nick with Ye standing right next to him. You know, it's like that's the thing that the Zionists control, the 300 um, in control of the media, in control of the governments, they don't want us to connect to each other. Like my dad said, okay, they say you're anti-Semitic, but they say he's a white supremacist. And he's asking me, well, what's the difference? I said, dad, there is no difference. It's just separation and confusion. They want to separate and confuse the Christians and make us afraid to stand next to each other. A Christian can stand next to anyone. We can go visit R. Kelly in prison. We can go talk to Harvey Weinstein. That's what Jesus did. Yes, because Jesus can save everyone. But if the Zionists can get us so afraid that they're going to do what they've been doing to me, attempting to put me in jail, freeze my accounts, smearing me on the media, you know, all of these things, you know, you put on the whole armor of God and they will not be able to break your spirit. They and by the way, we can do three hours on this subject yeah. and, and you, or you do five hours on it. And, and let's just get it all going now because I want to get into everything about your plans to try to bring jobs to America, unifying people, uh, running for president, all those other issues. So I'm not steering us away from that. I'm just saying let's just run with it as far as you guys want to go. And then I want to get into all the other topics that surround things. Oh, beautiful. So where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I would just start with this. There are good people from every group and, 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 and every type of culture, and we, and we all know that. But definitely the left, when it was America defeated Hitler, calls their opposition Hitler when both my grandfathers almost died in the Army Air Corps. Both of them almost died. One of them crash landed after a mission and got all broke up. The other one uh, got hit in a German air raid in uh, North Africa, and he'd only done like 18 of his missions, and then he had a concussion, and he was the captain, and then his buddies went up the next day and blew up over Italy. And he was always freaked out, but I never really talked about it until he died, but then when he died, we read the letters and all the awards he had and stuff and the things he did after that, and then, you know, re-upping and recommitting to the Army Air Corps. So I take it as an offense to have George Soros and people that actually work for Hitler rounding up people tell me I'm a Nazi when I almost don't exist when my grandfathers went over there. So, so the, yeah, I got a lot to say about this as well. It's just, it's just nuanced with the whole thing that's going on, but expanding on that. Yeah. Give us, cause I want you to go wherever you want. So just let's just have you talk for 10, 15 minutes more before me and me and uh, we got a lot to hear from Fuentes and he needs to be heard, but we want to hear from yay. Go ahead. Well, I, I said with Ali Alexander and Nick Fuentes that we're like the SWAT team of free thought. And I go in with this battle ram at the door and then they come in with these laser beams and have that information. And we work together as a team. A lot of times in media, they want to single out one person and burn them to the core. That is a Zionist approach. And they're asking me to use that same approach. Well, hey, don't say all people, just say specifically the businessmen. And then I go on Lex Freeman and I say who it's specifically, and that's still not enough. They're still taking it too far. Everyone knows and agrees now that it's like a reverse version of American History X, the scene when they put the guy's head against the curve and kick the back of it. And now people are like, wait a second, the, the so-called crime doesn't deserve the punishment. What did I, I thought? Well, that's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I I see I I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew I love everyone and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can 
love, um, you know, us. And you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts. And you can love what we're, you know, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician, you can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good. And I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. How about that one? Ari Emanuel, how you like that one? Hey, Ron, you going to do anything to fix Chicago? Well, I am worried about the thousands of black folks down among the Chicago, but, but let me expand on that because that's a nuanced issue. Yeah. You know, my, 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 my grandfather um, grew up in Dallas and from a pretty wealthy family. Also, Hitler was born Christian. I've actually studied some of the history on it, but but it's very interesting. My grandfather, you know, grew up and actually some of his you know, family spoke some German. There's a lot of Germans in Texas. But did you know that he grew up uh, next door to the inventor of air conditioning and the inventor of one of the major inventors of refrigeration? And so my issue was growing up, my grandfather told me the stories about some of the inside baseball and the things that went on. And But later, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to tell you some, some stuff about Hitler that you might not know directly that happened to my people I knew. I, I, I'd love to hear everything because guess what? We don't get to hear. It's hidden. Even like our truth, the fact that African-Americans were in America before the pilgrims, that truth is hidden. That we are actually the Native Americans, or some of us are Native. Or the fact that what Kyrie got in trouble is uh, pointing out that we're Jewish slave boats. Like, and then... You well, know, look at Australia. Yeah. They've done some of the genetic typing of, of the Aborigines there, and they're basically Africans. There you go. You know, so all of these truths, and then the current truths about banking, about the government. My favorite thing that I got to say with uh, Tim Pool was Rahm Emanuel was right there next to Obama. Jared Kushner was right there next to Trump. What are those two people, those two Zionists, oh, I gave it away, have in common? Uh, Nick, can you pick that up and uh, expound on that? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and it's interesting because you've been going on these interviews with Lex Friedman and with Tim Pool and Piers Morgan, and they always say, well, don't talk about a group, talk about the individuals. And I would point out, one, it's hypocritical because in the same interview, Tim Pool said, well, wouldn't Ye be so great for the black vote? You can say the black vote, but you talk about Jewish businessmen, and somehow that's a problem. You can't talk about groups when it's one but not the other. The other thing is that there is something baked into the cake in Judaism, which affects how they're brokering these kinds of contracts with entertainers like Ye. If you look at the Talmud, which is a real Jewish holy book or part of the holy book, there's the written uh, Torah, which is the Hebrew Bible. There's the oral Torah, which was written down as the Mishnah and then interpreted in the Talmud. In the Talmud, it says that Jews have to treat Gentiles differently than they treat other Jews. There's all kinds of examples of this. They say that if you accidentally if a Jew indirectly kills a Gentile, there's nothing even wrong with that. There's nothing morally wrong with that. They say that for a Jew to have sex with a Gentile is comparable to bestiality. They say that the semen of a Gentile is like that of horses. They also say that you can't give a gift to a Gentile. A Jew is not permitted under the Talmud to give a gift to a Gentile. They're not permitted to charge each other interest, but they're encouraged to charge Gentiles interest. What do they say about pedophilia? They say that that's, uh, in some cases, licit. Well, I mean, here's... So you're telling me in their holy book, it says it's okay to be pedophiles as long as it's not 
another Jewish person. That's only that came from Adam. I'm not 100 percent sure. On uh, that. Well, let me just get this. Let me just get this out front. I believe in free speech, and and I, that's why I want you to be here and be able to say whatever you want. I'm quite the historian from a lot of multifaceted yeah. views. So at a certain point, I'm going to give my nuanced views of this because. There are power structures and there are mafias and there are cliques and there are groups. And there is certainly uh, leftist Jews that call everybody Nazis they don't agree with. If you, you don't want open borders or you don't want your guns taken or you don't want to take a shot. The ADL had a meeting last two weeks ago and said, Alex Jones is an agent of evil. He should be taken off the air. He's the devil because he doesn't want you to take four shots. And I'm like, what are you doing calling me anti-Semitic? I'm not against groups. I don't get into group politics. Adam, I've got, I'm, I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, uh, Alex. Yes, sir. Um, I've got the perfect answer for the ADL. They are going to have to listen up. What we did is we brought Netanyahu with us. Ah. <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm in the twilight zone right now. Netanyahu, what do you have to say? What do you have to say to Alex Jones right now, Nick Fuentes and Ye? It was bad. It was bad for Trump to meet with Nick and Ye. Okay. I had no idea your voice was going to sound like that, Netanyahu. So you don't like Benjamin Netanyahu? <laughs> I just, I, I just heard about this guy two weeks ago since like the tweet, and I thought he had a funny name. I heard he's like really into like he's like a super killer. And I could die for saying this, so. In case this is the last time you ever hear from me. <laughs> well, look, 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 look. I, I, I'm glad you guys are here, and, and we can we can we can sit here and upset. All I'm telling you is, do you guys realize that the British government created Hitler, and the Milner Group put him in power, and there's something much more sophisticated. And I personally. Uh, think that most Jews are great people and I and I understand there's a Jewish mafia and, and they're they're used to demonize anybody that promotes freedom, but I don't blame Jews in general for that. And there is a much larger eugenics, transhumanist, scientific elite agenda that's playing off What uh, about uh, abortion? It's fifty percent of black deaths. He's making another point there. Watch Mafa twenty one, M A A F A two one. It's a documentary. It's about the black genocide. And so maybe there are facts about that, just like there are facts about the uh, Baha'i faith of Israel and uh, the black Hebrews. So there's, sure. a, there's some things he says that if you go and look, there might be something there. I don't know who, I don't know what type of microphone he uses, but those claims he made weren't his whole point. He was just saying whatever he was saying. Now, I wanted you guys to get a taste of that interview because like it does go 10x weirder than what you just saw, but you just got to see the little spike there when he brought the net and the Yahoo out. It's creative thinking. He's a creative guy. He certainly is. I brought that in Yahoo. Got something special there. Oh my goodness. I had not, uh, you know, I've only seen very sparse clips of it, but seeing it just play right from the beginning well plus point. when he has a mask on you can't see when he's laughing or when he's serious and he's wow. i'm sure having fun with that just making people react and it's like shock jock comedy yeah that's coming what it from is. a musician who you know is on the spot out there oh man i don't even know what to say that's, that, that's uh, pretty much how that's where i wanted to leave it so that the people in the future know that that happened and the people this week if you want to go watch that whole thing it's got four million views in the replay alone <laughs> over there at the info Wars. it's so weird somebody's alex, watching it it's, it's costing him a lot of bandwidth money 
So take oh. it seriously. Don't play it frivolously. But I know there's a lot of lefties just watching it over and over again because they love Alex and Kanye. Kudos to Alex for pointing out the Milner group and the continuation of the British Empire. For him, he to was be trying. The, he was trying he to like was, get it back, get the train back. No, it's a bad metaphor. He's trying to get the car back on the road. Yeah, yeah, he's trying. Yeah, it well, certainly was. You'll see how that goes for the next three hours. It's you see him try. That's the least concerned he'll oh, be when he man. says something because it gets. It gets kind of off the charts. It was like a Kanye. He's like, I'm going to go up here with it. Yeah. So, let's put on the lizard mask and the Alex Jones mask. That's half. That's halfway through. Halfway and then they, they talk some shit on Tim Pool later, which is. <laughs> that's kind of. Uh, but that's a perfect setup for our intermission is the oh, point. That was the perfect place to lay off because Alex really is, is right. The, the British and the eugenics and the Nazis and all that stuff that we've been talking about with the double cross system and all this sort of stuff, you know. That war, as you heard, left the wise men in control. And when you look into those people, they might have been the people who funded the the black part of this cover. Let's see if I can zoom out a little bit. There you go. They're in charge of funding the Nazis. So the Bolsheviks, the Nazis, the FDR, it's all the same group of financiers, and they're not of all one religion. So it's not as simple as what Kanye is saying. You need more detail, more nuance. You need to read more books. He needs to read more books, for Christ's sake. He's like Ali and Nick or his intelligentsia for this campaign. I got to write you off, bro. I was like, yeah, I was right, right, almost right, right. ready to listen to what you had to say up until last Thursday. And now even Alex is like, dude, go, go, go away, please. Alex is like, I appreciate the clicks and all, but... There's a lot of extra. Well, he kept saying, in. I appreciate free speech, but I don't really look at groups. And Alex is right Al- for Alex to be the most calm, sane and rational. But not that he isn't. But I thought it made, yeah, that actually yeah, made Alex look really good. I mean, it made Alex look like the height of rationality, which he, he he's a reasonable person, but he usually can be. Someone Hyper- of a character, well, hyperbolize or character. Bombastic. He's, he's bombastic. Like a, he's, perfect he's, word. He's, perfect. He's a force to be reckoned with. He's exactly. not the he's not a 22. He's a cannon. He's a cannon mounted he's on a fucking, fucking howitzer. Yeah, some he's shit, like one of those battleship or... cannons. It's got three mm-hmm. together. He's a you know, yeah, reciprocating well cannons back in the yeah. day. All right. So um, the next morning. Oh, my God. People found out Alex Jones filed for personal bankruptcy. So he's had to file for Infowars bankruptcy and then personal bankruptcy to protect him and whatever legacy he has left for his children from those people who are trying to take it from him because they don't like the mouth sounds the man makes on a regular basis. So the Epstein client list, not so important. Shutting Alex Jones up top priority for some people who are very threatened by Alex Jones and his platform that provides people free speech and uh, occasionally things like you'll see in the intermission. Yes. So I will always remember the day that uh, I was on Infowars, but it was right before the Twitter files, right after the Kanye interview and Alex declaring bankruptcy. And uh, I got, I was supposed to have an hour with Jay Dyer. The short uh, show got cut short because that's Infowars. They go a little late and this sort of thing. So I had a hot 40 minutes to get in there and try to help educate the InfoWars audience away from the train wreck of look at the celebrity off the leash and get back to like who funded the Nazis and are they still in control and are they funding this great reset that's going on today and the social credit system and all the stuff that's going on in China? You betcha. So we want to take a closer look at that. So uh, I joined Jay in the battlefield of the InfoWars so we could present some books to an audience that maybe could use some good b- book recommendations because they weren't getting them necessarily from Kanye. Do you want to play the, which one do you want to play first? Yeah, let's, uh, 
play Royce writes more of a critique and more context about so yeah i play that first and then about we'll the yay intermission interview. yeah we'll with end your, the intermission okay. with me and jay perfect perfect and then we'll come back for all the other news we got to cover yeah there's a couple ftx things i just figured out that might be worth getting in the time capsule so oh boy ftx i, I just can't oh my god brain is like swirling right now no we're good you, you got it, LD? All right. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Cool. Let's kick it off. Let's learn a little bit about they, them, those who can easily be named, but it wasn't in the Kanye's talk. Oh, my God. All right, uh, Royce, uh, let's roll out to uh, Minneapolis and bring in uh, our man Royce White, who's been busy this week with the Fearless Army. Royce, appreciate you coming back. Maybe your third day in a row. Uh, I, you know, I took the hat. You took the hat off. I put the hat on today. Uh I need your help because the whole Kanye West thing is is a lot for me. What, what, what's going on with Kanye West is a lot for me. I wasn't at my sharpest yesterday or this morning to even follow everything. I didn't get to watch the full uh, Alex Jones interview. I do. I do. Before I do want to play a, a taste, a little selection of and, and I think uh, Justin helped me out here. Play a couple of clips from Kanye yesterday on Alex Jones. Here he, there's one of him defending Hitler, and then there's one of him talking about Bus, uh, Balenciaga. Let's play those two clips back to back, and then we'll get Royce's reaction. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I, I see I, I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew, I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me, you can love um, you know, us, and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts, and you can love what we're, you know, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Balenciaga, though, you were gonna, I mean, just overall, what do you, because obviously you were with a lot of fashion brands, and now all the stuff's come out. It's almost like they did this on purpose as a PR stunt. I think so. You know, I'm friends with the head designer, uh, and I believe that it was a setup. I think it was a hit job. And now all of a sudden, everyone is so outraged and focused on Balenciaga, but then we're still aborting our kids. We're still fornicating. We're still, um, we're still killing each other. We're still listening to music that promotes that. But, oh, we don't, we don't wear Balenciaga now. <laughs> Shut the hell up. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, what are you doing? You're throwing stones. Oh my God. But you know, our moral code, we just we just cheated on our wives. We just we just fornicated. We just had threesomes. We just bought some sex on Instagram. We just sold some sex. We used sex to sell a product, but we don't like Balenciaga. Shut up. Shut up. I'm throwing the tablets right now. Shut up. Instagram is about prostitution and everyone involved in any version of the sex business is as bad as the pedophile. So everyone shut up. So <clears throat> he's saying a lot. Uh, he's being intentionally provocative. Uh, 
he's wearing a mask. I, I, I you know, which makes me does he even want to be taken seriously? Uh, I. I He's been booted off or suspended from Twitter yesterday. I, I felt like Elon Musk perhaps did him a favor yesterday by uh, temporarily suspending him uh, because I do think Kanye needs to unplug. I, I don't see this. I, from my understanding, it was a 12-hour suspension or whatever. Uh, I actually think there was some compassion in that because uh, he seems consumed by bitterness and a desire to draw more attention to himself than to actually be heard, than to actually be understood. And, and that's troubling, but help me out here, Royce. What, what, what did you see? What did you hear? When we're talking about Kanye West, <clears throat> I think we're talking about three distinct people. We're talking about Kanye West, the brilliant musician, the brilliant artist, the the the, the rapper, um, the fashion designer, and and the pop culture pioneer, and then you have the emerging politician or the, or the religious spokesperson, um, and finally you have a man who uh, struggles with a bipolar mental health disorder, and is going through a very public and rough divorce, uh, and that is that is deeply connected to a bunch of. Um, people who we could categorize as uh, <laughs> immature, immature to say the least. Um, you know, Kanye has many good qualities, many good qualities, but he's not ready to be the president of this country. He's not ready to be the president of this country. And more importantly, he's not ready to lead a conversation that unpacks what is at the center of the way our society is organized. And, and that is this conversation that he has tripped himself into. The conversation about blacks and whites and Jews and the history of Africa, the history of Europe, World War One, World War II, racism, religion, all of this is at the heart of how our organ uh, of how our society is organized, uh, which culminated in the post World War II democratic liberal order, and still organizes us to this very day. Um, so you know, I think Kanye has contributed some incredible insights to the discourse, especially for Black people as it pertains to ownership and and creative control, and and even beyond that, and and to acknowledge that, to agree with some of that, is not to endorse everything Kanye West says or does, but I do think how he handled this situation yesterday on Alex Jones uh, wasn't right. What he said wasn't right, and it wasn't right on a spiritual level. It wasn't right from a strategic standpoint politically, and that's a separate discussion, but it wasn't right on a spiritual level, right? And I don't think he should be censored. I don't think he should be canceled. I don't agree that Elon Musk suspended him. It's a sign of the same stuff we've seen at Twitter before, which I caution towards. Don't get gung-ho about a man coming in and giving you false gifts. But I do think that what he said was wrong because when you, when you talk about a 2,000-plus-year uh, history that organizes our entire society, there's a level of seriousness that should come with that. And when you wear a mask and when you use the tone that he used that was casual and playful and, and, and in, any, in many ways um, lacked any temperance or prudence, um, you, you know, you're, you're, just not, you're just not serious. And these are serious issues. You said several things that I completely agree with, that he's, he's trying to provoke a very important conversation, but 
he's giving everyone an out not to engage in that conversation and to even demonize that conversation. Well, you know, if we have that conversation, then you're going to legalize people to say the kind of things Kanye is saying about, you know, he loves Hitler or likes Hitler, especially Hitler, what, whatever he said. And look, there's a thread of, of Christian love that he's trying to unpack of, of, hey, Jesus saw good in everybody and God loves everybody. But, but he's also leaving out that God does not like evil. And he, he commands us not to like evil. Yeah. And, and, and he needs to think about that. And that's some of the things he's, particularly as it relates to Balenciaga and the sexualization and the exploitation of kids. And, and so when I hear him start trying to defend Balenciaga, uh, I, I hear some, oh, no. he, he's trying to serve money, not God. Clearly, there's some, there's some financial purse strings still attached to his ex-wife and himself as it relates to Balenciaga because there's just no defending the sexualization of young kids. And so this is what I've always believed about Kanye is that he's in this war that we're all in, but his war uh, is, is more pronounced, more vicious, more intense of good versus evil that's within all of us uh, and trying to distance yourself from a demonic world and live righteously. Well, he's got all these financial purse strings. He's, they've making him fall in love with the fame. They've hooked him up to social media and all that dopamine. And so he, he's trying his best to, to get away from that. But he's realizing the consequences of getting away from that are really much steeper than perhaps he realized and more painful than perhaps he realized. And, and so he's... He's cracking up, man. It almost to me, I came away from that yesterday. Like, I'm not sure if this guy really wants to live, and 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 I, I say that with a lot of sadness, and and you know, want to pray for the guy and have actually, you know, ask God to intercede on his in it, on his behalf, help this let, let me do my best to try and pick apart what Kanye said in detail, and I do it at my own peril, right? We all we all venture into this part of the conversation uh, with the risk of our own demise. And there is something biblical and Christian that resonates about laying your life down in the pursuit of truth, justice, or, or, or to, to, to sacrifice oneself for God. Um, so so that, that should always be acknowledged. Let's get into what he said specifically, because we have to be specific. I love Nazis. And I just want to deal with the two headlines because the, the headlines are, are, you know, they were, I, I think they get the headlines right in many, in many ways with this story. I love the Nazis. Now, there is a Christian justification for this. The, 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 it can be said in a Christian sense, although I didn't get that spirit from Kanye and he didn't qualify it in that manner in the context of the floor of the interview. And that is important. The way people talk about things we should take from, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't count them in totality by the way they say things in the moment, but it does bear on, on how we perceive or hear what somebody has to say. 
And it didn't have a Christian ethos to it. It wasn't a, and in the Bible it says, love thy enemy like I love, like you love yourself. And it even tells us to bless those that curse us, those that dis, that despitefully use us. So there is a Christian um, sentiment in there. I don't think he was using it that way. That's my personal opinion from listening to it. And he, here's the bigger the bigger one. And this this goes into the history. And this is why I felt compelled to, to talk about Kanye today. The, the accomplishments the accomplishments of Hitler, the accomplishments of Nazi Germany. All of us have been taught a history away from this entire controversy where the spotlight's on and every single thing somebody says is wound up and and put on blast. All of us have been taught a history where the economic and technological accomplishments of Germany and Nazi Germany have been acknowledged. They've been acknowledged in our textbooks. They've been acknowledged in documentaries about World War I, World War II, so on and so forth. We have acknowledged the accomplishments of the German Nazi war machine from a technological, economic, and even political standpoint. I wouldn't qualify those things as great. I wouldn't say those things are great. They're great if you're a technocrat. They're great if you're a radical materialist. They're great if you are obsessed with worldly, fleshly things. They're great if you have a a threat of evil in your spirit. They're not great in the eyes of God. And that's very clear. Okay, These, these accomplishments should not have been qualified as greatness. But in this, you see what I have hearkened us towards for many months now. And this is the the three-headed hydra of the post-Enlightenment Renaissance philosophy. Liberalism, communism, neoclassicism. Kanye West is a technocratic neoclassicist. This, the, the neoclassicism was the affinity for the arts, for architecture, for music, right? Uh, and, and, and the people that, that were the progenitors of those things. It's, it's sort of an obsession with that. This is who Kanye West is. This is why when you throw him the football about where we should go in the world, he kicks it to Elon Musk and says, hey, let's just put it in Elon Musk's hands. Now Elon Musk is suspending him for Twitter for his own views. This is the lack of discernment, the lack of understanding of history, the lack of, of philosophical and ideological maturation that should caution us about our leaders. And, and, and again, I say that because there are many things that the Germans did that you could quantify as being accomplishments within the context of mankind's history. But I would never qualify those things as great because a person's spirit, a person's intent, a person's motive, a person's heart, a person's agenda all comes to bear on the final analysis of what it is that they contribute to the world. If you're a Christian, and this is where Kanye West's Christian faith shows true lacking, a significant lacking that in my opinion does counts discounts him from the leadership that he says he's worthy of. What you're talking about, he's very immature in his walk. Or, I mean, that's the positive spin on it. Or he's faking it and is really in on the demonic cult still. 
Uh, well, you know, let's go there because what I took away from last night as a rising figure in the political domain that that has ambitions to pick up the mantle and stand in the podium where you can get shot and you can get your head blown off in a convertible on national television in front of the entire world for talking about these institutions as somebody who has those ambitions. I walked away from that interview scared, worried, fearful, because what I understand is that either Kanye West is in on it or Kanye West has many forces around him that are influencing him that he does not understand. And, and, and this is why, you know, I'm questioning everybody right now. I'm just going to say that with full transparency. Everybody's in question. The only person I trust is myself, number one, God, Jesus, myself, and you for the most part. I'll, I'll give you that. But as far as the spirit and, and intuition of all of these political figures, everybody's in question now. This is the double cross and the triple cross. I cannot for the life Let of me. Let me go understand. a step further then. I'm going to make you uncomfortable perhaps a little bit. Go. Because if I'm hearing you correctly, because it is a feeling that I had as well yesterday. It's like, what's Alex Jones doing? Well, th- he, this man is, why are you interviewing this dude in a mask? Why? And this went on for three hours and 30 minutes. Because again, if, 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 let's say I was interviewing Kanye West and he had a mask on. Be a very short interview. Hey man, you're gonna either take me seriously and this platform seriously and get this mask off. And then once you start saying all this dumb stuff, I'm gonna wrap up the interview. I'm not going to assist this man in his suicide and or demonic plot. Uh, and so I, 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 I come away from that interview questioning like Alex Jones, what are you, are you really this thirsty? that you needed to televise Kanye's uh, further suicide for three hours and 30 minutes? Let me, let me be clear here. Alex Jones has been doing this for 25 years and they've tried to run the man into the ground and they have effectively, in the economic sense, ran the man into the ground. $2.5 trillion judgment that's pending on the table against him or being waged against him is absolutely ridiculous. They're asking the man to pay a tab that King Solomon couldn't afford. Okay. It's outrageous. So it's very clear that Alex Jones is a unique target of the institutions. With that said, I know Alex is going through a a great deal of stress in his own life. And I think that in that he has, um, he has given up trying to maintain a certain superficial integrity of his platform. And he's just going all out war against the the establishment. And I think he genuinely wanted to help Kanye West. Actually, I know that because when Kanye got out here in the first couple of days of the last few weeks, me and Alex talked and, and he was like, I wish I could help him. You know, I want to be able to get in touch with him and help Kanye, but he, he won't listen to anybody. So that was kind of, you know, the sentiment that I know Alex was bringing towards it. Um, I wasn't talking about Alex Jones. I'm talking about the people. I was, the, but go ahead. I, I'm talking about the people in the Republican and conservative establishment. Who is Milo? Who is Nick Fuentes? Who is Candace Owens? Who are these people? Who are the Kardashians? Who is Kanye West? Who is Donald Trump? Okay, all of this needs to go back up on the bar now. 
And let me explain why. Specifically when it comes to Milo, for example, what Kanye West said has some merit that we need to pull out from his presentation. And that merit is this, Operation Paperclip. Let's not get lost on Kanye West saying that he loves Nazis because we, as a country, love the Nazis. We loved the Nazis and we still love the Nazis. Now, who were the Nazis? That's an important question that we need to answer today. Who were the Nazis? What was Operation Paperclip? Why did we bring 1,600, so they say, could have been 16,000, could have been 106,000, we don't know. Why did they bring 1,600 of the Nazi party's top scientists and political figures, not just scientists, but also political leaders of the Nazi party, why did they bring them into the American government? See, in there, in there lies the moral hazard that undergirds this entire deal. They got nothing to do with Kanye. Kanye doesn't even know about it. That's not the purview of what he's bringing to the table. But I will. I'll ask the question. Why did we, after World War II, when we made it seem like we went to fight for the massacre of the Jews, take the very people who orchestrated it and assimilate them into our military and government? Why did we do that? Why were the people who actually funded the Nazi war machine on the front end from Wall Street then have the ability to reincorporate Nazi science and philosophy into America's government and military? Why? Because we were more concerned with military power, political power, economic power than we were the principal we're the sellouts. Our nation has moral hazard from World War II that we have yet to deal with. You can't send me off on some blank mission or some side street about Kanye West making some silly off the cuff remark with a mask on to get attention from a theatrical career that he's always lived up to and, and distract me from the truth. Who were the Nazis to begin with? Who was Adolf Hitler? He wasn't German. He was an Austrian. Who was the Austrian Empire? Who is the crown today? Who is Saxe-Coburg? Why was the Saxe-Coburg name changed to Windsor at the end of, in, uh, during World War I when the Germans and the British went to fight each other? Why does nobody talk about the crown and the monarchy sending British dukes and duchesses across the European, across Europe to fill the monarch parts of uh, 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 the monarch positions of other countries? This is the history that people have to discuss because we need to know just how prominent the Nazi mindset, the Nazi philosophy is in our government today, right now. So, and so when I look at a person like Milo, who came from Britain and is a homosexual, a reformed homosexual, I start to ask myself, who are these people? Who are these people and why should we trust they are who they say they are? And then you got Kanye saying that his trainer was an ex-Canadian uh, security state officer or, you know, uh, employee. Who are these? See, we at home, we have not yet accepted the level of deception that is, that is potentially out there in these issues, implicated in these issues, implicated with these people. You know how you destroy a culture from within? You know how you get revenge on a society that you lost to, that you were defeated by, so they say? You take women. 
You take women and you tell them that their idol should be a harlot. And you use the Internet that came after World War II with DARPA. Don't forget, the Internet was created by the military, by the security state. Okay, DARPA is the military. This is the type of stuff you get shot for. This is the type of stuff you get your head blown off for saying. DARPA is our military. They invented the Internet. You know how you get revenge on a culture? is you make every single young woman in in the society think that their job is not to nurture and build strong men, but to hedge their political power on being a harlot. And you put an idol out in front of them like Kim Kardashian. Who are these people? That's what I walked away from last night asking myself, who are these people? Where did Von Braun go? Let me give you an example. Kissinger, perfect example. German, intellectual, okay, came from the, who was a, a Jew, by the way, but he was an anti-Jew. And who was his partner? Who was his, who was his, uh, uh, you know, uh, co-pilot? Brzezinski, Mika Brzezinski's dad from Morning Mika. Okay, you, you understand Morning what I'm Joe. saying? From Morning Joe, right, Morning Joe and Mika, right. Mika Brzezinski. Brzezinski is the forefather of this entire liberal movement. And you know what's funny about this, Jason? The liberals in this country, they are the Nazis of Germany. We don't see it yet because the genocide has not really started in the way that it did in Germany. But it's the same group of people from a societal standpoint, from a history standpoint, the working class that unionized, they became the bourgeoisie, they cut off social mobility, okay? They rigged the system. And then they instituted a military state to police themselves and their power. What do we have here in America? What do we have here in America today? That's exactly what they've done today. That's exactly what we have in our country right now. We just don't see it because the change they made was we don't have to gas you. We don't have to be that brutal with you. We'll just we'll just put you on a drug. The drug is dopamine. The drug is a psychoanalysis they did on rats where the rats would push a button to electrocute themselves to death if it would give them the dopamine hit in the experiment. The rat would kill themselves to get dopamine. That's who Kanye West is. That's who Kim Kardashian is. That's who they've, that's who they've promoted themselves to be. They, they're not even hiding it. They're right out in the open. And they've conditioned a society of people to be very, very similar, if not a mirror image, a spitting image. How many young black men you see walking around with the mask Kanye West had on? How many young black men were buying Yeezys? How many young black men were, how many young girls are doing makeup tutorials like Kim Kardashian? There's so many young women looking like Kim Kardashian, I'm thinking they're starting to clone these people. We're living in a psyop. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to believe that people are this powerful, corrupt, and, and, and effective. But that's who the Nazis were. And that's what we should be afraid of. I don't care about what Kanye West has to say on the matter. I care about how prevalent Nazism, fascism, neoclassicism, uh, liberalism, communism are right now today in our society. And who's going to lead us out of it? Because these people aren't even serious. Why do they have a bigger platform than you? Why has the system and the algorithm rewarded people such that Kanye West gets to speak on behalf of the future of this country, this great nation? Is that by accident? 
And we could even extend that to Donald Trump, who I support and think he can do better than a lot of his competition. But he's not ready to talk about these issues with a full throat. If I'm really getting down to it, I would love to get in his ear, too, and pick his brain about who he is. Everybody's in question now. Royce, I got a new nickname for you. Morpheus. <laughs> We're just going to call this the uh, Morpheus segment. Man, you, you've, you've given me a lot to think about this weekend. A lot to think about. I'm glad we had you Great on. Uh, enjoy Great your weekend. We'll circle back to you. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Pray for you, me, and everyone that just <laughs> has had their eyes open, their ears open uh, to what you just brought. I'm going to have to rewatch this tonight and, and marinate and do some more homework. But uh, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. So we're going to move from Ye's Balenciaga victimhood over to eugenics and Fabian socialism. Uh, that's a good transition. I think it's a good investment of time. I've got uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski's Between uh, Two Ages on the shelf back there, but I really wanted to key off of what you said with Huxley. Um, Huxley's Brave New World, chapter one, uh, starts out with the incubator room where the government grows its children so that there's no pesky parents in between. And if you've seen uh, the 3D printed pod story in the past week, where now it's, you're going to be incubated in the pod and you can also die in a pod. They have the uh, euthanasia pods out there. So this whole theme of what starts with Malthus and the preservation of the favored races that's followed uh, with Darwin. That's the subtitle of <laughs> Origin of Species, Preservation of the Favored Races. Sounds like an institutionalized racism type of idea. Maybe we should look into these people. Darwin's bulldog was a guy named T.H. Huxley, and he had a son named Leonard Huxley. Leonard had two kids that are prominent, Aldous and Julian. Julian Huxley became the World Eugenics Foundation uh, lead person, as well as UNESCO, which ties in the United Nations that Mike and Alex were just talking about in the last segment. So this idea of globalism, it spans back to the British Empire wanting to take over America. The British Empire then picked up allies along the way. There's other uh, factions out there that would like to see America destroyed. And essentially, the creation of uh, Soviet Russia, communist China, were facilitated by these same robber barons who also funded the Third Reich back in World War uh, II. And before exactly. that, they got Hitler to adopt eugenics and the, uh, the Cold Spring Harbor ideas of Eastern elites. And also British eugenicists were along for the ride as well. Ladies and gentlemen, free shipping is back at InfoWarsStore.com. All orders of $50 or more get free shipping. And our regular shipping has seen its rates cut up to 50%. Free shipping right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. And I, I was watching the, the wild craziness that went down yesterday, and I just had to think, man, who turned on CERN, right? Somebody turned CERN back on, and we, we're, in, we're in the weirdest alternate dimension Thought about doing a takeoff on yesterday's uh, event. I was going to wear a pantyhose over my head, but I decided against it. I started thinking about uh, raising Arizona where he says, son, you got a penny on your head. Today, I'm just going to bring the straight facts. We're going to be spitting facts with one of my favorite researchers, one of my favorite historians, Richard Grove of Tragedy and Hope. He is a whistleblower since 2003. 
media producer, documentary filmmaker since 2006, forensic historian, educator, and lifelong learner, Richard Grove of Tragic Hope. We work together now producing a philosophy course that will be available, I think, in December or January. And uh, I want to talk about the managed dialectics that's out there. And <clears throat> I just did a podcast uh, the other night with Dr. James Lindsay and a uh, high-powered Pentagon uh, consultant, Stephen Coughlin. And we went deep into how managed dialectics is a strategy of warfare, a strategy of control. Now, I know everybody has probably heard of that. Well, yeah, we know the two-party system and all this kind of stuff. But we need to understand that it's an actual a technology. It's an actual strategy. And it also involves people who are initiated into an inner group that run the world in a certain way. And I'm going to give you a couple examples before we go to Richard, because Richard knows this material very, very well. At the beginning of Brave New World, the famous book by Aldous Huxley, um, he <clears throat> has an introductory essay. And in this introductory essay, he says, I want you to understand that this novel, this fictional presentation is based on reality. And he mentions at the end of this that <clears throat> what we're going to do with eugenics is that we're going to take this study of so-called racial science and we're going to apply it uh, so that we can bring the population down. And he says that this process will utilize mass drugging of the population. It will utilize the enforcement of every odd form of sexuality, not because of anything to do with freedom and liberty and rights, but to reduce the population, simply put. He ends this chapter by saying that what you read in this fictional book is not <clears throat> a uh, made-up story. It's actually order out of chaos, order out of chaos, order out of chaos. And then I want you to understand that another famous person who was not a fiction writer, but was very much a high-level strategist, the big name Brzezinski, he wrote a famous book called <clears throat> Strategic Vision before he passed away. I think it was one of his last books. And he goes into the very beginning talking about the Cold War. And he says, if you want to understand the Cold War, he says, you have to understand dialectics, managed false either ors, false choices. Because the real system that's going on is outside of this false choice. And so within 30 pages, he says that the Cold War with the West versus the Marxists in the East, not saying it wasn't real in the sense of a real on the ground dis disagreement over ideology. He says this is a higher level game being played that he says is Manichaean dialectics. Now, Manichaean dialectics is an old kind of weird esoteric uh, sect that dealt with dualism, right? The, the whole world is running on this, prop, uh, this uh, position of dualism, good, uh, evil, light, dark, etc. And he says that <clears throat> this is a managed dialectic of order out of chaos. And this is one of his strategies that he used to help end the Cold War. He is one of the architects of bringing the Cold War to a synthesis, synthesis of these choosing positions. The synthesis is what they always wanted out of this Cold War. And he actually says that this dialectic of false left, right, he says, Zbigniew Brzezinski, right? Long time Pentagon national security advisor, Obama advisor, big super architect of what we live under, technocrat, right? He wrote another book about between two ages about technocracy and how we would go into the technocratic age between two ages, right? Well, in this book, he says that the dialectic of the false left right out of the French Revolution is the same that's in the American system. Brzezinski says that in Strategic Vision. And so I want to bring uh, my good friend Richard Grove on because I know he knows this very well. 
Um, you know, I think that when we look at somebody like Ye, uh, when you first wake up to a lot of this stuff, there's always a danger of kind of going down false rabbit trails, false, false uh, leads. And, uh, you know, I know there was a lot of trolling going on, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the system of eugenics that was promoted in uh, Nazi Germany is really no different, ultimately, than the system of eugenics promoted by the socialists. Did you know the Fabian socialists also adopted and accepted eugenics just as much as the Nazis did? And so the British establishment, as an example, the Royal Society, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they're the ones that prior to any of this stuff with Hitler or any of that, or the socialists, they're the ones that actually had the social Darwinist philosophy of Malthusian depopulation. Richard, are you there? Yeah. How are you doing, Jay? So we're going to move from Ye's Balenciaga victimhood over to eugenics and Fabian socialism. Uh, that's a good transition. I think it's a good investment of time. I've got uh, Zabinia Brzezinski's Between uh, Two Ages on the shelf back there, but I really wanted to key off of what you said with Huxley. Um, Huxley's Brave New World, chapter one, uh, starts out with the incubator room where the government grows its children so that there's no pesky parents in between. And if you've seen uh, the 3D printed pod story in the past week, where now it's, you're going to be incubated in the pod and you can also die in a pod. They have the uh, euthanasia pods out there. So this whole theme of well, it starts with Malthus and the preservation of the favored races that's followed uh, with Darwin. That's the subtitle of <laughs> Origin of Species, preservation of the favored races. Sounds like an institutionalized racism type of idea. Maybe we should look into these people. Darwin's bulldog was a guy named T.H. Huxley, and he had a son named Leonard Huxley. Leonard had two kids that are prominent, Aldous and Julian. Julian Huxley became the World Eugenics Foundation uh, lead person, as well as UNESCO, which ties in the United Nations that Mike and Alex were just talking about in the last segment. So this idea of globalism, it spans back to the British Empire wanting to take over America. The British Empire then picked up allies along the way. There's other uh, factions out there that would like to see America destroyed. And essentially, the creation of uh, Soviet Russia, communist China, were facilitated by these same robber barons who also funded the Third Reich back in World War uh, II. And before that, they got Hitler to adopt eugenics and the uh, the Cold Spring Harbor ideas of Eastern elites. And also British eugenicists were along for the ride as well. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, we, you can go way further back, maybe even to the old caste system and which I, I think was kind of adopted out of the, uh, you know, ancient Hindu system of evolutionary scales of lesser evolved people and more evolved people. I think that's where Darwin, I think his granddad had adopted some of this uh, weird esoteric philosophy out of Hinduism, which they uh, got from um, some of these secret societies. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Brave New World because on page 30, uh, excuse me, page 17, if you have this, this copy of it, um, Huxley goes on to say uh, in the story that uh, in this future scenario, not only are you grown in a test tube, Everyone is inoculated by mandate at birth. Typical workers, the working class, start by being inoculated at meter 150, he says. We immunize them against all diseases. Now, diseases, of course, this is just a code. This is just part of that process of creating the slave class, creating this tiered system, which you might think, well, I thought the revolutions were about getting us equality, right? Well, I thought I thought social justice, it's about equality. But the odd thing is that in this uh, Brave New World scenario, it's a rigid hierarchy based on 
genetics that are controlled. And there's another guy who wrote about this. His name was Jonas Salk, and he wrote a book called Survival of the Wisest. And he says that the inoculations are an experiment. Don't go anywhere. This is the Alex Jones. I'll be right back with Richard Grove. Just have up to 60% off with promo code 1776, ladies and gentlemen. We have a free gift with every single order. No matter how small, actually on big orders, you get more than one gift. You get a free gift. And we're not just talking about, in some cases, it'll be a bunch of bumper stickers or an Alex Jones mask. In some cases, it'll be a book or a film or just a bunch of other amazing items. So so we have some big ticket items as well. that are going to be free gifts. Free gifts with every single order. So again, whether you make a $5 order for one of the t-shirts and the big blowout, or whether you make a 50 order, you will get a free gift at InfoWarsStore.com, and it's all randomly selected by our shopping cart computer system. It just goes through with all the items, hundreds of different items that we're going to be able to offer free, and just randomly picks one of those and puts it in the box. So this is undoubtedly now, officially, the biggest sell we've ever done. Up to 60% off, promo code 1776, total liquidation blowout, the funnest into the new year, and a free gift in every order. Free lecturing welcome back to the Alex Jones I'm your guest host Jay Dyer of Jay's analysis you know if you follow my work you know I've been lecturing through a lot of texts that deal with the history of the Fabian socialist society and uh, their connection to Bolshevism and and who was funding a lot of these uh, socialists and these revolutionaries and these communists and of course I did cover the well-known book uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution by Anthony Sutton and we've gone into a lot of depth with the Ratio book on the Fabians and Lord Milner but there's another book that Sutton did that's really important that relates to recent material, a recent controversy, which is Wall Street and the rise of Hitler. And that's what I'm trying to demonstrate. And Richard knows this so well, which is that there's a higher level game being played. And in the modern era, those older systems of Fabian socialism, um, uh, national socialism, uh, and even to a degree, monopoly capitalism, which I think still has a lot of power and control. That's kind of the, the thing that's still here sitting over all this debt based uh, world global capitalism. These uh, that that debt system is manipulating these other systems. And you have a lot of people like Bertrand Russell coming out of the Fabian Society, H.G. Wells, talking about how they would do these experiments in these other countries. So Bolshevism is an experiment in Russia. National Socialism is an experiment in Germany. And National Socialism wasn't the first to have that eugenics based policy. It was the UK. And as I think Richard was uh, alluding to, Kaiser Wilhelm, right? Prior to Hitler, Kaiser Wilhelm already believed in a very uh, hardcore version of eugenics. So it precedes Hitler. It actually goes back to the British Empire, as we've said. And um, one more point before I go to you, Richard, which is that I'm glad you mentioned that UNESCO uh, uh, philosophy of UNESCO. Because if you read the, the document at the beginning, Julian Huxley, brother to Aldous, who did Brave New World, Julian says, eugenics is not popular anymore. We're going to have to rebrand this, right, due to World War II and Hitler. Let's just rename this biometrics and health, <laughs> right? And so he says, we'll go under the cloak of uh, health and culture, and we'll just do the same eugenics and dysgenics program through rebranding i'll throw it to you richard if you want to comment on there's that. a lot of rebranding going on i mean uh, let's go back to the british empire uh, cecil rhodes uh, alex mentioned about an hour and a half ago on the show was a colonizer on behalf of the british empire he had a best friend his name was rudyard kipling if you go back and look at kipling's books there's an interesting sun symbol on the edge of all of kipling's books eventually that group 
along with Prescott Bush and some people from America, they decided to prop up a regime during their hyperinflation phase. A lot of American capital went overseas during our Great Depression phase and helped to prop up a guy who was not so popular in American culture or world culture because of the how that war ended and the things that went on during that war. But there's also some other, other atrocities. I brought a couple books. I have the history of the Fabian Society, if you want to talk about that. I have the Molecular Vision of Life, that's Caltech, Rockefeller, and the new eugenics that they branded after World War II. But I also have Operation Paperclip, where the people who funded the Nazis in the first place brought back their best and brightest to conduct experiments in the United States. They also right. took some of those and put them in their Soviet experiment over in Russia. This is all very well documented by Anthony Sutton. And if you read Zbigniew Brzezinski's Between Two Ages, in a footnote on the right-hand page, he says, for uh, impressive history of Western technology being inserted into the Soviet Union, reference Anthony Sutton's three-volume series on such. And then Sutton wrote another three-volume series more for the public, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, Wall Street and Hitler, Wall Street and uh, uh, well, FDR was the last one. So there was a combine of finances behind the scenes of World War II. And then I also have a book here by the guy who uh, led MI6, who says that they got America into the war kind of unfaithfully. They knew ahead of time about Pearl Harbor, but they needed America into the war. So there's a lot of British Empire history that I think was left out of Kanye's perspective, for instance, yesterday. But uh, it's always more to learn. I'm a learner every day. Yeah, are you muted? One of the texts that I, is really important that I've worked on uh, or worked through and lectured on over the years in passing is uh, this very dense, very hefty history of British intelligence by Stephen Dorrell. This is a must-have text because as a mainline historian, Dorrell is really just giving the 20th century from not just the British imperial perspective, but from the intelligence apparatus, from their perspective. What were they really doing? What were they really up to? And as you read this text, he goes through most of the things that we consider or think of as conspiracy theory uh, as just obvious, well-known admissions. For example, he talks about staging false flags. He talks about uh, the uh, bio-warfare programs that uh, at Porton Down evolving out of the British version of MKUltra. He talks about Bohemian Grove and... Bilderberg as if, well, yeah, of course, as if they're givens. They're not conspiracy theories to this level of people and to this level of research. They're common, obvious things that people on the inside know about, but they're counting on people on the outside, the public, not knowing this thing, knowing this stuff because of the dumbing down of education. Yeah, they're not supposed to know about Cecil Rhodes. You're not supposed to know about a book like The New World Order by Sean Stone that clearly on the cover shows America being overtaken by the British Empire. It's an un unassailable history, but you need to understand the grammar, the individual players of Rhodes, Lionel Curtis, the people that were in that milieu of Anglo-American establishmentness to remove the sovereignty of America, to drag our reputation through the mud, to inherit as property managers hundreds of bases around the world that we didn't initiate. There's the Anglo-American establishment by Quigley. So he he was so scared of the whistleblower story that he got in 1948 that that book wasn't published until 1981 after Quigley died. And in the New York Times article in 1976 with Rudy Maxa, Quigley can be heard in the audio tape. You can listen to it for yourself. When Rudy Maxa asks him about Lionel Curtis, the progenitor, the people who carried on Cecil Rhodes' last will and testament, Quigley's like, don't talk about that unless you want to lose your career. And that's where the tape ends. 
They had a nice conversation about how Macmillan and company conspired and lied to Quigley about the destruction of the plates so that they couldn't publish Tragedy and Hope, the, the big 1,300-page book anymore. And so that underground censorship built up a following of why why does this book have to be censored? And so this, this story should be well-known, especially to Americans who are the target of the plot of a group of international conspirators, of which David Rockefeller, Brzezinski's mentor, was one of them. Nelson Rockefeller, his... his uh, I'm sorry, David mentored Kissinger. Nellie mentored Brzezinski. No, I got those backwards. David was Brzezinski and Nelson is Kissinger. They're so hard to keep them apart. If you mess up who my mentor is, I will have you assassinated. You must get it clear. He's still kicking, isn't he? Kissinger's still out there (laughs) rolling around. Brzezinski has departed. But between the bookends of the brothers Rockefeller and their political uh, statecraft over the past 60 or 70 years, David is an admitted internationalist, a proud internationalist. He says so in his memoirs. So I'm just a fan of, of history books and these quotes that illustrate a narrative outside what people consider to be real. And outside that narrative of what they consider to be real, they la- label everything conspiracy theory. Well, yes. What do you, where do you think you're going to be in 10 years if you don't enlarge your world and look at the facts that exist outside the narrative? Where are you going to be if you don't realize that CIA document 1035-960 concerning criticism of the Warren Commission report was a pejorative connotation of the conspiracy theorist uh, genre or use of that phrase because of Edward J. Epstein's book, Inquest, questioning the nature and how the Warren Commission made their decision. So they had a problem with the journalist. They made up a, a phrase, and now that phrase limits people co- people's capacity for what reality is. I just simply point out convenient pieces. It's like, here's Rockefeller, Caltech, and the new eugenics. Read it. It's from MIT professor Lily Kay, who's also departed. There's a lot of good books out there on these topics that are being discussed, but no one's kind of bringing the history, the, con- the context, and smashing the unrealistic claims into the reasonable realities of the evidence. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be clear, I don't want people to misunderstand. I'm not saying that if you read a book like this, like, oh, we're saying that it's the British Empire secretly that is still running things. It's not really the British Empire per se, but the British Empire, in my view, was kind of a cutout, kind of a front for an inner clique, the Rhodes Milner Roundtable groups that was running the British Empire and then getting the U.S. back under that umbrella back into uh, interventionism, into internationalism, which the U.S. previous to that had a, you know, isolationist stance. That's been demonized as well. That was all the purpose of the CIR was to, CFR was to demonize the idea of isolationism and to get the U.S. back into this internationalism and policing the world, which is what these oligarchs really is the best way to describe them had as the plan for the, for the U.S. to come back. And they used a lot of British intelligence assets and agents to get the U.S. back into that. That's who set up the OSS and the CIA, this the deep state, so to speak. Um, the website is Tragedy and Hope. His podcast is Grand Theft World over at Rockfin. My website is Jay's Analysis. Don't go anywhere. This is Jay Dyer with Richard Grove. About 150 your skin helps your body world podcast from richard grove of tragedyhope.com and of the grand theft world podcast <clears throat> and uh, you know richard's been killing over there on grand theft world with some of these interviews that he's been doing with uh, people like whitney webb and i noticed they went into really uh into a lot of depth uh, in regard to the blackmail and, and the espionage and all of that. And that's because, uh, you know, a big part of how the system works is understanding the intelligence apparatus 
And as we were talking about the British Empire, I was reminded of this excellent book uh, by Dr. Richard Spence, which is the the uh, Crowley, right? So everybody knows about Aleister Crowley as this, uh, oh, he's the famous Satanist, he's the most evil man in the world, all this stuff from the 20th century. And pop culture, Hollywood, you know, everybody... Uh, speaking of Kanye, not Kanye per se, but you know Kanye used to be uh, you know, hanging out with Beyonce and and Jay Z, and they're big uh, promoters of Crowley uh, over the years. And what what's fascinating is that a lot of people don't know that Crowley was actually an asset of British intelligence, and he was used in a lot of propaganda and 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 sort of uh, co op uh, co opting other people uh, in various missions. And so uh, you know w- why would why would Crowley be useful in that regard? Well. Crowley had a philosophy where he said the slaves will serve. And what he meant by that was that he was essentially adopting an occult version of the the dehumanization uh, philosophy, which is this this operating system of the Malthusian British imperial system, right? That there's a a giant mass of the population are essentially slaves that don't have any uh, capability of thinking beyond just being sort of animals. And so they're dehumanized into being viewed like animals. That is the ultimately the social Darwinist system and that's the operating system that the U.S. adopted, you see, if you look at things like State Department Memorandum 200, if you look at the writings of Kissinger, if you look at uh, the writings of Brzezinski, right, the, the American intelligence establishment, the, the, the planners, the big scale planners, they adopted wholesale this system. And that is the key to understanding what is being pushed with the Great Reset, with transhumanism, with Klaus. And so, Richard, uh, again, I know you've got Klaus back there. I got my Klaus right here with me. Uh, would you would you care to comment on that? How we're just it's the same system. It's just kind of given a, a high tech overlay now. For sure. Uh, let me start at the beginning. Uh, Grand Theft World podcast is on Bandai Video. Thank you, Bandai Video. We did four hours of interview between Whitney Webb's two volumes of her books. It's impeccable. It tells a very important story that carries back into BCCI and Iran Contra. And I also brought for you the Predicament of Mankind, the 1970 document that led to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab's 1973 Davos Manifesto with Prince Bernard of the Netherlands, a former SS officer, and also Prince Philip, a former eugenicist who wanted to come back as a virus to kill everybody. And uh, that whole movement picked up by the Club of Rome into the World Economic Forum precipitates down on us today as the Great Reset. So if we don't understand what's going on in the past, you're not going to understand their agenda for the present or the future they've already planned for you. And you can just read about in their documents. It's not conspiracy theory. It's actually what literate people do if they want to stay free in a society kind of hell bent on taking away freedom. Yeah. And in the, in the past century, it was called the great game. Right. And uh, for example, yes. there was a book that I read many years ago. Um, by a CIA uh, analyst guy who then went on to write about fiction. And it's a, an important book because... Well, Kipling coined the great game, I think, Jay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the reason I'm bringing up the fiction is that you understand that the, the British uh, espionage writers 100 years ago realized that one of the better ways to program people was through stories. And so that's why you read books like you know, uh, Brave New World, right, uh, which is basically giving this uh, this idea that this is a necessary future. This must come to be. And uh, that's part of the great game, which I said is the, is managing the dialectic in terms of narrative or story. So rather than looking at the facts of what went down, the control system thrives on giving a story that limits the the perception in terms of a false dialectic that Brzezinski talked about in Strategic Vision of a false Manichaean either or. So you are kept within the circle, within this box. 
you have two false choices. And it doesn't just apply to Democrat and Republican. It applies to all of the events and narratives that come out in the mainstream media. They have to be told in a false either or. And you see it in the programming of the fiction. And that's what I'm trying to get at with books like The Great Game. Well, and also H.G. Uh, Wells and some of his nonfiction works. I mean, he wrote a book called The New World Order. He wrote a book, The New Machiavelli. He wrote uh, several books on this capacity. But he, he discloses it in his experiment on autobiography, where he says he's hanging out with the Fabian socialists and he confirms much of what Quigley had attributed to Alfred Zimmern and the other whistleblowers who brought forth that information that ended up in Tragedy and Hope, the big book and Anglo-American establishment. So there is a long history. It's all in English. Fortunately, the people trying to do this, they also speak the same language. So it's pretty easy to read into their documents and their plans for the future and the things they said they'd do in the past, like Agenda 20. One back in 92 seemed like far off. And by Agenda 21, they said they were going to eradicate polio. And so here we are at Agenda 2030. That's still a thing. So not everything that they plan to do gets done, but it is interesting to see their continuous planning for the future. And the United Nations plans also match up with the uh, DCDC Strategic Trends Program that the UK Ministry of Defense rolls out and they've been yes. predicting the future decades and decades out for decades and decades. Now you can go back and read 2007's report about 2030 and see if it matches up with the 2030 United Nations and world economic forum. Great reset agenda. There's only so many people yeah, on the planet. It's a small group of people that want to ruin freedom and they work together. It's not a secret. They tell you about it. Yeah, exactly. I did a fourth hour here on that UK Ministry of Defense document that was declassified that deals with transhumanism. And one of the things that after all the transhumanist stuff about, you know, chipping everybody and all this kind of stuff, the surveillance, there's a specific section where they go on to talk about how the, the, the way they'll bring this in is by telling stories and changing narratives. And they, so they actually talk about narrative construction. And of course, what did Klaus just put out? The great narrative, right? His one of his new texts. And that's because they want to tell the story. It's this, this book here, the, the blue book. Um, and next time I'll work in book cam so I can show you these things more in depth. But I know we, we're on a tight schedule today, so I'll just keep it that. Yeah, I mean, and, and another thing I wanted to bring up was about Islam. Uh, you know, one of the books I've been lecturing through is the, the Milner Fabian Conspiracy by uh, Ratu. And, and he goes into the history of the idea of bringing Islam into Europe and into England. It goes back to the Fabians. It was specifically the Fabians, and particularly Bertrand Russell, who said that we will use Islam as a tool to destroy the existing society so that it can go into the future order. And that he's not the only researcher to come to this. In fact, uh, Royal Society researcher Mark Curtis, who I have lectured through this book many years ago in his book, Secret Affairs, mm -hmm. Um, he goes into Britain's longtime collusion with all forms of Islam to bring about some further future goal, right? This is what I'm trying to say is that it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actual geopolitics. Another American researcher, Robert Dreyfus, uh, he, he wrote a similar book, Devil's Game, where he looks at it from the American establishment perspective. So both the UK, the American, it's particularly it's just the Eastern Seaboard elites. They have this strategy of utilizing religions to... Uh, change the existing society, not because they're uh, altruistic, not because Tony Blair as a Fabian said many years ago, oh, I love Islam, I want more Islam, because he actually is altruistic or cares about religion. It's a tool to change the existing society for where they want to go in the future. Miles Copeland says that very thing when he talks about changing Egypt, right? It's not because he doesn't like Islam and he wants to uh, modernize Egypt. If you read 
in his book, uh, uh, Game of Nations, at the end of it, he says the purpose of the modernization of Egypt has nothing to do with good or bad. It has to do with the end goal of population reduction and changing the existing societies for the technocracy. Can I, uh, I'll try to wrap it all in a bow in one minute. Kipling wrote a book called Keep in Memory. It's to train kids to be spies. Uh, Sinjin Philby's son, Kim Philby, who was a famous spy, was trained and named after that method. Sinjin Philby helped to create the Saudi royal family. He was an MI6 agent, was getting paid well after they said he left. And that proves everything that Jay was just telling you about with the Kipling, great game, bigger picture, secret affairs, shows where bin Laden had a headquarters in London in 1996 and MI6 supported it. And so did CIA Operation Cyclone. So Anglo-American establishment, learn it more, learn more about it every week, grandtheftworld.com. Yeah, exactly. And Operation Cyclone, that was uh, really the the mastermind of Brzezinski, right? Brzezinski was the guy who was uh, telling, uh, you know, the 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 uh, the White House, here's what we'll do. We'll wind down the Cold War by getting the Soviets bogged down in, in this conflict. We'll come out the victor. But at the same time, he also had the strategy of controlled and managed chaos in the post-Soviet bloc countries, right? So the, the Soviet bloc had to be then managed by uh, controlled and managed chaos to bring it into a neoliberal order, not because he cared about uh, free markets or anything like that, but because the, the long-term goal was, as Brzezinski said, technocracy, to transition the entire world into a technoc technocratic slave uh, system. And that's exactly what Klaus does in the shaping of the fourth industrial revolution. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, Richard is, of course, uh, over at Grand Theft World on Rockfin uh, and on Bandai Video, and he is uh, at Tragedy and Hope. And uh, anything else you want to leave us with, Richard, before we go? No, I, I think that uh, next steps could be read the appendix in that book you just showed, Fourth Industrial Revolution, appendix called Deep Shift, and Klaus says implantable tech, uh, techniques and Neuralinks for you and your family by 2025. There we go. Stream Deck didn't want to work there for some reason. Fantastic interview uh jay dyer did with richard grove right now jay dyer is uh hosting a history of philosophy course for uh i believe graduated autonomy students um i got to sit in on the first lecture it's fantastic been very busy since then um but i heard it's been quite a ride and he's uh, very knowledgeable on the subject something i've studied extensively and can certainly um support and uh, get behind in regards to people who are interested in the history. It's a great resource to check out, especially once it's available, which will be available on the Autonomy Agora Marketplace. So shout out to Jay Dyer and the wonderful work he's doing uh, with that, as well as the work he's doing over at Jay's Analysis, and as well as uh, hosting the fourth hour. So absolutely fantastic interview. Obviously, Royce White as well, uh, his impassioned speech in regards to who are the Nazis. You know, this is what Rich has been saying. This is what Jay has been saying. This is what so many alternative producers and media personalities that have read the uh, subsequent texts, the relevant texts, have showed you that, hey, look, there's no break in the chain. It's not like we won World War II and everything just went on great after that. They imported the philosophy. The philosophy doesn't even come from Germany. It comes from the UK. I mean, even Royce went into who sex, Coburg, Gotha, yeah. who are the monarchs. So, yeah. It's there's a deep history here, and that's what we try to uncover on the show. Well, there's a lot to it. Like, uh, the, the sub theme that Jay was developing there is that, uh, uh, the Rhodes Roundtable Group, the British Empire, for lack of a better term, back in the day, uh, they had uh, a way of ameliorating making America friendly to their culture through narratives. They did it with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. 
They did it with H. Rudyard Kipling. They did it with Kipling. Now, Kipling also wrote, well, well, I'll get to Fleming in a minute, but Kipling wrote The White Man's Burden as well Mm. to get America into internationalism and get, uh, you know, go outside Monroe Doctrine type stuff and to start messing with the Philippines and messing with Cuba and all these sort of things. And then once they got some Americans who now in the Anglo-American establishment, they just had like opium money over here and they were separated from the mother country but once they started doing joint operations and ganking countries just taking over countries for decades it's all narrative control that's what uh, jay was bringing up with dialectics which goes back to philosophy i mean this is a you know these types of philosophies of dialectics and narrative control goes back to the sophists of ancient greek and the ancient greeks and even before that so So how how did they do it though so it starts mm -hmm. with uh Conan Doyle, who says yes. in the Pilgrim Society book that he wants America back in the empire, and H.G. Wells and Huxley and Orwell, and then uh, Ian Fleming and Roald Dahl and all those other people that were in the Irregulars by Jeanette Conan about the British spy infiltration and during pre-war time, World War and, II. And who is Jeanette Conan? She's the granddaughter of James Bryant Conan. James Bryant Conan, right. Yeah. And That's a she, huge. Yeah. She also wrote Tuxedo Park about the robber barons who started creating the atomic weapons program prior to Hitler taking power. It's fascinating because I thought Hitler was the justification for all these things. I, I felt kind of like going into that Infowars thing with Jay, like we were cleaning up Nagasaki the next day. We were like Nagasaki <laughs> cleanup crew, like I, you know, which so was not. Which was an accident too. That wasn't supposed. There was another yeah, target not, supposed to be etched. bombed, and then the ger- actually, there's uh, evidence that the Japanese are ready to surrender. There's a lot of also even in the Pacific theater. It's, it's a like big they mess. built the thing and they were going to use it, and they're like, they're going to use we, it. Who can we get away with using it on? Oh, Japanese people. There you got go. It. A lot of evidence to that too. Yeah, and not only that, lot. but Oppenheimer's deadly toy continues to plague generations into the future you can't uncreate that stuff yet i hope there's a discovery in the future and they can just like touch a wand to these nuclear weapons and be like oh they don't work anymore sorry yeah you guys can't threaten each other with total annihilation what will you ever do humanity you know maybe we can graduate from this like fear-based arms race phase and get to the part but first i think we have to deal with the nazis they're still yeah. here these people the- mi6 groomed the nazis nazis didn't do all that stuff by accident they had designers and what i meant by kipling because we were talking about it at the beginning of the interview people might not put to put it together but when jay handed it off and i said let's go back to the british empire cecil rhodes had a friend named kipling and on the edge of his books was what swastikas and who rebranded they're like the, we, the, we got this nazi project over here we're going to need a logo and the right or the rounds table people that are following the kipling and rhodes type of tip hey, let's repurpose the swastika until then, it was a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of all these things. They could invert it almost like they're Satanists. Yeah. They could just invert that symbol and make it evil forever. Unless exactly. they want to have a G20 summit, and then you can have Macron stand in front of a swastika in front of the whole world, and no one says a peep. And even that's sort of inverted in the fact that it's reverse, the, you know, in regards to the way that the swastika is swinging to the left or to the right. And so they're it's still a, subtly inverting it in a weird a way. image. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mirror. That's a perfect... Uh, Just like the Rothschild dinner party invitations back in 1972. Exactly. Who did Macron used to work for? What bank was that? Well, sure it begins with an bank. R, ends with a D. Something with a, a shield that has a certain color. It's not the green color. It the uh, it's a Royce. primary color. Yeah. So. Well, so I'm sure there's nothing to that programming via story and then how maybe... What, what, what did Hollywood spring up before or after the de- declaration of Balfour? 
the first. There's two Balfour declarations, one 1917, one 1926. You got to separate them apart. I'm talking about the 1917. Was Hollywood bigger before or after 1917? Because Hollywood is the main water carrier for the narrative. And it went from books and Conan Doyle and Ian Fleming writing from Russia with love to, wow, Hollywood, the Hollywood. Film. Uh, what, there's what nothing more wood? mesmerizing by channeling a vision that they then produce it's sort of like these sort of like weird occult analogies you could uh, one could assume to it not that that's literally real but it's a sort of metaphorical truth in the sense of like how they're able to use dopamine and mesmerize us and get the us into a state made from holly bushes holly bushes so that again there's that sort of illusion to these druidic rituals back in the day not that it's literally a carryover from that but they're mm -hmm. alluding to the idea of being able to mesmerize people through ritual sort of uh ritualism and through you know stage play and through these sorts of ideas and so it's just a new medium by which they can do it then you know you don't get long after world war ii the cybernetics agenda which talks about closed system feedback and you know you sort of get these narratives and you sort of get the the behaviorist movement is in its third phase by this point where you know that's sort of royce waits talks about in regards to the rats but there's you know we can get into rebecca lamont which we've already done many times but you get to see that the same laboratory. powerful families yeah financing these studies because they're intimately interested in how you, the human mind body soul complex works and how it can be manipulated and certainly do you narrative think that people using the term conspiracy theory artificially elongates the slavery of humanity that's a good little narrative uh control right there i mean just think how much emotional weight and connotations are associated with just uh, that terminology if people weren't scared away by conspiracy theory might they have read books like world is laboratory by rebecca lemoff or uh builders of empire by jessica harlan jacobs yeah or, builders of empires uh the uh mit book by dr yeah. lily k the the new biology that they created rockefellers i mean the people who brought you hitler funded then went to caltech and rebranded it as the new biology and you guys are all up with the dna and the crick and the crispr and all the IBM, other things in look, between man ibm look, I, and the holocaust ibm and the holocaust they called yeah. it applied biology now we call it precision medicine i think turned by uh robert Kalis, testing yeah which is uh you know what maddie bannon's real-time data real-time data real-world data it's just the same sort it's just they rebrand these the, these types of terminologies they just rebrand them and they euphemize them they get everyone confused just like uh you know um what was it first called the eugenic society becomes just like uh society like it was julian huxley's project or one of the huxley boys uh, unesco um in regards to what was it i think it was the eugenics something it's a foundation society and then it becomes like uh, what's it called now? Because we got oh. it on the show many, many. Uh, you looking at eugenics? Let me bring up the L history blueprinto. Let's see. I can't see my because they rebranded it. Now it's like genetic something or else. Oh, that's the wrong one. Yeah, you guys can see that. All right, so I can search away. Uh, you looking for Julian Huxley? And yeah, yeah go to Julian because that'll tell me the organization. Julian Huxley. Uh, World Eugenics Society, World Wildlife Fund. Um, yeah, World Wildlife Fund. So you can see how they're beginning to cultivate the narrative associated with the climate crisis. It's very abstract uh, crisis that encompasses the entire world because they need a, they need a narrative by which they can uh, gain sort of supranational control over national sovereignties, national governments in order to um, bypass 
these laws and, you know, state that there needs to be something done on a world level, you know, just like why it was with so COVID and pro, pandemics. Why are there so many pro buggery people into eugenics and education of children? I'm just asking for a friend. I'm just saying. I think it's Francis Galton. It was the yeah, ever look into something. Sir Julian Huxley. Maybe his work for the Homosexual Law Reform Society. Now, I'm not saying that has anything to do with this other proclivity that seems to be shared with him and Cecil Rhodes and many of the other people that happen to be in those positions of power. You know, Cecil Rhodes used to like to take, I don't know, because they didn't, they, it wasn't one of those stories you're telling earlier. Tell me about the, the Whitney Gold. Webb. Mm -hmm. uh book oh, with yeah. child trafficking they'd take 40 or 50 girls to those department stores well, so yeah. Cecil Rhodes used to take 40 or 50 boys to the woods the boy scouts yeah, were out of the scouts. Rhodesian uh scouts the they're called the Lavat scouts and that's what boy scouts are uh based on around the world and there's never been any child sex trafficking or molestation charges with the boy scouts so we know there's nothing to see there and it's all just conspiracy theory sounds like people who use conspiracy theory cover up for child rapists that's exactly right and oh, whitney, whitney whitney webb that's a fantastically well stated on page 18 of volume two we're currently going through now Second volume in the book club for those that are interested, join Grand Theft World. Go to grandtheftworld.com in the right top right hand corner, join community, pick your donation tier, come in, join the community, um, uh, join the book club. It's Fridays at two every other week. And if you can't participate at that time, uh, Maddie posts a replay almost immediately right afterwards, which we usually get pretty good uh, hits on that in regards to those that can't make it. And but we went over the first chapter, and it's very interesting on page 18 how she's how she is able to provide almost a one-to-one -one analog to BCCI and what was going on with the uh, United Arab Emirates and the Saudi princes. And, and continued through Robert Maxwell's operation. You got it. You got it. And it actually comes right out of the BCCI affair, which was the report from John Kerry and Hank Brown. Yeah. Skull and Bones investigated. That's right? what I love about these things. That's what's I, so absurd. Remember when the Rockefellers investigated the CIA that they helped to create and use as a front for their organizations? I mean, it's just ludicrous. So now what I want to go back to a little bit earlier, it's it was the Galton Institute. They rebranded in 1989 because I believe it was called the Eugenics Institute or something like that. And they rebranded as the Galton Institute. And so you can see how the preservation they just, of favored they, races. They why changed, don't they just say it? I changed the term. This is why I got into fallacies and definition in my course, because that's the two things that are utilized the most in regards to making people confused, gaslighting individuals, uh, creating contradictions where they what creates cognitive dissonance, which creates situations of mass formation because people don't have any sort of tethering to what reality is because they're constantly told things they can feel and experience that aren't true. And they don't know what to do about it. And that creates the perfect situation to formulate and mold people into the image that they well, want. The pejorative conspiracy theory term works to stifle people's learning. And it only works on minds weak enough to accept those claims without challenging them and be like, bro, I got the book. I'm sorry. You're full of shit. Don't gaslight me. And I've who was that? Quotes. Alan Dulles, head of the Warren Commission. Well, I was know? just about to say right before, I was like, that's as ludicrous as having Alan Dulles investigate the death of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's it's Chris. Christ rolls I mean, his eyes at that one, dude. Now, dude. now it's more. Leave uh, you guys to Jesus. <laughs> it's more. It's even more absurd or dumbed down in the fact that Maxine Waters is the one that's going to investigate the whole FTX scandal. So you know, of course. Now it's just on a level of stu stupidity. The SBF. Oh my god! And what does she know about Samuel finance? Bankman Fried? <sighs> Freed. Freed. Fraud. Fried. Freed. Fraud. Fraud. Which, by Fraud. the way, uh, Carolyn. Vagina. Vagina. Close. There's a lot of those. I'm sure the 
the AI bot AI bots trying to transcribe such things are having a heyday. So it's a lot of a lot of corruption going on. We have to find a way forward and you know hopefully continue to get the message out there so people can prepare in whatever way they can. Um, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. I think that's sort of a, a good cliche to operate under in regards to what we're experiencing right now. Well, the people in control, they're not so good and they're not so smart. So come on. They're not they're not well thought out villains at this point. Well, all they're using is they're narrative just, control. I mean, that's that's the key. They're not holding a yeah. literal gun to your head. They're just telling you lies. They're making it so obvious. It. Didn't we just see the Disney clip earlier tonight that said, right. uh, you know, and not it's it's not misspelled Santa. That's clearly a message intentional in the script. F- past everybody on the set. There's 60 people on the set. No one said, hey, this is a misprint. Get, get rid-. It's not a mistake. Well, the, and it's the them. kids say it. They say yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's when, you know, it was yeah. 100% choreographed. Oh yeah. We didn't mean to say Santa. Like no kids don't know. How and it's in the Santa. new Santa Claus a- movie, which every parent's going to take their kids to see unwittingly. And then they're all just going to have to brush it off, but also just brush off the Super Bowl halftime show and brush off the MTV awards and all the other things that you see in the bookstores these days. Cause it's like all Satanism up in front of everybody. Yeah. And I think Crowder did a good job. It's like the, yeah, they're not necessarily religious terms. or organized. They're just anti-good. They, yeah. you know, they're, they're hating on earth. They're hating on nature. Yeah. They hate anything beautiful. And that goes for any religion, mystery religions. They don't create popular. They just know how to destroy. I feel yeah. sorrow for them. Sorry. It's just inversion. And there's been many, many names for it. It's just like the modern terminology associated with it. Is, is that why Satan. Roberto Calvi and was found not- inverted? Under the Blackfriars Bridge, was that some sort of sign? And it comes from the ancient Arabic, Satan, which means to divide and conquer. Well, so adversary. it's this yeah. the adversaries, divide and conquer. That's the, those sorts of ideas. So, you know, some people believe in some ontology of some being. I, I don't see that necessarily. I see an idea in the people's minds and actions carried out by individuals that then symbolize it. And it's through an egregory, a sort of manifestation of a thought pattern. I think there's more of a reality behind it when, in fact, it's it's a belief. And you don't have to participate in that. Um, and you don't have to fall victim to the subconscious programming they're trying to intentionally foist on to unwitting individuals in regards to that type of symbolism. Did anyone think about the next chapter in Yay yet? <laughs> I mean, the dude, he... he that was he, wild, he, man. He had a whole Jesus vibe a couple years ago, right? Yeah. And now yeah. he's saying a whole bunch of stuff. It's almost like he's overturning the money changer table. He's saying, I'm part of you, but I'm not part of you. Right. Part of that group because Jesus was part of that group. Like he's overturning it and then picking it up for himself. Jesus is supposed to come back. There's a whole uh, revelation story about Israel and what happens when the Messiah comes back. And if Jesus was here today, would he be called anti-Semitic by the ADL? That's my questions. I don't know. He Jesus had hair of wool. His hair was like wool. I don't know. I'm not all into the Bible. I'm just a spectator watching all this stuff go on. And I noticed certain patterns and some of this stuff over time might be worth checking some of this stuff out. Maybe uh, if Trump was running with uh, with uh, the return of the Messiah, that'd be quite a marketing campaign for MAGA. Oh, man. <laughs> is that what is that what <laughs> oh. MI6 agent uh, is behind? I'm sorry. What a- I meant I meant what's his name? Milo, Milo, mm, Milo. I'll yeah, just say, sure. I, I, uh, I referred to the documentary Idiocracy the other night, just to you know. Give <laughs> Which that, part of it? The whole damn thing. The whole uh, thing. It's all going yeah. on. Yeah, the whole thing's going on. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, Mike Judge, the time traveler. He came yay. back with a message in 2006. People have not gotten it, and they're like, "Let's let's go faster toward that." 
Yeah, how long till we see Ye up in front of the House of Representing? The House of Representing, yeah. <laughs> well, if he wants to be President uh, Camacho, if the if the jacket fits, you must have quit. Does that mean we all like have that. to wear that like headgear as well? I mean, they were using what Brando, Brand, whatever Brando, the man, Brando, yeah, Thirst Brando, later. and uh, big ass fries and baiting and all that sort of stuff. Starbucks. I'm beginning to wonder if AJ got his lawyers from Costco. <laughs> oh, no, they love man. you there. I heard. I heard they love you. <laughs> Welcome to Costco. Yeah, I heard they had a time machine there too. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> the time machine. The time machine. Nin- 1939 and evil Charlie Chaplin and his dinosaur wars that, uh, and then the un came and denazified <laughs> un, the un unnazified the, un. the world. That's right. That's mm. right. The un. Let the us un. remember. Well, people always have that time travel thing where they're like, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and kill Hitler. And I always uh, grandfather paradox people. No, but whenever on. people say that, I said, what are you? Hey, Israel. <laughs> Don't you oh. think what Hitler did was bad enough? Why would you do that? Hey, they got Israel for it. I mean, the Jews would probably try to stop the time machine or Zionists, I should say, in that regard. So if you go back with the time machine, the state of you, Israel. if you go back and whack Nellie Rock. Back in 1946, there's no state of Israel. He had to give the Latin American votes at the United Nations to make that happen. That's right. So you can't take a time machine, go mess around with other people's history. If you want a time machine, you need a philosophy between your ears where you don't uh, mess with other people's freedom. There's a philosophy. There's a philosophy of time travel. That's not what H.G. Wells wanted. H.G. Wells, he wanted this guy with a New World Order book. He wanted the time machine so they could go fuck with other people's timelines that they don't have any right fucking with. So that's the gist technocracy in like 30 seconds. Yeah. And that whole Satanism thing is defined by Crowder. You know, they talk about the worship of self, but it's the worship of worship of self in the sense of like a sophistic tradition in regards to uh, what Protagoras said, uh, man is the measure of all things in regards to your subjective beliefs, tendencies, a solipsism that, you know, what, what is between the hemispheres, of your own brain, you know, that is what exists. And so do without will and that sort of idea. It's not based on principles of natural law and, you know, principles of manifestation on an earth that has, you know, um, uh, essence, cause and effect, uh, act the uh, consequence to actions, those sorts of ideas. It's sort of based on the inversion of that understanding. And they understand that. I mean, you know, Mark Passio pointed that out about they know natural law, they understand that object, you know, that sort of tradition, and they actually seek to invert that and confuse they people choose based to on pervert it. Because it. right. they're so creative. Oh, oh, you took the cross and turned it upside down. You're so fucking edgy, dude. I know, right? Oh my God. You put horns on something. Woo! Oh That's my absurd. goodness. So oh. absurd. I know, right? And but, people get lost in the symbolism and and get way they they build it up to be something way more than what it is, which is that, and that's what they want. They want you to sort of go on these red herrings, you know, build these straw men and get confused by it and just understand it's just inversion. It's just yeah, the, they want the denigrating you to know about beauty. those straw men, not how to make a bird's nest and start a fire, keep yourself warm, be self reliant. Exactly. They want exactly. you to be weak. Well, don't give it to them. All said. What other stories we got covered before we uh, exit? episode 109 we got a whole bunch of stuff stories we couldn't get to cover but there might be little representative samples from some of these that we can get into the show here um john down a good clip about the un and free speech well we were just talking about the un and they are trying to take away our guns and our speech the un's like you don't need those first two amendments sorry about that we have a human declaration of rights and just don't read section 29a through c you'll be fine 
Seriously, that's what they're like. They're like, I we'll know. just hide it in like 29. Read just 29. I'm pretty sure I'm recalling from it's, it's a long time since I read that document, but pretty sure that's the part where I went, oh shit. These people put it in writing mm-hmm. that you have rights as long as they say you have rights. And if the on says they want to unperson you, they want to un Kanye Kanye, they just do it. And they'll do it with like seeming approval from everyone who worships authority. That's right. Well, that's exactly right. Hmm. It's based on their whims. It's prescriptive because somehow they're the ones that dictate reality as in a way they're creating reality. Was that that rove quote or whatever? You know, you're just the unwitting sort of like uh, ones documenting that what we do. So. And it's also in the beginning. One nation under blackmail. Whitney Webb says this is in the very, very, very beginning. It's like in the introduction. Let me see if I can find it. Hey, wait, wait, I got to I got No, I, Mm -hmm. I can't say it. I can't say it. What? <laughs> I was, I was. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, Ron Suskin. We're an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality judiciously, judiciously as, as, as you, you will, will we'll act again, creating other new realities, which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. Senior advisor to Bush, Ron Suskin, New York Times. So this Carl Rove quoted by Suskin in his book, and I had to yeah. buy that book to get the quote. So I might as well put the feather in her cap. Well played. That's <laughs> what's going on. So uh, MC Rove, do we have that clip? Do we still have that floating around? Carl Rove says he likes to, uh, they're like, they, like, like what's your hobbies? Chicken. He's like tearing the heads off of small animals. <laughs> Chickens or some shit. Yeah. And he's also, what's it called? A philatelist? A philatelist. He's a stamp collector. He's a stamp. Yeah, he likes stamps of like ripping small. But that's not why they called him a stamp collector. It is a comedy show. It was probably because of his access pass with Jeff Gannon. (laughs) They were studying foreign policy, and he said, "Gannon, how about dictate?" (laughs) Oh wow. Uh, (laughs) Reportedly, allegedly, that was well played. That was a conversation. With the former White House press Yo, how reporter, much Jeff Cannon. That's pretty funny. Not look, Johnny Gosh from the Milk. Look carton. at him dance up there. Hell yeah! There, well, there you go. He Carl raps, Rove. yeah. So I don't want to fault him for rapping, but he's called uh, what? Uh, Cal Turd. What was his code name? Mushroom Turd. Turd. There was Turd Sprout. He had some nickname, what, code Cal name, Pile or something. Cal Patty. Cal Pie. Hmm. Turd Blossom. His code name was Turd Blossom. Carl Rove, you go, his, go ahead. It's a little bit of a turkey ahead, neck thing. If you go searching that in your browser, that's the, whatever happens afterwards on you. But uh, Carl Rove, aka Turd Blossom, I believe was his handle. Turd Blossom, yeah, yeah. During the okay. W. What? There you go. What blossoms from turds? I don't know. Cow turds, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was a reference. Maybe there was um, some other reference in there. I don't know. His relationship with W, I think he got placed there by W's dad. Yeah, oh, yeah. To keep oh, an yeah. eye I mean, on he him. was a handler, but yeah, exactly. He's like a senior advisor. Are you kidding me? Or one yeah. of his yeah, many advisors he had around him, including Ron Suskin. So, you know. Yeah, W. W was a little Not bit. Not the strongest president. Yeah, you know, he didn't have much upstairs. But you know, you know, you know, he got it because his daddy was Anglo-American royalty who got away with not being assassinated or not being involved with Kennedy's assassination. That was his claim to fame. Yeah, that's right. Even so, though he was reported to the FBI 
George Bush of the CIA. <laughs> but what that's not the same book? George Bush. It's not the same George Bush. That black book he had, you know. He also with, had some uh, weird connections with Demorenshill. Um, Demorenshill. Demoren Demoren Andre. Book. Hope a bunch Ruberich. of people had a bunch of dead guys had black books with people's names in it but mm, like that's all conspiracy theory even though you could see copies of the pages and the handwriting <laughs> of the people who did it but that's all conspiracy theory because you're not supposed to look at that if the new york times doesn't tell you son it doesn't exist what how many times do i have to tell you mm. is that dialectic and narrative control uh, well see, censorship no, is the ultimate form of weakness and they flaunt it everywhere oh my goodness that's that's hey, more than flaunted i mean they they do turd blossoms well so. according to the washington times 1989 call boys took that midnight stroll of the vp bedroom and such so there's um, ominous continuity to uh whatever epstein tapped into later it wasn't going on back in the days of uh mickey cohen and j edgar yeah, hoover cohen, yeah. and all those other people glad it well, you know, hasn't been going on since, oh, wait, since the wise men, basically back in the wise guy days. And even before that, you know, almost like intelligence the, community bonded with organized crime, but they never divorced. Hmm. <laughs> and they've nice. had second generations with corporate names in front of them. Immobile Yare. Wait, so that's guard father three. That's not the right script. All right. So other clips we got to cover before we, uh, Head exit stage left. Yeah, did you say you wanted to play the UN and the CIA want your free speech? Or did yeah, we already play that? Yeah, let's take a little gander at John Bowne. He does a pretty good job. Yeah, let's oh, check out the on. John Bowne. Let's see. Uh, let's peel a couple layers on the onion. Do you support the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you think it's problematic to do business with the communist Chinese party when they suppress human rights? Have you reached out to them as a matter of national security, since we obviously have national yeah. security concerns with China, who they seem to be aiding sure in do. this process? Sure, I don't have any communications to speak to specifically with Apple executives. So when I've told you over the decades that large multinational corporations allied with the dictatorships in the UN run the leadership of the CIA, that's, that's not my opinion. And now the Carnegie Endowment former head publicly runs it, and it's come out in the news the last few months that the CIA specifically, illegally, where the Justice Department is meeting with big tech, corporate dinosaur legacy media, and major corporations to set up a social credit score that's already being implemented by stealth to basically debank you, harass you, and later imprison you if you don't go along with them. So this is a real totalitarian takeover. Our democracies on both sides of the ocean are being shaken by the same doubts as to our ability to be sufficiently strong and effective when it comes to the challenges we share. Hate speech, false information, and today's fears. To me, the best way to counter the dissemination of misinformation, we've got to be out there, people who you trust, who are trusted messengers, to get out there and put the truth out. I don't usually read from a prepared speech, but this is so important that I wanted to make sure that I got every single word and fact, scientific fact, correct. Before you inject your child, a decision that is irreversible, I wanted to let you know the scientific facts about this genetic vaccine, which is based on the RNA vaccine technology I created. The first is that a viral gene will be injected into your parents' cells. This gene forces your child's body to make 
toxic spike proteins. It just seems to me, I didn't do a study on it, but from what I'm seeing uh, from my experience is that the people who are spreading misinformation and disinformation seem to be relentless in their pursuit of spreading misinformation. And if you watch corporate media, you'll see a CIA analyst saying, screw your free speech, it doesn't exist. Elon Musk is allowing some freedom on Twitter as a Russian agent. Putin is gonna be all over Twitter. If there's no regulations on this, fake accounts, spoofed accounts, the rest of it, this is a great opportunity for great him. Positive. I've been waiting days for this. Last week, we talked about former CIA agent Bob Bear. And mm. I said there was a movie with George Clooney where he played Bob Bear. And I was like, it's not uh, Three Kings. It's yeah. Siriana. I remember. It yeah, that's the one I thought it was. Yeah, yeah Siriana. George Clooney in that movie, even up to where he gets blown up at the end and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not a spoiler. Um, uh, he's he. That's the authorized story of Robert Bear from CIA. That's part of how they pay these people off. Hey, we'll make you into a movie. Hey, you're the last guy out. Don't say anything about how we killed these guys. We'll call you the last survivor and you get a Hollywood deal with like Michael the, Bay or whoever does it. It's like the last narc or whatever when it comes to, you know, Perea, so. All right, go ahead. Continue to roll that, please. Talking about the popular voice, Musk, he's really talking about Russian intelligence. Controlling what we can say is a means of controlling what we think. Anyone who doesn't understand the importance of protecting all speech, including speech we find reprehensible, is an enemy of America. Do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. It says Twitter provides a global communication platform which encompasses a variety of users with different voices, ideas, and perspectives. As a policy, we do not med mediate content or intervene in disputes between users. This is all just the First Amendment law. And they say down here, if you believe content or behavior you're reporting is prohibited in your local jurisdiction, please contact your local authorities. This is the sleight of hand that the establishment has done, is they've equated free speech with hate speech. So if you're for free speech, you're against minority groups because then people will be able to hurl hate speech at them. And so you should be against free speech because it hurts minority groups. The only thing minority groups have is their speech. Words can be weapons. Hate speech online can lead to cruelty and violence in real life. The UN report says ban people's speech because it might make somebody do something bad when they flood our countries with third world populations filled with hate for us. If you criticize it, you get arrested. Markets like actually totalitarian governments where you have a uh, understanding of what's out there and obviously we're uh, the whole dimension is changing now with uh, as you said a democratization of uh, of countries and and democracies are very messy as we know in the united states uh, you have opinions changing so this is the control ladies and gentlemen this is their this is their larger plan another case of dictats versus dictates hmm. it never ends these people Yep. You can see again, it this circles back, Saki style. Take a shot out there, everyone who's still following along. Uh, in regards to narrative control and dialectics. I mean, again, that's the whole game here. Narrative control and dialectics. It's almost like that's some sort of big deal, recurring theme that we should pay attention to. 
Yeah, we almost. Should, absolutely should. Almost. All right. So uh, other things heading into the stretch. FTX we talked about that. Uh, Klaus Schwab creating a physical the- brain for digitalization. I'm sure that's not a problem that we need to worry about. Apparently, with uh, there, you know, I'll get this on Zero Hedge inside a report. Al- Almeida. I think it was Almeida Research. Carolyn Ellison spotted in New York amid speculation she's about to roll on SBF after hiring a conic Clinton lawyer. Oh, which one? Uh, let's see here. Let's one see. of the ones that didn't end uh, up on the list of body the, count. Uh, Not Vince Foster, right? No one from the Rose Law Firm. Fantastic. Let's see. As Sam Bankman Treat enters day six of his whirlwind media tour in which he makes one or more daily appearances against the advice of his lawyers in hopes of convincing someone that he was too dumb to be a criminal mastermind with billions in crypto and cold storage in the bank accounts in Dubai and Singapore. Luckily, all his wire transfers can be traced. All also the dumb known people I know as the simple jack defense. The weakest link in SPF's defense was spotted in a New York coffee shop. Amid speculation, she was preparing to blow up SPF's entire defense strategy, according to Autism Capital. The former CEO of Almeida Capital, which as a reminder was ground zero, so it's a hedge fund that uh, Ellison, Carolyn Ellison was managing. Anyways, which is a reminder, which as a reminder was ground zero of the FTX implosion after it blew up eight billion in FTX client funds on trades gone horribly wrong. Carol- Carolyn Ellison was spotted at eight fifteen a.m. this morning at the ground support coffee on West Broad in Soho, Manhattan. Uh, this as um ac notes would mean that's interesting right because it's like she's not supposed to be there so you'd have to like really do a double take to be sure it's her but she's a unique looking young woman so i'm pretty sure it's easy to identify her right uh this is ac notes would mean she is not in hong kong is and is in new york not in custody custody a statement from a barista at the coffee shop confirmed that it was in fact true let's see if we can take a little gander at the picture here my all my ad blockers are blocking it there, there she is. So, yeah, she's uh, you can pick her out pretty easily. And she's not in custody, it looks like. It's yeah, almost like scary. when Ghislaine went to get the sandwich that time and was reading that CIA book. <laughs> Remember at the burger place? That's right. That's right. She's like, um, the. why does it matter? Because while the prominent Democrat donor who reportedly is responsible for Biden being in office, quote unquote, and who at least, according to Musk, donated over one billion dollars. $1 billion to Democrats continues his diluted daily media appearances while casually throwing his former alleged lover, co-worker and penthouse mate, Carolyn, and pretty much all other co-workers under the bus by claiming he has no idea how $8 billion in FTX client funds just vaporized. So what's the lawyer? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to tell us which one's the lawyer? Let's go to Clinton. Let's see if we can just find this out more quickly. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Subsequent reports have only reinforced this rumor, and the latest is that Ellison is being represented by D.C. law firm uh, Wilmer Howe. A highly credible source claims that Carolyn Ellison is currently being represented by Wilmer Howe. Not the guy from that 70s show. That's a different dude. (laughs) Uh, That'd be a funny. That'd be a funny. That would be pretty fucking funny. A well-known D.C. insider law firm. Please verify. Best known for its government affairs department chair, Jamie Gorlick, who was the oh, Jamie Gorlick. She was on the 9-11 Commission, the Commission bro. She's department. all fine. Yeah. She's yep. definitely not on the board of directors of United Technologies or United Defense or one of those war-making companies that uh, seem to always have the inside track and the inside contract. No bid contracts at that. So, yeah, yeah she's, a, she's a sweet woman. Yeah, she's 9-11 Commissioner. Yeah, she's setting him up for the fall. Possibly. Yeah, well. That's the uh, speculation right now. So we'll have to see what what manifests from all of this. But if indeed the rumors are true, Jamie Gorlick. 
Nothing to see there. Number two ranking member in the Clinton Justice Department. In a recent interview, she referred to Garland as her wingman. So, yeah, like Dazak refers to (laughs) Xi Zhengli as the the bat lady, and they hang out the bat cave. Oh yeah, getting little bat specimens. Actually, it's a party there. I heard their little bat BDSM Balenciaga bags. Next, next. I mean, they had uh, actually. They you guys the missed blood of the bats all over. You guys missed Balenciaga's 2020 campaign because of the pandemic, but it was these bats in caves, bags <laughs> with the Judas Priest accoutrements. <clears throat> we didn't miss it. They actually decided to do it all over the world. And now, next season, they have a pangolin bag that they're coming out with that goes with the 2020 collection. So it's like you got to get both pieces, put them together, but it makes a chimera for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, brought to you by. Not the CIA and MI6. They're definitely not running ops on people with that whole thing. It's no child trafficking goal. Oh, wait. uh, Did we cover the Biden child trafficking project Veritas? Oh, we need to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, Because, you know, the former vice president, child trafficking. How do we know this? Yeah. Too much evidence left around. You get they're They're not very good. Like I said, they're not good people, but they're not very good at not being good. So we're catching on. We're catching up. So if we have the James yeah. O'Keefe now back on Twitter uh, story from this past week, we have a, a whistleblower. That's yeah, probably it's like two, 10 minutes long or something. Each. Let's do it. Uh, otherwise, it's going to go on and get worse. We got to tell more people about it. And then hopefully that problem gets less bad. So All right. let's check it out. The HHS whistleblower. Yes, sir. Like uh, yeah. Health and well, human services. Maybe you can. Yeah, they, maybe one. they should call it the I, Health and Human Trafficking it's Division. It's this one I sent to you in that production chat. It's like the there's a two part series. It looks like so it's like the very first one on Project Veritas. Veritas web. Sorry, I forgot to put it on the show card. That was one thing I missed. But it's the very first story. There's a uh, says child trafficking exposed. HHS whistleblower Tara Lee Rodas. Got it. Yeah, it's come forward to evidence the government's involvement in child trafficking. This is something that. You know, the, on the screen, it looks like it might be immigrant children, which um, I mean, across the border, which I vigilant citizen covered that whole situation. Where was it? And it's Kentucky? equally as bad as them using Boys Town and all the Larry oh, King yeah. and Franklin cover up and all the other stuff that's gone on over the years. It's all bad. Yeah. And it, none of it should be going it's on. It's the limit test of human evil, in my opinion. That's the most extreme form of it. And well, I really got to question the people who helped to facilitate it, the ones who cover it up and be like, like right. Jean Pierre. Uh, Jean-Pierre, the uh the 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 Saki replacement chick. Oh, oh yeah, she's John, like, there's just yeah. nothing to see here. I'm like, hmm. Or I don't know. Maybe yeah. mother maybe they don't have moms as press secretaries for a reason. Cause like you know. they needed a what is she? She's a, a lesbian that's also a person of color, that's also she has some other sort of qualifiers in the postmodern spectrum that allows her to like on paper, I'm sure she checks by. all the boxes, but she's She's not doing you guys any good. Like you guys have had like Donald Rumsfeld. Now there's a cunning press secretary. You want to, you know, see like Satan incarnate in a suit up there <laughs> using every linguistic principle. Study that shit. Dude. Yeah, that's true. That's compare, absolutely facts. Compare bro. today's press secretaries in the Biden administration to like any of the press attack. Look, Ari, Ari Fleischer, that dude was cunning, bro. Like you mm-hmm. could tell, like he's not telling you the truth. Well, see, like, back then they had to utilize sophists like that, but they don't even have to do that anymore because the population. They, they have just such control the popul- over the media. Yeah they, yeah, they have everyone on autopilot at this you point. You're it. right. You're right. 
That's the same reason they can have the former vice president acting like he's a yeah, president. Right. Shitting his pants and just walking around, you know, shaking people's hands that aren't there and sniffing children and, you know, having a diary from. It's just that the Pope scares the shit out of him, bro. It's <laughs> the white slippers. It's the whole white outfit. It's quite just like, ooh, you know, shock. Got to see some of that crazy art in the Vatican museums, perhaps. Who knows? I don't even know where cause the, we could. There's all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're. I mean, it's on, it depends what's underneath the, the white robes, you know, because Biden might be into that sort of thing. It ain't Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to... Uh, he's maybe trying to sniff what's underneath the white robes. Sorry. <laughs> Sniffy sniff. Biden's in a white room with white curtains sniffing him. All right. <laughs> let's go to James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Got it. Let's, uh, get, let's get through the... David Bowie or some shit. Well, right, maybe uh, if you stop, if you stop human trafficking... We could be heroes. <laughs> oh, you know, white room. Just for one day. White curtains. Numbers of people who are listening are paying to put children in the hands of criminals. And I said, look, I said, I need to make you aware. And they said, Tara, we don't get sued by traffickers. A government whistleblower with the Council of Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency has stepped forward to Project Veritas to detail her harrowing experience assisting with the placement of unaccompanied migrant children the Department of Health and Human Services. In 2021, this whistleblower volunteered to assist HHS with the placement of unaccompanied minors and was deployed to the Migrant Emergency Intake Site in Pomona, California. There, she witnessed the agency failing these children, as she puts it, doing the work of the cartels on your tax dollars. These vulnerable children, we care for them, we clothe them, we feed them. With your dollars and my dollars, we fly that product directly to the trafficker. God forbid it's sex trafficking. Project Veritas embarked on a nine-month investigation across the country to corroborate our whistleblower's claims. So he attempted to traffic children and he's still at address in Texas. Yes, we have 44 unaccompanied children at that address. We have 25 unaccompanied children at that address. Project Veritas put boots on the ground, visiting scores of addresses the whistleblower shared from case files she worked on. What we found was shocking. Young children living with multiple older, unrelated men. And in one case from Gulf Freeway in Houston, Texas, a young girl who admits to her female sponsor using her for sex work. ¿Quién te patrocinó a ti? Una tía, pero me corrió en la casa. Bueno, no sé por qué ella me ofrecía. Ya no me gustaba eso. ¿Te ofrecía qué? Me ofrecía con los hombres. Pero ella, ¿cuántos hombres ella te obligó a estar con cuántos hombres? Bueno, con muchos. Ni porque no me gustaba lo que me decía. Me obligaba. ¿Ella de verdad fue, era tu tía o fue alguien que se... Dice que ella me conocía desde chiquita, pero yo no la conocía. I don't believe that this is something that HHS wants people to know. So tell me about your experience in the federal government. So I've been a federal employee for over 19 years. I'm a GS-14. I work for the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency. We combat fraud, waste, and abuse in federal programs. I've seen that 
there are large numbers of children who are being sent to the same location in some areas within a few square miles. There are over 300 unaccompanied children who have been released. It's just strange that HHS knows there's a lot of children going to one area and yet they're not doing anything to say there's going to be a mandatory home study before we send one more child here. One of the things that has occurred in this administration is that they have relaxed a lot of the stringent vetting by creating these additional field guidances. And there's a focus on move the children as opposed to place children in safe homes. Right now, it is speed over safety. Move the children 10 to 15 days. I am holding Field Guidance 10 from HHS, which was enacted in March 2021. This guideline pushes expedited release of unaccompanied children to sponsors, according to our whistleblower, within 14 days after processing. And what sorts of fraud have you witnessed? Uh, name fraud, legal document fraud? So we had some cases, uh, it's specifically in Austin, where a sponsor was attempting to simultaneously sponsor two unaccompanied children. In one application, said his address was at one location, and then for the next child, he used a different address of a neighboring apartment building. Mm. So same person sponsoring at two separate addresses. And who's he? Um, so the sponsor here, mm. Edgar. ¿Cómo se llama usted? Yo me llamo Edgar. Edgar qué? Edgar. Edgar Tiul. Tiul. Oh, mucho gusto, Edgar. Sí. Eres de Guatemala. Sí. Ah, mucho gusto. ¿Cuándo llegaste aquí a Estados Unidos? Un año. ¿Cuántos adultos hay aquí? Cinco, seis. ¿Qué es todo? ¿Qué somos? O sea, como cinco. ¿Como cinco? Sí. ¿Todos hombres? Sí, hombres. ¿Y algún niño? No. ¿En algún momento has patrocinado a algún niño, Edgar? No. Ninguno. Ninguno. So he attempted to traffic children and he's still at address in Texas walking a free man. Yes, HHS does not want federal law enforcement going after their sponsors in any way. Why not? It's a very good question that I don't have the answer to. Our sponsors typically are not citizens. They are not permanent residents. They don't have legal presence. If you look at the data on the HHS website, a majority of the children who are coming across the border unaccompanied are from Guatemala. Why is that? Well, I believe they're easier to exploit. ¿Cuál es tu apellido? No sabe. ¿Cuántos años tienes? ¿Tu papi está? ¿No? ¿Y dónde está tu mami? También vive aquí. ¿Quién más? Close lives here. Only six. Ah. Y la niña y cuatro adultos. Okay. The little one and four. Cuatro hombres, ¿verdad? Four men. ¿De dónde eres? I'm from Guatemala.
peligro. Este. ¿La niña está sola en el apartamento? No. ¿Con quién? ¿Con su padre? No, están unos muchachos. ¿Cuántos viven en tu casa? ¿Todos hombres? ¿Y dónde está tu mami? Anda en Guatemala. ¿Lo dejaron pasar o qué pasó? Lo dejaron pasar. These sponsors fill out a federal form. So if they provide false information on federal documentation, that also is criminal. We don't know if the U.S. Attorney's Office in Texas knows about this. Right. They probably don't. I think most people don't know. They have no idea that children are going to unrelated people, that children are definitely, we have proof, evidence, that they're being recruited and transported. They're then in debt bondage. We know that children have been trafficked through the program. And the name of this program again is? It's the Unaccompanied Children Program, so the UC program. Ella de verdad fue, era tu tía o fue alguien que se presentó? Pero tú la conocías a ella de Guatemala, no. Y cómo tú supiste de? Dice que ella me conocía desde chiquita, pero yo no la conocía. So your trafficker in Guatemala, he's got to use the cartel to get his children across Mexico, but once he gets the children to the U.S. border, we take them. Mm. So we take the product. These, these vulnerable children, we care for them, we clothe them, we feed them, and then with your dollars and my dollars and the dollars of every person watching, we fly that product directly to the trafficker. The trafficker then has the ability to labor traffic that child until they're caught, if they ever are. And, and God forbid, it's sex trafficking. ¿Quién te patrocinó a ti? Una tía, pero me corrió en la casa. Eh, mírame a mí, mírame. ¿Qué me dijiste? ¿Te corrió? ¿Por qué? Bueno, no sé, porque ella me ofrecía. Y a mí no me gustaba eso. ¿Te ofrecía qué? Me ofrecía con los hombres. ¿Cuánto tiempo duraste viviendo con tu tía? Cuatro meses. Cuatro meses nada más. Pero ella, ¿cuántos hombres ella te obligó a estar con cuántos hombres? Bueno, con muchos. ¿Te obligaba a estar con los hombres? Sí. ¿Ella lo hacía en su casa o ellos te llevaban a otro lugar? No, en su casa. Porque no me gustaba lo que me hacía. Me obligaba. And once the children are gone to the sponsor, there's nothing that we can do about it. There's nothing that HHS can do. We give the child to the sponsor. I said, do you think the child is going to take the sponsor to their immigration hearing? And they're like, probably not. And I'm like, no, probably not. So hence, the child gets an order of deportation, and that's it. I mean, their chance to get their papers are, are gone. So they've been harmed. But why is that beneficial to the sponsor? And I say, case manager, think with me. Who gets the order of deportation? The sponsor. What happens? The sponsor can hold up that order of deportation to that child and say, this is your order of deportation. If you do not do what I say, when I say, mm -hmm. I'm going to call ICE on you myself. We are paying to put children in the hands of criminals. Yes, it's... Entonces saliste, ¿cómo te saliste de la casa? No, 
One day, a case manager, she came running up to me. And she said, Tara, we're sending another child to Austin. And I said, what do you mean? So I picked up all my stuff. I go running down to the command center to talk to the executives there. I said, we're getting ready to send another child. And they said, Tara, I think you need to understand that we only get sued if we keep kids in care too long. We don't get sued by traffickers. Are you clear? We don't get sued by traffickers. So that was the answer of the United States federal government. HHS did not want this information to get out. They knew I had made protected disclosures and they retaliated against me as a whistleblower and had me kicked off the site so that I could no longer research the cases. If you're a case manager and you know this information, if you work for HHS, come forward. It's the only way the program is going to change. Anyone who is recruiting and transporting minors for the purpose of labor, that is trafficking, that is a federal offense. Our undercover journalists traveled to Florida. There, they met 20-year-old Frander, who admitted to paying for his sponsor. And never having lived at his sponsor's address. We met a 15-year-old girl in Houston who told us she had to drop out of school to work long hours in a restaurant kitchen because she owes money to the cartels. Who was recruiting the children? How many were in this particular ring? So sometimes it requires a lot of investigations. So if it's labor trafficking, they would be following those vans to where they were taking the children to work. So in other words, Project Veritas probably has to go out and do the uh, HHS Office of the Inspector General's job for them. Ah, donde te lleven, wow. ¿Cuánto tiempo tienes de estar aquí? Allowing these kinds of businesses to thrive because of this labor trafficking, it's cruel and exploitative, and it's creating conditions really of slavery again in our country. I don't understand why anybody would want to move a child quickly as opposed to vetting that the place that the child is going is safe. I think most people believe, and I originally thought, that sponsors were families because mm -hmm. HHS says we're reuniting children with their families. 
In fact, that's not the case. So let's talk about the, the, the name, the name fraud. So let's just say someone's name is Juan Adalberto Silva Morales. He can use combinations of his name, which we have seen people do, and sponsor. A person may appear to be one person, mm -hmm. but if you know how to search the database correctly, you can see that actually this guy had sponsored and was related to an additional one. So he had sponsored at all of these different locations in Bonita Springs, Florida. And so we thought that was very bizarre. And what we found was when we looked at these houses, we were able to see the unaccompanied minors who had been sponsored at all of those addresses and then all of the different locations that they came from. ¿Y de ahí alguien voló contigo en el avión? Sí, viajamos un día. Salía a las seis allá. ¿Por avión? Por avión. ¿Y te trajeron? ¿Dos sí. personas te trajeron? Sí, dos personas. Es que cada uno salimos como siete. Y son como catorce, catorce señores. Entonces, dos personas por cada niño. Sí, así, así fue, lo vinieron, ayer me entregaron, son dos personas. ¿Y dónde lo entregaron a usted? Aquí en Miami. ¿Usted pagó el viaje de él en sí. el avión? Yo, yo pagué, no, del avión no, ellos de, lo traen. De, ah, de, Miami, de Pecos a Miami, ellos, usted no pagó. Ah, el gobierno lo paga. ¿Cuántos años tienes? ¿Tú no sabes? No, ¿cómo te, no sabes cuándo naciste? No. Who was recruiting the children? How many were in this particular ring? So sometimes it requires a lot of investigations. So if it's labor trafficking, they would be following those vans to where they were taking the children to work. So in other words, Project Veritas probably has to go out and do the uh, HHS Office of the Inspector General's job for them. ¿Estás trabajando también? ¿Y dónde trabajas? Ah, donde te lleven, wow. ¿Cuánto tiempo tienes de estar aquí? ¿Cuántos años tienes? Ah, este, 20. ¿Cuándo llegaste? Hace cuatro años. Entonces, hace tiempo que estás aquí. Pero no fuiste de la escuela, empezaste a trabajar. No, yo empecé a trabajar aquí, acá se cumple ya los 18. En total fue 50 mil. 50 mil, pagar alimentación y otros 3 mil dólares aquí, la recibida. This is a terrible thing. And when you look at some of these children who are teenagers, who've never been to school, can't read, can't write, it's a very wicked thing to take advantage of these children. ¿Qué recibió en esta casa? Él nada más me, re me recibió, pero me mandó para otra casa. Oh. No fue que yo fui a dar a su casa, porque no tenía casa aquí, porque... Fue, diste una dirección, pero nunca fuiste a esa dirección. No fui a esa dirección. Ni fuiste con él nunca, con Gregorio. No, a su casa no. His sponsor is now in prison for child abuse. El 100% de tiempo que tú eres procesado por inmigración, a ti te dan unos papeles. ¿Tú crees que tú solo entregaste al que te patrocinó y él los tiene? Ah, no, la verdad, este, más seguro que tal vez los tiró porque él... Como dijera, este, se estaba en un, una casa en cada poquito tiempo. Que Él iba de un lugar a otro. Ajá, cada poco. Y, y, ¿Y tú en la casa como ocho meses tenía, ¿no? ¿Tiene como ocho meses? ¿Y qué, qué hizo? 
We found Gregorio Suramgualam was sent to prison for felony battery for assaulting a child. Este es él. Oh, hi, exactamente, que está en la cárcel. Es el que está en la cárcel. Mm -hmm. Ese es el que te patrocinó a ti. Bueno, me recibió, pero le devolvimos el dinero. Sí. Frander showed us his fake social security card. Como no tenemos para trabajar ilegal aquí. Claro. ¿Quién te dio? ¿Cómo conseguiste los papeles? Un papelito que se saca como para aplicar los trabajos. Sí, sí, sí. Tienes que tener un seguro social, ¿no? Ah, sí, de seguro social. Ajá, ¿y cómo lo conseguiste? Pues se le llama una persona y él le viene a la casa. Social security fraud undermines the American economy. Jessica Vaughn is the director of policy studies for the Center for Immigration Studies and is an expert on immigration enforcement. And you can be sure that businesses who are hiring workers under these conditions are not paying workers comp, they're not paying their payroll taxes, they're not providing health insurance, allowing these kinds of businesses to thrive because of this labor trafficking simply undercuts um, opportunities for Americans and legal immigrants to work. It's cruel and exploitative, and it's creating conditions really of slavery again in our country. ¿A dónde trabaja mi amor? En el restaurante voy a entrar a las cuatro. ¿Y tú caminas hasta allí? No. ¿Quién te lleva? Yo puedo manejar. ¿Tú puedes manejar? Pero tú tienes 15 años. Uh -huh. ¿Cuánto te costó a ti? 20. Me ah. llegué aquí nomás. Empezaste. A estudiar y después a trabajando. Te, salí, pero te saliste de estudiar sí. y empezaste a... Seis meses estudié. Y después te saliste. Sí. Porque tuviste que pagar tu deuda, ¿no? Uh -huh. Pero ¿qué hora, de qué hora, qué hora trabajas? A las cuatro me entra y sale a las dos de la mañana. Unfortunately, uh, the Biden administration is in denial about the consequences of their policies and instead is acting as if this is simply a benign family reunification or child protection program when in fact they are incentivizing and enabling the trafficking of kids. Problem. I don't understand why anybody would want to move a child quickly as opposed to vetting that the place that the child is going is safe. A whistleblower stepped forward to us after a conversation she had with an HHS attorney from the Biden administration named Catherine Bond. Allegedly, HHS was more concerned about the speed of processing migrant children over their safety. And they said, Tara, I think you need to understand that we only get sued if we keep kids in care too long. We don't get sued by traffickers. Are you clear? We don't get sued by traffickers. Well, in a world where you want some truth to win out, you need a place like Project Veritas where whistleblowers can dump the files, dump the reports, testify on camera, get the, get the word out there. Such things did not exist 20 years ago when I was a whistleblower. And even when things came around 10 years later, like WikiLeaks, I was super suspect. I'm like, how is this oh, guy yeah, so able to I. publish on? And he's got some way to outdo the Pentagon. All right, let's see how this works out. You're seeing how it works out out there. There's powerful people that want to keep either Assange as a puppet that's playing a part 
or a legit journalist who's been tortured. Tortured. And if you look at the history, I think Steve Biko was the real deal. He was tortured and killed. Many such adversaries of the British Empire who weren't cunning like Gandhi enough to survive, uh, they they met the a parting of ways with the Constant Gardener group. That's right. That's They're always planting people. That's why they call him the Constant and Gardener. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. That that's that's a. Oh They're planting people like interesting. Jacob no. Rothschild plants trees. That's last episode callback. So just for a little bit of context, uh, I got this on the show once or twice before, but now that we see this HHS whistleblower come out and state what's actually going on, this uh, article that I showed back on June 8th, 2021, so but in the week that following Sunday when we had the show, I think I was hosting that time. And, uh, you know, I went into this article and I got on the show again because it just seems that more and more information continues to come out with this that corroborates this article. Why are planes carrying unidentified children landing in Tennessee in the middle of the night? All parties involved in this operation are refusing to answer questions. Some Tennessee officials say that migrant children are being transported in the, in the middle of the night for human trafficking. I bet on- the UN has a hand in this because they're the ones from on high that can, and, and Soros kind of works with this too, this migration thing where he gives them oh, yeah. master cards and tells them to come to America. How many of these kids being trafficked are the result of Soros giving a- away those master cards for mass migration efforts? Cause he has a political agenda cause he's still like not the Messiah yet either. Uh, and uh, you know, he's he still helping the Nazis maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes to the UN's agenda where they part of destabilizing European nations in America, Canada, so forth and so on is mass immigration. It, it gives multiple sort of um, vectors by which they can, one, use it for human child sex trafficking, which is just horrific. They can also use it for labor trafficking, which we saw with the HHS whistleblower. And they can use it in a number of situations. Um, it's you know, but destabilizing nation would be the macro sort of viewpoint by which they're u- utilizing it. But also, it then gives uh, the ability for uh, sex trafficking and labor trafficking, and essentially, uh, you know, just a new form of just slavery for what it is. Um, going back quickly to the article, on May 14th, the plane carrying children landed landed at the Wilson Air Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was 1.30 a.m. The following day's TV station WRCB spotted three other planes carrying between 30 to 50 children at the airport. Each time, the children came out of the planes wearing matching bags and entered buses that were headed to various destinations. Here are some of the images captured by WRCB. um, Blurred out there. Children believed to be in their early teens leave the plane. You can see the pictures here. Uh, The children are directed to buses. You can see the buses in the background. That are waiting for them on the runway. Two of the four buses in the video are owned by Coast to Coast Tours. It goes into the details about it and questions. You know, this is part of the Biden administration policies, um, and it serves many different sort of vectors, as I mentioned, many different sort of agendas. With the the biggest agenda just being, you know, destabilizing uh, nation state at large, but also gaining access to slavery in its many and pernicious forms. So it's this article has sadly aged well. And this goes back to June 8th, 2021, where he's just pointing out the obvious and saying, hey, look, this local news uh, station captured this and what's going on here. And it's uh, disturbing. So check out that article. And uh, it sort of corroborates in a different way what's going on. It's not just in Austin or over in California and San Diego or somewhere. It's it's all over the place where they're trafficking these children. Uh, Major city centers, New York, L.A., uh, Chicago, Miami, so forth and so on. So it's uh, Austin, obviously. 
And then to wrap up one of the other loose ends with the uh, Cold War funding and such, I have this. If you can see it on screen, Tony, let me know. Yeah, Bernard Emberg. Yeah. Here's W. Avril Harriman of the Skull and Bones. He might have been involved earlier tonight. Oh, there's in talk Hunter Meyer. Who funded the Nazis, who funded the Bolsheviks, who was wielding control in this Cold War U.S. via Soviet arms race and such things. I had the book behind me, uh, The Secret History of Armand Hammer by Edward J. Epstein. But this book, uh, this this uh, personage right here, Baruch, um, he has a lot of connections over here. I think it might even go back to the facts or fact uh, conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. By Benjamin Freeman. Benjamin Freeman, yeah. Is that uh here it is right here? Here's that character in history. He's an anti mentioned Samuel Untermeyer, if I remember correctly. I saw that underneath Berg was part well. of the House on American Activities Committee. He had a book called Facts or Facts. It's about the Treaty of Versailles, the 1919 Treaty. And in that you have a whole bunch of things that uh, american international corporation we talked about that earlier tonight balfour yeah. declaration we talked about that earlier tonight colonel house didn't mention him but uh you know philip drew administrators his piece of work and uh yeah there's other facts out there that are floating around so um in the milieu of world war one world war ii funding you want to look at the robber barons behind the scene you want to look at last will and testament of cecil rhodes you might want to look at this concept of anglo-americanism and say what is that what's going on there oh there's a there's a big history oh they're looking for anglo-saxon unity who are the anglos and who are the saxons has anyone put that together yet what's going on there hmm. so anyway there's uh various other books like blood class and nostalgia Anglo-American Ironies by Christopher Hitchens. This is Oxford University. You should check this book out because it talks about all this stuff over here. British infiltration, intelligence community, lots of artifacts in there. British Royal Family, Century Club. These other things we've been talking about all night. CIA, all these things, the past hundred years, there's an ominous continuity. We talked about America's great game and uh, the, the continuation of the Kipling uh, motif with America instead of uh, Britain playing with its cousins in Europe who got killed off in World War One, America and the new great game is uh, the, the gist of what's going on through the Cold War all the way up to today's Great Reset. So it's an arc of history. Here's Operation Cyclone. We talked about that earlier. Miles Copeland. We talked about that earlier. There's a lot of good points that have been hit in this episode between all the content uh, and the juxtaposing the news stories. So lots to learn every week. That's just a taste. Come back next week for more. Absolutely. Yeah, we did a good overview of last week's news, and I'm sure there's going to be much more fallout, especially with this what continuing more weird FTX stuff figure scandal up this week. <laughs> and the Twitter files. I'm sure there'll be a lot of How are they going to top Kanye and Mask? I don't know. No, they're not going to be able to top that, but there'll still be plenty of craziness to deal with. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else to cover before we thank the uh, good folks who made this show possible? Nope. That's, uh, I think we hit the highlights for the week. So we can head to uh, wrapping up. LD, if you got a fire going over there, then go ahead and rack it up. <sighs> I know it's been a marathon. Got many, today. many, many things in the fire. Oh, there we go. Got to <laughs> warm it up before you can do that. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Well, Huge thanks to our Grand Theft community member supporters. And uh, if you're not familiar with grandtheftworld.com, go check it out. You can join the community, as Tony 
alluded to earlier. You can support us directly. And um, a big thanks to our Rockfin tippers tonight. We had a bunch of people listening. I, I added up the numbers just uh, across different platforms. It was it's pretty cool. It seemed a, yeah, it a was- robust live audience. <laughs> So uh, well, that's good because we upped our streaming game this week. We try to we try to get a little HD stream going, and uh, I didn't think about it for the past seven hours, but yeah, it worked. Yep, it's working. Thanks to you know who from an undisclosed location. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Autonomy right. graduates are awesome all around. Indeed. Uh, Big thanks to the Rockfin Tippers, F Fitz, $10, Hi Nerds, Ian, $5. Why is the chat broken for me? Did I get banned here too? No, you didn't. But sometimes the chats are, the Rockfin chat is troublesome. Yeah. Tommy Riley, $5. The Twitter files shows the value of Twitter as a regime change agent, which vindicates the reality of Oxford review of computational propaganda lab research on, the, on their axis of Iran, Russia, and China, LOL. Anyway, any chance of grabbing Scott Horton or Alistair Alistair Crook of Strategic Culture for an interview? Uh, We had Scott Horton on just a couple months ago, but we can put him back on the list because I got more to learn. Enough said, or enough already. Either one. Dave Geminer, $10. Thank you. NW, $5. Thanks for bringing on the Urban Farmer. Great white pill to start the week. Tommy Riley again. So I should trust two Anglos speaking about China when Communist Party allows for protest as a pressure valve back in 2012. The Atlantic wrote a great article on the reality of China. And I, I dropped that in the chat uh, a while back. Uh, yeah, it's an article in the Atlantic, how China stays stable despite 500 protests every day. Uh, I'll definitely look at that later, Tommy. Chris Youngblood, $5. GTW always comes through. Lightning in a bottle. $5. Love the show. Thanks, GTW. Rich and Tony, can y'all please? Uh, yeah, we've, okay. I, I see uh, I see what's saying, being said there. Uh, the, uh, uh, yeah. we're, we're aware of Have that documentary, yeah, and, and I'll just say that, and we'll move on from there. Do we, we don't want to say what they're called? Yeah. Uh, let's, then we'll just, yeah. we're aware of the documentary. Not if you want to see the show next week. Yeah. You so, see the culture that's going on out there? There's documentaries. People should check stuff out and weigh the evidence. We've seen it. It's certainly very interesting. Um, but you know, we nothing. I don't even need to know the name of the documentary. Yeah, Yeah, we yeah. Been around. Brought out a few people in different chats that are I don't know, seem like they're trying to stir some stuff. There is an alternative. It's like there's there's a psyop going on. Yeah, there's an alternative history that people have latched on to. It's like it's like it's very similar to Yay and Zionism. You know, like just we'll leave it there. So Charles Douglas Jackson. So understand, there's a lot of propaganda. Are we censoring, are we censoring comments? I mean, because there's a couple of these. You know. Yeah. You know, no. I mean, really it's, mentioning it gonna. Just because you make a comment doesn't mean we have that, to read it on the show. That that docu that documentary very interesting, that's, but that's very just very. Um, I mean, that's well. It's I big. can't see the comments, so I can't feedback. I don't see any comments during the show at all. So do you, well, all right. Well, we, thanks to lightning in a bottle and, uh, appreciate it. Illuminate, not appreciate me, uh, who says, thank you for your hard work. Dallas Vod $2 LD. I'm in the twilight zone right now. AJ got to put it on the soundboard, please. 
Yeah, I'll have to add that to the list. Dallas and as far as two dollars, uh, before we go through all of that, uh, as far as saying the names of documentaries, I'd be happy if you want to make a video on that and attach your real name to it, and we can review it on the show. Have at it. Go ahead, continue. All right. Fair, yeah. Fair enough. Dallas Avad, $2. I identify as a conspiracy theorist. My pronouns are told you so. <laughs> Thanks, Dallas. Tommy Riley, $5. I don't know if you guys are into oval media, but they've been producing a Catherine Austin Fitz and CJ Hopkins collab. Episodes, episode three is out on propaganda. 56 minutes to about an hour is a fun eye opener. Thanks again, Tommy and Matt Green. $5. What kind of hoodie is Richard wearing? I'm digging the Union Jack on it. It's a Paul Joseph Watson summit.news that I got at infowarsstore.com. Along, I got the hat once upon a time there, too. I think Alrighty, it actually well, says in the back summit.news. Summit.news. No, 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 no. We didn't play any PJW tonight, so. Maybe we'll have to have him play us out. He did a couple of good videos this week. One was on the Apple, purposely um, taking down one of their apps during the China protests, which was very good. I actually played it on the town hall because I found it very interesting. He had a couple of good, good segments. How did Alan Turing die? <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's an open-ended question. We're getting to the end of the show. We want closed-ended questions. Who else do we have, LD? Uh, that does it for the Rockfin tippers. I do have to send a special thanks to Sir Dave and Dame Laura of the land of venison, honey, and cheese. They sent me a nice basket of uh, goods from their lovely wow. state. So that was <laughs> very classy, very, very classy. sweet. Um, yeah, thank you guys. Um, I guess that does it. I'm not going to show you my T-shirt store because it's not. It's not working right now. Oh, good cliffhanger. Show us next week. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, you can check out a yeah, Monday leftover stream on Odyssey or my YouTube channel if you're interested. If you didn't get enough tonight, there'll be some more tomorrow night. Cleaning out the fridge for the coming week. Yeah, it's where LD gets rid of all the other clips that were worthy of playing, but we couldn't fit in a seven-hour show. And with that, is that the whole list? That's the whole list. Well, getting to the end of this, these episodes, like riding a bull, you guys made it to the end. Congratulations. Some of you watching on the replay, it took you several days to do it, but congratulations nonetheless. There's a character arc to uh, what's being told with all these stories. The Nazis still around. No one even really busted them. And uh, this guy, Nelson Rockefeller, said there will be no bankers trial. He cut deals. You should learn about the history. More next week. Thank you guys all for tuning in and not dropping out. Here's Paul Joseph Watson from Summit.News to play us out. Uh, yeah, I see. So here, <laughs> Paul. Uh, we also have, uh, so do the apps. No, not that one. No, deliver it dumbing down. That's a good one. Fuck Apple. Do the fuck Apple one. Fuck Apple. Yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> that Apple had nothing to do with Turing. <laughs> see you guys next week. Uh, see everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll, yeah, we'll see you next week.
Elon Musk is going to war with Apple. But it was Apple that started the fight because Elon might allow... Wait for it. <laughs> free speech! Oh no, not free speech. We can't have that. Elon must be stopped at all costs. Elon Musk could threaten free speech on Twitter by literally allowing people to speak freely. This is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. Yeah, precisely as I predicted, it's happening. Elon revealed that Apple is threatening to kick Twitter off the App Store entirely. Who gave Apple the right to act as the Praetorian guards for the internet? Who decided they were allowed to charge a de facto 30 percent tax on the internet? Who voted for Apple to establish a monopoly on permissible content? This 2020 Fortnite clip has never been more relevant. Isn't it interesting how Apple threatened to do all this literally the day before there was going to be a massive ban amnesty, which would have restored countless accounts that were unfairly banned in the first place. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. Proving once again how all this is orchestrated from above and represents state-sponsored suppression of the First Amendment. Regime journalists are lobbying the Biden administration to crack down on Twitter, and the White House is all too happy to help. Ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. Who does Apple give political donations to? 97.5% Democratic Party candidates. Well, imagine my shock. The media, the government, big tech are all working in unison once again to rig the game. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want. Company does what it wants. They must be destroyed! Let's not forget the outrage of lockdown and vaccine mandates was only made possible via stringent social media censorship. Now the regime is losing that that weapon, they're terrified that such abuses of power will be harder to impose in the future. This isn't about hate speech, misinformation, bullying, or any other of the vacuous moral panics they contrive. It's about losing the power to impose and justify human rights violations, which is what lockdown was. Losing the power to terrify the public into compliance and submission. Breaking Twitter has stopped enforcing its COVID-19 misinformation policy as of November 23rd. Oh no, how are we gonna silence people who checks notes were proven right about virtually everything. Odyssey just revealed that Apple forced them to delete the ability to search for certain terms on their own website related to COVID to stay on the App Store. That's how drunk with power they've become. To remain on the App Store, they were even told by Apple to censor images of Pepe the Frog. Really? Only today we learn that Apple has restricted the airdrop feature in China. Right as there's a mass uprising against the Communist Party's brutalist lockdowns. A policy that caused up to 40 people to burn to death because they were prevented from leaving the building. Protesters trying to raise awareness about this and communicate with other activists. Are being prevented from doing so directly as a result of Apple restricting the airdrop feature, no doubt at the behest of the CCP. This after Apple took orders from the commies to remove an app that was being used to organize protests in Hong Kong. There's videos out of China of police checking people's phones for naughty apps. 
选举也请发表意见。But why do they even need to bother? Apple's already done it for them. Apple's got the nerve to grandstand of this moral arbiter of social good. Yet whenever the Chicoms say jump, they say how high. Whenever there's a protest movement to be crushed, Apple gets on its knees and starts bootlicking. Gotta keep those wage slaves building iPhones in dingy factories surrounded by suicide nets. No, you don't get to be the moral arbiter of anything. Apple's pulled most of its Twitter advertising. Advertise with an American company, send billions of dollars to China. They even deplatformed a fun app offering Tinder-style dating for the unvaccinated because legacy media outlets complained about it. They throw their support behind regime shock troops like BLM. They ban apps that try to prevent people from becoming addicted to smartphones. They rely on forced labour in China. So yeah, save me the sanctimonious lectures about your good intentions because you don't have any. Think about the frightening level of control we're handing over to Apple. Apple pay. We're moving towards a cashless society. What about when every transaction is performed by Apple Pay? I went from being a multi-billionaire to not being able to use my Apple Pay. Oh, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to buy dinner tonight because you liked a Facebook post that criticised drag queen story time. One week ban on purchases. They blocked people's payments in Moscow for the crime of being Russian. And they're threatening to ban Twitter now after Elon Musk banned all the accounts that were exploiting it for pushing child abuse. Yeah, nonsense weaponizing Twitter to facilitate their crimes. Apple didn't have a problem with that. Oh, free speech though? Oh, now we have to really take strong action. They're gonna ban Balenciaga from the App Store? Not a chance. Facebook Messenger is the biggest facilitator of CP in the world. Facebook Live was the platform on which the New Zealand terrorist live-streamed his mosque massacre. Facebook was the primary platform on which the storming of the Capitol was organized. App Store gonna ban and Facebook not a chance, they don't care about any of that. Free speech though, oh boy, now we gotta clamp down. So long as Facebook can nuke your account for pointing out how many genders there are, that's what's really important. Apple is just another gatekeeper for regime messaging. And the App Store is just another purity filter to ensure that any outfit that challenges regime messaging gets shut down. Think different and you will be deleted. The sooner Apple is stripped of its power monopoly, the better. And if Elon has to go to war to ensure that happens, then so be it. Conspiracy is a story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.